themselves the guardians of the galaxy. What a bunch of a-holes. Episode 53. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Are, are, are you ready for the only podcast hotter than a human torch? It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I am Brian. I am Groot. I mean, Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the Leftovers. leftovers. All right, so this week we are reviewing the new Marvel movie, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but before we do that, um, Jake, is there anything you wanted to talk about this week? Um, uh, off the top of my head, um, not, not that I can think of. Okay. Um, I, we won't have, be having Frank on this episode this week. <laughs> I'm sure that people are going to start speculating as to why that is. I think he might still be here, actually, though, under the table. Yeah. Recovering down there. Yeah. I think yeah. I heard some Macy Williams grumblings down there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But uh, I, I'm sure you know Frank will be back on in the future. So. Maybe maybe in an episode of Mike Tyson's Mysteries, they can figure out why he's not here. <laughs> yeah, Mike Tyson could probably figure that out. If anyone could figure it out, Mike Tyson can. But he'll be back, right? You For, think? Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah, he'll recover. Yeah, he'll be back. Um, so yeah, one thing I wanted to talk about real quick is people bitching about how we say Gal Gadot. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. That's you know, a good one. Seriously, if if you have nothing else better going on in your life than the, I don't know, gripe at us at the way we pronounce her name, then there's something wrong. We have actually heard her name pronounced that way in an interview in front of her. And there are multiple ways to say her name. So I just wanted to prove that. Here are the three ways that you can and uh, you can pronounce Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Golgadot. So there's three different ways that you can pronounce her name, and it's totally acceptable. So if you don't like it, get over it. It's a pronunciation. Who gives a fuck? I love Find the a better clip. hobby. Where'd you get the clip from? YouTube. All, all you have to do is like type in how to pronounce. They'll give you all the different pronunciations. Oh, gotcha. And the correct pronunciations. So there are three different ways to pronounce her name. In an interview, though, when she was doing Fast and the Furious 6... They pronounced her name in the interview as Gal Gadot. So get the fuck over it. <laughs> My God. Find, get a hobby. Seriously, take up, I don't know, stitching or something, uh, stamp collecting, coin collecting. But, but the, the fucking grammar police. 
seriously. Yeah, yeah we're going to butcher names. That's going to continue old, to happen. We're called the leftovers. People just love to call us out on shit. Yeah, we're already so. self-deprecating. You don't need to slam us on all our mispronunciations. I know. God. All right. That's all I wanted to get off my chest. So, uh, how did you see the movie? I saw it in um, IMAX 3D at the Carmike. I got yeah. a reduce rate by Carmike, so I appreciated that. I really don't think you have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they give me seven bucks off. I appreciate it. That's cool. Yeah. Nice. So. Um, yeah, I saw it in IMAX 3D. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah, it was pretty. Yeah. Loved our intro with um all the music. That's the best way to do this, I mean, because it had really good music in it. You know, one thing, one of the biggest ripoffs of this movie, I think, is... What? Is the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack. Like, yeah. not that it's not a great soundtrack, but, right. you know, I, I have a Spotify account. Right. I can save nine bucks and... That's true. And just create this soundtrack on my Spotify account. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't... The, the soundtrack, though, doesn't it also have, like... Just like the, there's no score, no score. I looked it up on iTunes. Yeah, I looked up uh, on Wikipedia, and they had like the score listed in one, and then they also had like the soundtrack for the the rest. Of the oh, movie. gotcha. There's but there's like an awesome mix volume one you can get. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And that's kind of a lie too, because um, the awesome mix volume one has songs on it that are revealed to be on awesome mix volume two. That's weird. So they just put all the songs on the one thing. Huh. Interesting. So that's just a nerd complaint, though. Yeah. But yeah, Spotify. Save yourself 10 bucks. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> somebody, somebody out there is going, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Looking at their soundtrack. Damn it. Yeah, and I'm not complaining about the soundtrack either. I love the soundtrack. I'm just, I just think it's funny that they're marketing all these songs. And, right. And, like, anyone's going to pay for these songs that you can pretty much... You know, yeah. Not even by pirating get get for a lower cost. Yeah, but none of them are original. I mean, they've been out for years. So, yeah, yeah. Ex exactly. All right, let's go over the synopsis for the film from Marvel, the studio that brought you the global blockbuster franchises of Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, and the Avengers. Comes a new team, the Guardians of the Galaxy, an action-packed epic space adventure. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy expands the Marvel Cinematic Universe into the cosmos, where brash adventurer Peter Quill finds himself the object of an unrelenting bounty hunter, a bounty hunt after stealing a mysterious orb coveted by Ronan, a powerful villain with ambitions that threaten the entire universe. To evade the ever-persistent Ronan, Quill is forced into an uneasy truce with a quartet of disparate misfits, Rocket, a gun-toting raccoon, Groot, a tree-like humanoid, the deadly and enigmatic Gamora, and the revenge-driven Drax the Destroyer. But when Quill discovers the true power of the orb and the menace it poses to the cosmos, he must do his best to rally his ragtag rivals for a last desperate stand with the galaxy's fate in the balance. Dun-dun-dun. So, yeah, we have our director, James Gunn. Yeah. And uh, Peyton Reed was considered to direct this film. He was later chosen to direct Ant-Man, of course, after we lost Edgar Wright. <laughs> yeah, he was, like, sitting in the wings, like yeah. their go-to reserve guy, apparently. Right, exactly. You're up. And yeah. then he slapped him on the ass, and here, here you go. Have your crack at Ant-Man. Yeah. I don't know if we said it or not, but he, I heard he got kind of a mixed reaction at... Um, he did. 
Yeah. He did. Um, he got a very mixed reaction. There were some boos in there and, yeah. and like people were clapping for the cast and everything going crazy. And then when they announced Peyton Reed, it was like, like a half clap. Yeah. Kind of like a really awkward, weird clap. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I read they didn't treat like Rudd and Douglas that way. It was just no. Peyton Reed kind of yeah. got a real lukewarm reception. Yeah. But he did his best to try to win over the crowd saying that, you know, he has been a huge Ant-Man fan for a long time. He grew up reading the comics. They even showed some artwork that he did for like one of his band's albums. Okay. And they, they all were, it was the classic Avengers number one where yeah. like Loki is like the villain and they did that and uh, he hit Peyton Reed he was I guess he's the drummer of yeah. that band he was Ant-Man and instead of riding like flying on an ant he you know like on the center of that cover he was flying on some drums and he was really small so. oh that's really interesting yeah I'm gonna be a jerk and call conspiracy theory he retconned that shit into his own life. <laughs> yeah, that could that <laughs> just could, to placate all the fans. That could be the case. Hey, look, I drew myself as Ant Man. Right. I'm, I'm a big fan, guys. Right, right. But you know, I thought that was kind of cool. If it is true, so. no, it is. That is cool. So you know, uh, movie was written by James Gunn and Nicole Perlman. Uh, of course, the Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, this team, of course, this formation. I mean, not the original '60s versions, but. Yeah. This team is based on um, the Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning 2008 run. So. Yeah, definitely. Interesting note, um, the first uh, female screenwriter ever on a Marvel Studios in-house movie. Oh, nice. So, Yeah, very cool. Um, of course, like with this team, we were minus Adam Warlock and uh, Quasar, though. Yeah, that's right. Quasar was there from the beginning. Yeah. Wasn't there another character in the Abbott? Was it Moondragon? Um, and it's been a long time. I read all the okay. um, DNA stuff like literally as it was coming as out. As it was coming out, yeah, it was that good. Yeah, I loved it. I I got I have always been a big fan of the Marvel Cosmic. Yeah, but um, when Annihilation started, that was amazing. I was buying yeah. every book. I just yeah. bought every book from there. There was a Drax mini I bought. Right, the Nova mini before the ongoing I bought. I have like the whole DNA run and actual issues. That's awesome. So yeah. all the Guardian issues. It's and my favorite. You yeah, know? it's a great run. I, you know, I liked the '80s run too. Oh really? Yeah, I yeah. did. I was really young when it was coming out, right? And I was always attracted to books that were um, all different people that didn't have all the uh, backlog of continuity. Yeah, because it felt like it was like this is like my Spider-Man number one. Right. So anytime yeah. a new number one came out, I was big into Dark Hawk for the same reason. Yeah, it was like, oh, Dark Hawk is my Spider-Man. I'll have every issue, and when I'm 30, 30 years old, yeah. I'll have the three hundred issue run of Dark Hawk. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And, and the, that didn't happen, obviously. Yeah. Oh, hold on. Let me check something here real quick. Nope, we're good. You're fine. I'm going off on a rant, too. I'm sorry about the comics. No, you're fine. Big fan of all these cosmic comics, though. No, we're going to talk a lot about the comics yeah. and, like throughout this whole thing. So like, don't feel bad at all. Um, the movie stars Chris Pratt as Peter Quill. Now, uh, director James Gunn didn't want to see Kratt, uh, Chris Pratt auditioning. He was convinced later by his assistant at the end of the auditions um, to see Pratt. After Pratt read for 30 seconds, Gunn stated that he knew that Pratt was perfect for the role. Here's something I didn't know. Chris Pratt read for the role of Captain Kirk in the new Star Trek movies. Yeah. Uh, had that have happened, I don't think that this movie would have been possible. I mean, we've already got Zoe Saldana as Uhura in those films. I think that's an interesting topic, too. That I don't know if now's the time to talk it, but it is a very interesting topic. Is Which movie do you think served Chris Pratt better? You know what I'm Be saying? Between Star Trek and... And Guardians of the Galaxy. So, like, do you think 
would Star Trek have been better or worse, and would he have been propelled more or less by doing, you know, one or the other? What was the better choice for him? Uh, Guardians, yeah, the, of course. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, we're going to rate it and talk about it later. Um, and that's kind of why I said... Yeah. It's it's fascinating, though, that right. he could have been in that role. Right. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. Hopefully that'll come up again. I'll tell you why I think he was better suited for this I'll, movie than Star Trek. I'll bring so, it up. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see. Just to give you an idea of like the competition that Pratt was up against and who he had to beat out to get this part. Yeah. Joel Edgerton, Eddie Redmayne, Jensen Ackles, Lee Pace, Wes Bentley, Jack Houston, Cam Gagand... I can't even say this name. Cam Gagandit? <laughs> Someone will tell you how to pronounce it yeah. right. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should YouTube it. God knows we're going to fucking hear about it. Um, yeah, collect those stamps, please. Sullivan Stapleton, Logan Marshall Green, Garrett Headland, Chris Lowell, James Marsden, Jim Sturgis, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Aaron Paul, Michael Rosenbaum, Glenn Howerton from It's Always Sunny, and John Krasinski. They all wanted to land the part of Star-Lord, and so they all screen-tested for the film. <laughs> some of those would be funny. I'd like to see an SNL sketch where they impersonate some of those people <laughs> yeah. doing this role. Can you imagine Aaron Paul? Yeah, I know. Whoa. Yeah. Interesting that Lee Pace was in there for it. Yeah, that's who he originally wanted. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then Michael Rosenbaum, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about that. I don't know. But I mean, you're getting two guys, and this kind of goes back to what we're saying, you're getting two guys that come from TV. Yeah. And you said John Krasinski? Yeah. Is that Jim from The Office? Yeah. That would have been weird, too. Yeah. I don't know. Glenn Howerton, too. I know. Who's that now? He's uh, Dennis from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, jeez. So, I mean, a lot of TV guys going out for this. Yeah, well, and Pratt himself. And Lee Pace being a TV guy. I mean, I know he had the huge role in Lincoln, but, you know. It's interesting that Gunn was down on Pratt and didn't even want to see his audition. That is bizarre, isn't it? Yeah, I'm glad someone forced his hand there. Uh, or it just makes a really good story. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah. Retcon. Zoe Saldana as Gamora. Uh, Olivia Wilde turned down the role of Gamora, while Gina Carano, uh, Rachel Nichols, and Adrian Palicki auditioned before the role went to Zoe Saldana. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, Dave Batista as Drax, and Jason Momoa auditioned and was offered the role of Drax, the Destroyer, but turned down the role because he didn't want himself to be pigeonholed as a brute by the audience, uh, you know, having played several action roles. Uh, and and it was also to free himself up to direct his movie Road to Paloma. Oh, gotcha. So, but now he's Aquaman. So. Yeah, I've heard Batista really had to fight for this role. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that it was something he really wanted, and he really had to had to pursue it. Yeah, um, they said when Dave Batista found out that he got the role of Drax the Destroyer, he broke down in tears, overjoyed at getting a Marvel comic book role. He immediately signed up for extra acting classes in order to prepare for the role. Wow. Took it very seriously. It showed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Vin Diesel is Groot, uh, just the voice. Yeah. Uh, but Vin Diesel did provide the voice and motion capture for Groot. This was not his first film uh, doing voice work, though. His first movie was The Iron Giant, which <laughs> I love that movie. I love The Iron Giant. Yeah. That's, um, oh, gosh, the old Simpsons director um, did Mission Impossible 3. Yeah. What's his name? Who, who directed Iron Giant? It's someone super famous. He wrote Incredibles. Brad Bird. Brad Bird, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Gotcha, yeah. Iron Giant's a great movie. Uh, on the character of Groot, Gunn said, all the Guardians start out the movie as bastards, except Groot. 
He's an innocent. He's 100% deadly and 100% sweet. He's caught up in Rocket's life, really. Another cool fact about Vin Diesel as Groot uh, is that he recorded the line, I am Groot, over 1,000 times throughout the filming. That's hilarious. You know, the whole Vin Diesel Groot thing is hilarious to me. And I've often wondered if that's a little bit of an inside jab at Hollywood casting that they cast Vin Diesel in this role. Where it's like you get a celebrity to voice act the character in the movie, you know? Uh-huh. And literally the only thing he says is, I am Groot. Like, I I think Groot was great in everything, and, and the performance was great. But I feel like it didn't take Van Diesel to deliver the vocal performance. Do you think that that's their just way of saying, like, that's all Vin Diesel's good for? Is like just I feel like in some ways it's like a little bit of an insider joke, some kind of jab. Like, it just seems so outlandish to me that it's van diesel as groot and the performance is just and and i read the same stuff where it's like he said i am groot over a thousand times and everything and it's just so ridiculous yeah like it was it was great but any i feel like anyone could have done that performance i feel like you could have done that the group performance and been just as good as van diesel um, I mean, I think there's a few times where he said, I am Groot, and he did it really, really well. And then I thought there's a few times where he didn't do it as well as it should have been. Yeah. But we'll talk about it. And I think his voice was enhanced. Like, it wasn't just purely him. No, no, no. They added, yeah. like, creaky wood sounds and stuff like that. They talked about that yeah. in pre-production and stuff like that. But they, they, they were going to, you know, add things like that to make it sound more tree-like. Yeah, and I agree with that. But that more makes me feel like they just could have had anyone do this. Like, it's just they just threw another star into the into the billing but why not i mean i i agree with you 100 percent. but like why not because i mean you know like uh i think sean gunn uh james gunn's brother did like all the voice work for rocket before bradley cooper went in there and yeah. did his stuff and he did all the mocap too i believe but i mean who's going to bring more people into the theater and get more talk out there bradley cooper you know doing some promotion for this film or sean gunn i mean yeah or even chris pratt to be fair and I think that is – I think you you hit the nail on the head. That's why you get a Bradley Cooper and a Van Diesel to voice yeah. these casts because right. in, in many ways, they're bigger names than your star. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. Chris Pratt, I mean, unless you're a huge Parks and Rec fan, you know, I mean, he's not really – Yeah. You know, but yeah. Um, yeah, Vin Diesel, he recorded it in different languages too. <laughs> um, I wanted to play the Russian trailer one moment. Хватит пить из фонтана, дубина! Какая гадость! Да нет, пил! Я что, слепой, что ли? Еще и мне. Никто! Он говорит только, я есть Грут! Не Грут! Так, Грут! Ты нормальный вообще? Вторим он ответит, я есть Грут. Крис Пратт, Зои Салдана, Дэйв Батиста и Вин Дизель в роли Грута. Я есть Грут. Стражи Галактики. Dias Groot. <laughs> Chris Pratt. Zoe Saldana. Yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm, I'm still saying Vin Diesel had the easiest paid gig of the year. Oh, yeah, by far. Dear Lord. Yeah. He gets, like, all this billing and all this, like, press, and all he had to do was say, I am Groot a thousand times. And then he talks like it was, like, some big accomplishment. <laughs> I said I, I am Groot over a thousand times. That's See, how. I'm not looking at it. the only the, the way I'm looking at it is like <laughs> this guy. He's a big name. That's it. Like he's a name. I mean, and it's not like he was always been a huge name. I mean, he started off hot for a while, had a string of bad movies, came back, did Fa- Fast and Furious, which is like one of the biggest franchises right now. So his name's hot right now because yeah. Fast and Furious. And 
that's that's all I get out of it. Is like I, I'm, I'm I guess I think too much like how Hollywood thinks now about this stuff. Since yeah. we do the podcast, I'm just like that's what Hollywood's looking at. Sure, they could have had anybody come in there and do voice work for this thing. I absolutely and probably even do it better, but it's the name attached to the character. That's what it is. I agree with you 100. percent I just can't help but make fun. It's just funny to me. Ben Diesel's always been like I'm not the hugest fan of Ben Diesel. Oh, but I mean, yeah. I thought he was fine, and he's yeah. star power. It's just funny to me that Ben Diesel is Groot. Yeah, if I s- if I see a Vin Diesel movie, it's not like I'm like, wow, man, Vin Diesel is awesome. I liked him in Boiler Room. I thought he played a cool character in that movie. Yeah, I didn't like uh, the first. Uh, what was it? What was that first Riddick movie that he was in? Oh, uh, Pitch Black. I didn't care for it. No, I'm not a big fan either. I liked the second one that everybody hated, and <laughs> I haven't even seen the third one. So no, I haven't seen the third one either. Um, Bradley Cooper voiced uh, Rocket Raccoon. Bradley Cooper uh, cited Tommy DeVito, who is Joe Pesci's character in Goodfellas, as an influence on Rocket Raccoon's voice. Yeah, it had like a little bit of a Jersey feel to it. Yeah. Uh, we had Lee Pace, who I know from Pushing Daisies in okay. that new film, Lincoln. Uh, you know, the Daniel Day-Lewis film. The Spielberg one? Yeah. Okay. And I was totally telling Jay, you know, when he was on the podcast, like, I don't know if, like, Lee Pace, like, this goody-goody could play, like, an evil guy. And that was before I watched Lincoln. And I saw Lincoln and what a bastard he was in that movie. And I was just like, man, this guy could be – he actually could be a pretty good run in The Accuser. So I'll have to wait and see and freeze that shit. But, yeah, we'll talk about uh, Lee Pace and all these characters and their performances later. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Michael Rooker uh, played Yandu. Uh, you know, despite being somewhat of a villain in the movie, in the comics, Yandu was actually one of the original Guardians of the Galaxy that first appeared in 1969. Yeah, complete um, character reinvention overhaul here. Totally. Well, probably the biggest, I'd say, of all the characters. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ronan somewhat. Yeah. Somewhat. He had a, um, like in the comic, he had a bow and arrow, and I think that translates to his... Uh, Yandu's weapon. Yeah. Is yes. It, yeah. But see, it's like, I think like Marvel was like, we already have an archer. We yeah. don't need, like, if these guys meet up, we don't need Hawkeye hanging out with Yandu or some shit. Oh, definitely. And I'm, I'm by no means complaining about the changes, but I, I would definitely think the most radical one is to Yandu. Oh, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Karen Gillan, she was Nebula. Um, Jaiman Hansu was Korath. John C. Riley uh, was uh, Corpsman, Corpsman Roman Day. Uh, we had Glenn Close. She was Nova Prime. And when attending the 18th Nantucket Film Festival, Glenn Close stated that she only agreed to star in the film since it, quote, will afford, then afford me to go on to do other kinds of movies that I really love. She then said... And hopefully, I will have a great time. It'll be a new experience for me, but practically speaking, it will mean that I can do those smaller movies, and it'll be okay. Oh, that's interesting. She she wants to do more big blockbusters. Uh, what I got out of this is, like, the only reason I did this stupid little film is because um, it'll allow me to do more smaller independent mo- movies that actually mean something to me. Oh, gotcha. So I just did it so I could have financial freedom to do these movies that aren't going to pay me as much so I, can, <laughs> so I can get accolades. So that's the only reason. Like, everybody else, like Robert Redford and, you know, some of these other bigger names that are that are coming in here are saying, oh, you know, my – like even Jaiman Hansu's kid was like, "Oh wow, you know, my dad gets to play a superhero in a in a, in a movie, you know, or a, a villain in a comic book movie." 
Robert Redford was like, oh, my grandkids wanted to see me play in one of these movies. She's just saying, oh, it's going to let me fucking uh, do some of these smaller movies. I'll get a big paycheck, and then I won't have to worry about not getting as big a paycheck when I do these smaller indie budget films. And then she backtracked and said, oh, and hopefully I'll have a good time doing it. (laughs) I I think that's kind of a bitch statement. Yeah, I I agree. And I'm just going to go ahead and I'm not going to, I haven't even read the movie yet, but I'm going to toss her fucking performance. She phoned it in. (laughs) I bet, um, they're kind of forced to use her again if they ever um, develop some other storylines. Ah, just kill her character off. Yeah, yeah. Just kill her off. <laughs> um, Benicio Del Toro starred as uh, the Collector. Yeah. Uh, Josh Brolin, uh, of course, was Thanos. Yeah. So, yeah. That was interesting. Yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll rate that. I'm sure we're going to rate that. All right. Iron Man apparently was supposed to have a cameo role in this film. Um <laughs> And that's in homage to, you know, his being in the Guardians of the Galaxy's latest um, comics uh, series here, the B- Brian Michael Bendis stuff, where yeah. he joins them there at the beginning. He's got that n- fancy new space armor. Yeah. Yeah, and they introduce Angela into the Marvel Universe and that whole thing. Yeah. And, and Tony Stark has – he has sex with Gamora in, in one of the issues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, which he never will do again because she, like, basically just, like, tore him up in bed. So <laughs> thought that was funny. Yeah. Uh, but this idea, it was scrapped when Robert Downey Jr. said he may not reprise his role as Tony Stark in the future. Um, you know, of course, we know that Downey has signed on for two more Avengers sequels since then. So – but, uh, you know, that did play a part in this. Yeah. That would have been that would have been okay. Yeah, the movie has a runtime of two hours and two minutes and an estimated budget of 170 million dollars, and is the final film of Marvel's Phase Two. Am yeah. I correct? That's exciting. Yeah. So Phase Three starts next year with Avengers: Age of Age of Ultron in May, and we'll be discussing Age of Ultron later and what we think we can expect from Phase Three. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy is also the first non-Avengers Marvel movie that Disney has made. Oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, I mean, these are non-Avengers characters, and it's, yeah, this is this is the start of something new, a whole new thing. But even though it's new, it definitely still has its ties to the old. Yeah. I oh, mean, sure. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we rate the film, I wanted to go over a fun-related story um, that I saw. Uh, apparently, some theaters were confused, and instead of playing Guardians of the Galaxy, they started <laughs> playing Rise of the Guardians, yeah. the animated movie with the Easter Bunny and Santa. Yeah, I um, I saw a bunch of this stuff, too. It happened at multiple theaters, yeah, yeah. and I saw a bunch of people's uh, tweets about it, yeah. like tweeting from the theater, like, holy crap. Like, And I guess they kept restarting it, and it still kept playing... Rise of the Guardians. Like one guy was saying, this is the third time they restarted it, and they, every time they have to sit through all the trailers again. Oh, that would suck. And then every time it's um, the Easter Bunny movie again. Rise, uh, Rise of the Guardians. I would have been pissed. Yeah. Uh, when I went in to go see uh, what was it? Um, the second Hobbit movie. They started playing like one of the Twilight movies. Whoa! And I got I was the first one up. I got like up out of my seat, went and told them, and I was just like, "Whoa, let's turn this off right now." So yeah, they got the right movie in after that. Did but. they make you sit through all the previews again? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um yeah. Here's some of the tweets that people were posting as it was happening. Oh my god, they started playing Rise of the Guardians instead of Guardians of the Galaxy. Everyone in the theater is crying. <laughs> um, somebody put, "I'm mad, but also laughing." And then they said they gave us free. T- uh, they gave us four free tickets, though. <laughs> so, um, all right, yeah, let's move on. You want to go ahead and just like rate this one? 
Yeah. Do you want to rate the movie? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. Now, let's go ahead and rate the movie. If if this is your first time listening to Pop Culture Leftovers, we do have a rating system. We want you to be familiar with it. So, Clive, hook us up. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. There we go. All right. So, yeah, here we go. Our ratings for Guardians of the Galaxy. You want me to go for it? If you want to, yeah, go for it, man. I'll do it. I'll do it. I... I'm going to Tupperware this movie. I'll just say right off the top. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I'm stewing with it if it's my favorite Marvel movie. Yeah. I really, really like Avengers a lot. Yeah. And it's really tough. I actually just watched Avengers earlier today before we recorded because I was just thinking about it so much. And they're just so different. It's like comparing apples and oranges kind of, which which is better and everything. Yeah. Um, I didn't think Guardians was a perfect movie. Like there's stuff that like could have been better. And there's stuff I would have enjoyed more. Not all their performances were the best. Um, Brian already pointed out, you know, Glenn Close kind of phoned it in. Yeah. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of um, Lee Pace, to be honest with you. Yeah. I um, I thought Ronan wasn't the best antagonist and like a better villain or a better performance as that villain. Sure. Would have, would have been a lot more enjoyable. But anytime any of the actual Guardians of the Galaxy were on screen... I mean, the movie just exploded. It was it was A++ anytime any of the members. I really liked all of the characters of the actual team. Right. Um, I really liked the pacing of the movie. It really had that old-school movie kind of pacing. That The most way I compare it to Star Wars and, like, is just how it just sets off running. You know, there's very little exposition. You learn kind of everything through the dialogue of the characters as everything's happening. Right. And it just really takes off running right from the go. Yeah. I mean, we're going to break it down to scene from scene, scene for scene and everything. But, you know, I, yeah, I really like this movie. It's a Tupperware. I, I've seen it twice now, and I liked it more the second time I saw it. Yeah. And I feel like I'll like it more the third time I see it. So it's, you know. Right. It's a high Tupperware for me. Good. Awesome. Yeah, I'll rate it. Um... Yeah, I saw this movie, and, like, I don't know, man. Like, the first time I saw it, yeah, I saw it in the IMAX, Mm -hmm. and, like, I hadn't eaten or anything like that, and, like, dude, I had to pee so bad throughout this entire movie, but I could, like, not get up and go, because there's, like, so many people, yeah, and I didn't want to miss anything, but even having a full bladder, I still give the movie a Tupperware. I mean, it had its faults. Yeah. There's some things that, you know, that that I didn't like, but overall, it's a great movie, um, it's in my opinion um if we're rating like the marvel movies i still go avengers captain america winter soldier um and then it's like a kind of a toss-up between guardians and iron man yeah it's definitely my number two so it's not my number two it's 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 three or four gotcha yeah i can't i can't decide between like you know iron man and and guardians which one i like better you know that's respectable though yeah so and i've seen the movie twice as well okay second time i really didn't get to enjoy it that much i was you know one of those douchebags taking notes and shit but, yeah um just sit in the back uh you know i i was sitting so far away from people that they couldn't see yeah there I was you taking go. notes so um yeah but i give it a, i give it a tupperware it's really good yeah i mean movie has its faults and the pacing's good i just think that sometimes like there was so much going on so often it didn't give you time to like really think about anything hardly it just kept moving and moving and moving and moving i, I agree 
So, and, and that's not really horrible. And then, of course, of course, like Ronan, he's he's fleshed out a little bit more than Malekith in Thor: The Dark World. Yeah, but not much more. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's still kind of just like a, a cookie cutter villain that they've been using. Yeah. In these films, you know what I mean? The facts just came so slapdash and quick with it that it really even took my second viewing before I caught that they even, like, yeah. gave a lot of the exposition of him. Right. Um, and some of the stuff, like, the exposition exposition for him is, like, throwaway stuff. Like, if you don't catch it, like, you don't really get it. Exactly. And, you know, and it's like, I think part of this is because, like, they're trying to set up Thanos to be, like, the big bad villain so much that... Like some of the other characters, they're not fleshing out as well as like some of these villains. They're not fleshing them out as well because like they're saving everything for Thanos. Yeah, I, I've said to some of my friends I've talked to about this movie, and I tell them I'm like, ah, eh, Ronan the Accuser, and they pass. They're like, oh, it's okay. He's just a mid level boss and not the main villain like Thanos. And right. I'm like, yeah, I get that, but he's still the main antagonist of this movie. Exactly. And it would be nice if he was interesting and fleshed out and and cool in, in, in this movie, you know? Yeah, yeah. I understand that it's like, okay, we're building up to Thanos, but I don't like that as an excuse as why we can have Malekith and, and now Ronin as just kind of like half-ass villains a little bit. Well, look at what they're doing. They're casting, I mean, everything that I think we're saying is totally correct because, like, you know, the, Thanos is like the big bad. And who did they cast as Thanos? Josh Brolin. Yeah. A big time movie actor, right? Mm-hmm. Who have they cast as like these villains in these last couple movies? They've got Malekith, which is Christopher Eccleston, which is a TV guy. Yeah. And Lee Pace of Pushing Daisies, which is primarily a TV guy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like they, they're not center stage like Thanos and they, and they treat him that way in the film. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wish it would have been better. I like Ruin the Accuser as a comic book bad guy, too. Yeah. So it was kind of, eh. But he, like, even in, like, the comics, though, like, there's times where, like, he's a good guy. Yeah, exactly. It all depends on, like, how, like, if the Avengers are working, if what they're doing is working for the Kree. Yeah, he's a, he's a very gray character in the comic. Yeah. I, well, I mean, if, if anything is, if anything is going to be- benefit, like, Kree civilization... He's all for it. But if anything could, like, you know, mess with, like, you know, the, the Kree's way of life, then, yeah, he's your villain. Yeah. It was cool to see the Kree in a Marvel movie for the first time. Yeah. All the cosmic stuff. I, I really liked seeing a lot of that realized. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, I wanted to throw out uh, – we got uh, – Frank did, Frank did give it a Tupperware, by the way, everybody. Oh, yeah. There yeah. we go. Tupperware party. Um, and then, of course, I want to drop uh, – I had, I had Pete send us his rating. So oh, nice. It's time for a Pete's Tweets. I thought I saw a pudding cat. Pete's Tweets. Yeah, Pete Neen, he's one of our Twitter listeners, good <laughs> friend of the podcast. And he says, uh, at PC Leftovers, just saw Guardians of the Galaxy. Loved it. So much fun. The character interactions just fit, and the comedy worked well. Yandu, Groot, Drax equals badass. Tupperware this shit. Yeah, go Pete. So, yeah, absolutely. Pete offered to uh, drive me around San Diego if yeah. I make it up to Comic-Con next year. Nice. So, good you stuff. Should, you should take him up on that. I, I will take him up on that. That'd be cool. I'm not going to have no car. Yeah, exactly. So. That'd be awesome. That would be great. Um, so, yeah, we're going to go into our full review, full breakdown of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, hey, man. This was a fucking Tupperware party, right? Tupperware party. I just, I made the noise earlier. Yeah. Tupperware party. 
See, that should make people happy. I did it. I got the, I got the drop now. Well, one more time. Tupperware party. So yeah, Tupperware party for Guardians of the Galaxy. You need to be excited about this. It is a Tupperware party. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. It was super, I don't think either of us said it was super funny too. Oh, it was, yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. But, but yeah, it was very funny. It was hilarious. Um, I'm trying to think, but I do, I do think Tony Stark is funnier. I do. I, I was do. saying I, the same thing. It's like Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy are both hilarious movies, yeah. but in, in very different ways. Yeah, yeah. Th- it's a very funny movie. Um, it, it's not like I think like Iron Man. Like the funny stuff was funnier in my opinion, and it didn't. But it didn't come at you as fast and as furious as it did in Iron Man three, which kind of took away from it. Yeah, this was like evenly balanced between all the characters and in different ways. Like, um, you know, we'll get into it. Like, but like Drax taking everything literally. I, yeah. I thought it was very funny, and I think he delivered those lines really well. And like, you know, Rocket being like, you know, just like this sarcastic uh raccoon but on the flip side i mean you could connect with them because of all the shit he's gone through yeah they grounded him in reality yeah. really well yeah um and we'll talk about scene by scene but like at the scene where he's drunk is a really good example yeah. of when they ground him in reality oh, yeah man yeah the movie has very outlandish concepts right. but does a good job it's not like a spoofy comedy right or a goofy comedy it takes itself seriously yeah even though there's all these very not so serious conceits going on yeah and i think it really paid off for that like yeah. marvel made a big gamble here and it really paid off like it's a super fun movie yeah we need to look up how much it's made this weekend so far yeah it's on track i was just looking at this we'll go shit. over that at the yeah end, okay we'll go over it at the end but i know what it made like the first night you know when they released it on thursday so but we'll go over all it's that like later. 94 million on track for that okay is what i heard okay um yeah let's break for a little bit we'll come back with our full review of uh james gunn's guardians of the galaxy let's break it all right hey we're back we're gonna break down uh guardians of the galaxy you know scene by scene hopefully and be able to like i don't know give our thoughts and everything about the movie yeah i'm really excited about this um i have a lot to say this is going to be a really fun movie to talk about i think yeah, so uh, without further ado, here is Pop Culture Leftovers review of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Jesus. <laughs> oh man, I'm drinking a beer and it's like sweating all over me. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. So, yeah. no worries just out there. Keep it, keep it away from the equipment. Yeah, I've just given a reason why I suck. Oh, that's fine. No, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Just a reminder that this review is going to be full of spoilers from the get-go. So, I mean, if you don't want to hear spoilers, just turn it off. Listen to us later. Yeah, Or, or exactly. not. I don't give a fuck. Pause us. Go see the movie. Come back. Yeah. You know, you if you're getting this far and you're stopping because you don't want spoilers, then we already win because we got your download. Exactly. So, thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, let's see here. So, um, the movie, it starts off, uh, in the year 1988, and we see a young Peter Quill, and he's in the hospital, and he's listening to a mixtape with his Walkman. Yeah. And, uh, Peter has a black eye, um, and then his grandfather comes up to him, and that guy, the guy who 
who played his grandfather. He's in a bunch of James Gunn movies. Um, I like him. He was in uh, Payback with Mel Gibson. Okay. And then he was also in a show I used to watch with Eddie Izzard on FX with, with Minnie Driver um, called uh, The Riches. Okay. And uh, I like that guy. He's cool. Yeah. But uh, he's talking to him about you know getting into these fights at school. And then, you know, then uh, Peter Quill is brought into the hospital room where he sees his mother who's like, she's battling cancer. Yeah. And uh, she's dying. So, you know, she asks him, she's asked him about the black eye and he, and he says that he got it because some boys at school smushed a frog. And so he fought these boys because he like loves the, loves the frog and like didn't want to see him hurt the frog. So he loves animals. Yeah. You get some quick some quick character moments there with them yeah yeah well and i mean this also like just because like you know he stood up for this frog that you know like got smushed by these boys it kind of ties into a later scene that with rocket i agree i agree so it's kind of a cool way to tie that back in but like you know and then she says you know you're just like your father and then she goes on to say something like you know your daddy was an angel composed of light (laughs) And uh, I thought that was kind of cool. That, that was up. cool, yeah. Um, I mean, I thought it was a really touching scene. And then she gives him, you know, the gift um, and a card. And then the grandfather puts it in his backpack. And she wants to hold Peter's hand, you know, while she's dying. And for some reason, Peter just, he doesn't want to. He wants n- he doesn't. I feel like he doesn't want this to happen. He yeah. Doesn't, he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to accept this. I've thought a lot about this. Um, what's the reason why he won't grab his dying mother's hand? And I think um, purely he's just scared and, yeah. and doesn't – both a mix of scared and not wanting to accept it. If he doesn't right. take her hand, she, it won't be happening and, he, yeah. and she won't die. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Like he just doesn't want to accept this. Yeah. It's not like he's being a jerk. No, not at all. Like, I hate you, Mom. I'm not holding your hand. No, no, <laughs> no. Um, and then we see her. She flatlines, and then we see young Peter Quill just, like, crying and then bawling. And then he runs away and then runs right out of the hospital, and he's outside <laughs> at this point. Yeah. So, what's <laughs> funny? This scene was – I. the more I think about this scene, the more it makes me laugh. Like, it was a good scene and everything. It, it, uh, watching a woman battle with cancer. And well, then- no, just like the some of the – it's a little weird. Like, the, it's like the kid's mom just died in front of him, and no one's going to, like, help this kid out. Like, the kid just runs out of the hospital without anyone, like, monitoring this kid at all, you know? Like, oh, I think there's a lot going on, and I mean, like the doctors and things like that, and like the nurses, like their 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 focus is on the patient. I mean, yeah, you know, if anybody's going to be there there for him, it's the grandfather, and you know, I mean, he does like set Peter outside, but the, like on the flip side, this is his daughter, and you know, I mean, I don't know, it didn't really bother I, me. Yeah, I don't know, just it was just so fast, it was crazy, and like literally, the spaceship comes and picks him up like right outside of the hospital, basically. And just takes off. It's just, it's really wacky. Like, it really kind of sets the tone for just like how quick paced some of the plot can move forward in this movie from the get go. Yeah. Like, you really have to just like strap in and be along for the ride for this movie. Sure. A little bit. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think about it that way. It didn't bother me. And I, th- I, I was thinking about the grandpa too. And like, God, how crappy is that for him? Like, he lost his daughter and his grandson in the same day, basically. Because I don't think they say this for fact, but I don't think Peter Quill ever comes back to Earth yet. 
since that abduction. Oh no, not at all. And so how shitty is it for the whole family? Like it's like a it's like double no, I, I don't think he ever did because I mean like he's still like stuck in the eighties throughout the entire film with like all of his references and then like everything aboard, you know, the ship that we'll talk about later, but like it's all like eighties stuff. Yeah, exactly. I bet they had an episode of Unsolved Mysteries all about what happened to Peter Quill. <laughs> right. <laughs> Robert Stack was probably talking about Peter Quill. Yeah, you never know. So But yeah, like you said, the next scene we see Peter, he's outside and he's crying on the ground and then and this light shines on him and he looks up and he sees a spaceship hovering above him that takes him up uh, and they, they it abducts him. So now we don't know where the movie story is headed, but you know, in the comic book, Peter Quill was born on Earth to his human mother who she had a relationship with an alien named Jason. Yes. And uh, of Spartax who is the emperor of the Spartoi Empire. So in the comics Quill is royalty but he wants nothing to do with his alien father. Yeah. Um uh-huh. so I was going to say obviously they set it up so in the sequel we're going to learn more about his father oh, yeah, like absolutely. that's a given, right? Yeah, we're going to talk about all that. I think it's um also a given that they're going to ignore um all the comic book mythology. I, I'm willing to bet that his father will not be Jason in the movie. Really? Yeah. Mm. I don't know why, but I really have a strong feeling that that'll be the case. I don't know. I might have to disagree with you there. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Quill, and then in the comic, Quill's mother, she didn't die of cancer uh, in the comics. She was uh, killed by the Badoon. Yeah, they gun her down, right? Like evaporate yep. her right in front of him. Yep. But um, Marvel Studios can't use the Badoon, be, Badoon because um, they're owned by Fox. Yeah, I was reading about that because the Badoon were also supposed to be the original creatures that showed up when he's getting the, the object at the beginning of the movie, too. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I like this scene, though, overall. The opening scene? Yeah. Yeah, it was a good scene. It's like the most serious scene of the entire movie, don't you think, kind of? Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's like, here you go. This is this is as like heavy as this movie is going to get ever. Yeah. I don't... And I like how the music at the beginning of the movie kind of like set the tone for it, like the music he's listening to on The Walkman. Yeah. I think all the music was great in this movie. I loved how they used all the music for all the different scenes. Oh, yeah. Like, all the incorporation of the music was really fun. All right, now the next thing that we see is uh, like 26 years later, and the movie takes us to the desolate planet of Morag. Uh, Peter Quill is decked out, and like he's got the leather jacket on, <laughs> and and he's got his quad pistol, and he's uh, walking around the abandoned planet. Yeah. So I mean, we get a. I mean, we we're diving right in. Yeah, it just it just go. Yeah, I, I don't think I I don't know that I I thought that that was what was going on at first until just like. Later on in the movie, you realize that that's an important scene because it's a very Raiders of the Lost Ark scene. Yeah, it is. Where it's Indy going to get the object and everything. Mm-hmm. And in Raiders, that's kind of just a segue to the the rest of the movie. It not really has anything to do with like the actual main plot. Sure, but yeah. this was different. Like this was completely tied into the main plot of the movie just right from the go. Yeah. That, well, in Raiders, they do introduce you to like the one of the main villains, though. Oh yeah, the, the guy beginning. that shows up to take the thing that he yeah. gets. Yeah, so they do set that up. Yeah, you got that's true. Um, let's see here. And when I was first watching it, like I couldn't tell at first, like you know, the water that's crashing. I mean, yeah, in there, I couldn't tell if it was like geysers or just like waves. Like now I know that it's geysers. It is geysers. The whole planet was just like a geyser planet. Yeah, I you know I read what the name of the planet was. Did you get that? Yeah, it, I said it was Morag. Morag, and I, it had some weird tie. It had some geeky coincidence to something. 
I wish I would. Gosh, I'm an idiot now for not remembering that. You're an idiot for bringing it up, not knowing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I'm, that's like the ultimate jerk move. <laughs> I, I know this knowledge, but I, I like, can't tell you. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I was like, okay, where are you going with this? Is this cool? And then like, no, you got nothing. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, and then um, he pulls out this device, and then we see him pointed at like this huge like rock structure thing, and. Then, you know, like, the device doesn't work at first. He has to bang it. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. And uh, then um, this device, it just kind of, like, reconstructs, like, digitally, like a uh, like a front projector. It's got, like, uh, it projects, like, images of, like, what was there in the past. You even see, like, civilization, like, people, like, what this planet was like and people walking around. And, and you see the structure. It's like a building. And within that building, it, like, hones in on, like, this object and kind of, like, flashes on, like, what this object that he's looking for is. Yeah, that was really neat technology, I thought, too. Yeah. Just, like, really fun stuff. We, like, you get to see the civilization that was on that planet and everything. yeah. yeah. Um, he's then, they show me like walking into a cavern, uh, where he, we find out like he's there to obtain something, to steal something from like this cavern. Um, it's not, it's not being guarded by anyone personally, but it is being protected. Um, and like you said, like I got a very like Indiana Jones vibe here Yes, in this scene. And I mean, like there's a lot to love about this scene. I mean, what did you like? Um, I really, I really like the technology in this whole opening scene a lot. Um, between both the um, device he uses to get the object, yeah, like the, um, it's like a, it like ma- it's like a magnet that basically pulls the object out of its place. Yeah, and, and I liked um, how they were smart with the technology, where rather than have um, how we used this exact same device later to make his escape, yeah. instead of having just another different gadget to make his escape he like uses that device smartly yeah as the magnet to hold the guys in place to make his escape yeah and i thought that was really cool um can can i back up for a second with this movie yeah there's a ton that we still need to talk about um how about that marvel logo is that the first time the marvel logo was all like turning and 3d and rigid and everything no they they started doing that in other films i I don't think i'd seen a marvel imax 3d movie for a long time no they've been doing that for a while i was blown away with how sexy the marvel logo was it looked good yeah man and um and yeah because like it flips and you see like the underside of the logo and you still see like the pages turning and stuff yeah Yeah, that was really nice and we're already past the um title card for this movie right well we're gonna i i'm gonna talk about that I'm, that happens after still. No, no. This happens oh. during the scene. Uh, oh. Okay, let me break this down. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You're fine, you're <laughs> fine. I asked you what you liked about the scene. You kind of did a frank and jumped ahead. But I did jump ahead. It's all good. It's all good, man. Um, you know, it starts off with uh, uh, as soon as he, you know, uses the – he's got the Star-Lord mask on. And yeah. As soon as he, and as soon as it retracts, which I thought the effect looked okay. I mean, I've always had a problem with – things that that are there and then like you hit a button and then they retract i think like you know like batman the shields on the batmobile like in the original keaton one yes. when i first saw it it looked amazing yeah but if you watch it now it looks horrible yeah it's like stop motion animation yeah. and things that just like retract like that it's like this looked okay and i think it kind of covered up because they were using like the you kind of saw like this electronic electricity and stuff like that yeah it made it look okay it i agree right. even the iron man doing it always comes off looking a little bit cg too but i think it looked really good in the first two movies because they had industrial light and magic do it yeah like, iron man 
Man 3, they did not have Industrial Light and Magic do any of the effects, and I think it suffered. Yeah. So I can see that. But this one, does, it was good. It was okay. But they start off with, like, him, as soon as he takes it off, I mean, he, like, and it it was very Back to the Future with how they did the close-up of the Walkman. Oh, and yeah. He, and he turned it on just like in Back to the Future where Marty turns on the Walkman, and I thought that was cool. And he, you know, had the leather gloves on, and he turns, hits play, and we hear the Come and Get Your Love song. And then we start to see him, like, dance, and there's all the puddles, and, you know, as he's dancing, he, like, it's like a musical, kind of like a musical score or whatever. Yeah. And, and he's twirling and stuff like that, and he's kicking those alien lizards, and I thought that was kind of fun. He uses him as a microphone. Picks up the one, starts using it as a microphone, and he's really getting into it. And then the way that they place the logo, all uh. big on the screen, and then you saw like a very small Peter Quill underneath it, and still kind of like dancing on one leg. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. It was very awesome. I thought that was very cool. A very epic way to and even just like even the names on the screen a james gunn film yeah it gives me goosebumps thinking about that title card yeah it was like the sexiest title card in a long time and like yeah it was it was very good it was a real wide angle the lighting on pratt was perfect yeah and he's such a great physical comedian i think he's he was really good like he he made me laugh a lot without saying anything and especially in this dancing yeah and everything very funny and we'll talk about it later but just how he interacted with cgi characters that are not even there yeah he was great so um the orb when they show the orb and he Goes up to the orb. The orb, it, it did, it, it was very Indiana Jones because it like totally reminded me of like the statue sitting on that, you know, that pedestal in Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, totally. You know, even the shot of him looking at it. Yeah. But like even Indiana Jones, like he's like a very cerebral guy. Yeah. You know, fucking Quill just relies on technology, man. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. He just like, boop, you know, hit the button and like it magnetized this orb out of there. So like we're like, you know, Fucking like Indiana Jones had to be all cerebral and kind of like you know do like the the real quick switch. Yeah, Quill is just like boom technology. Yeah, I liked that. I was okay with that. I was totally fine with it. I thought it was a complete like break away from Indiana. I don't want him to be Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's what I liked about this movie is that they're not trying to rip it off completely, but they're trying to like there's small nods to other movies within this movie and it's all james gunn yeah and one thing i really liked also is there's really no long-winded origin stories in this movie too much yeah i you know some people i think complain about that and wanted more exposition as to you know a star lord origin right but i really like just you know shooting the firing gun and just going off you know we we saw him get abducted, and yeah. then we just we kind of know that little fact about him. Any of the, any of the origin is explained throughout the entire movie by other characters, and it's a fun thing to think about him growing up with the Ravagers and just yeah. all those other kinds of things that happen. You know, well, yeah, that's like that's how I mean, like, like we didn't we didn't know this watching the movie, but like of course, like um, oh, I want to talk more about this scene. There's oh, more I want to talk about in this scene. Very Star Wars in that way, though. Yeah, that the movie played out. You yeah. know, you're right. Um, there's a scene where he's dancing and he comes across this skeleton. Okay. And he spins it around as he's dancing. Yeah. Did you look at the skeleton? I, I didn't see what it, it was a human body, but the head, it looked like it was an alien skeleton. Okay. Cause the oh, head wow. was not a human skull. It had like a human body. But the head, it looked like the head of a horse. And oh. a lot of people are think, th- thinking that this could have been 
Beta Ray Bill from the comics. Dead Beta Ray Bill. Ugh. Right. Ah. But I'm, we're going to talk about Beta, uh, uh, Beta Ray Bill later as this goes on. Gotcha. Because I think another scene kind of tied into his character. Yeah, I think I know which scene you're talking about. Yeah. I didn't know about this scene. That's interesting. Yeah. Though. If you watch this again, he does – he spins a skeleton around and the head looks like a horse head. Huh. Okay. Um, so then Quill – he steals the orb and at the same time – Korath, yeah. uh, you know, played by Jaiman Hansu, he shows up with two soldiers, and they're there to get the orb as well. They just happen to show up at the same time, which is kind of convenient. Yeah, it was convenient. So I thought like maybe an alarm had been set off when he did that, and like they were on their way, or like is this like I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I had no idea what was going on. I think on the second viewing, I figured it out. They're just there with um, Yandu, right? They're like working for Yandu. No, Cor- Korath is where he's he's like a subordinate of of uh, Ronan. Oh yeah, you are right. So Ronan was Ronan's wanting to get the orb. Oh, gotcha. They just everyone was just after the orb at, at the same time. At the same time, exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. So that's why they showed up. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, then let's see. Yeah, and then Korath, he's like a cyber geneticist, and he like he like I think he like performed like the experiments on that that. All that fucking like gear and shit like into his skull. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, they didn't spend much time with him. You don't get much Korath exposition. No, not a lot. Um, so they want him to like they they show up and it's him and two soldiers and they want him to drop the orb and they ask him how he knew about it and then Peter Quill explains like he's like I'm just a junker and one of the soldiers that is with Korath starts pushing Quill around with a gun and that's when Quill like drops another 80s reference and says watch it Ninja Turtle. Yeah, I love the Ninja Turtle reference. A week before the Ninja Turtle movie comes out. That's a yeah. that's a balls move by Marvel. They don't give a fuck. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um and I thought it was cool like the soldiers that were with them, those are uh am I pronouncing this right? Uh, uh Sakran? Okay. Sakran soldiers? Like the fake sugar Sakran? See, I don't know how to pronounce it, dude. Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. Uh, Sakran. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll have somebody tell us how to pronounce <laughs> this thing. Somebody with a lot of time in their hands, apparently. Um, but yeah, uh, Sakaran. Yeah. Maybe Sakaran soldiers. Yeah. Yeah, Sakaran soldiers. Um, I mean, they're used in the Planet Hulk comic. Okay. So they couldn't use like Badoon. Um, scrolls. I don't think they can use. They can't use scrolls, but they can use Kree. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, I mean they're uh, the the Sakaran soldiers. Are, that, those are from the Planet Hulk comic. Okay, yeah, I mix up all the alien races when you start to just yeah. like, especially between the movie ones and the comic ones. Right, they're just nameless, nameless drone alien races. Yeah, like the Chitari, the Chitari, or the Badoon, the Badoon. Yeah, <laughs> um, bodies. This is where we get the cool scene where Quill escapes and he uses like those leg boosters to fly backwards. Yeah. But he like you know he like he kicks their ass. I mean it's like he he really does. Like he's put in a position like that's what he has to do. Yeah. And we find out later that you know he's not just like this guy who like uses technology to like rip shit off. I mean you know he's been trained under Yondu and like he, the Ravagers. Yeah, he's a capable hero. Yeah. And, and yeah, he definitely has okay fighting skills. You know. Um, so yeah, he uses his leg boosters, like there's the blast, like they shoot him and he goes backwards, it blows a hole through the back of like this corridor or whatever. Yeah. He uses like the boosters to fly backwards while on his back. Yeah, I like how he just kind of falls on his back and then shoots his boosters off. Yeah. It felt very physical. Yeah, it was good. So that, that was really neat. Um, 
they're chasing after him, and he does that really that that jump that we saw in the trailer. Yeah, and this is where we get our first look at Quill's ship, uh, the Milano. <laughs> um, P- uh, Peter Quill's ship, the Milano, is named after his childhood crush, Alyssa Milano. Yeah, James Gunn confirmed that. Uh, in the ship, we get to see you know some of the things that he took with him when he was a kid. Um, you know, I saw the Alf. The Alf trading, trading card. card, and then there was the troll doll, the troll doll floating around. Yeah, yeah, and other just various stuff, like just the style of some of the stickers on his yeah. lockers and everything. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. Man, Korath ran really fast after him. Yeah, he did after that jump. He was like T one thousand running after yeah. his ass. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, Quill flies away at this point, and then one of the geysers hits him with water from. Uh, and it hits underneath the Milano, and then it kind of like knocks out the thrusters. Okay, remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, um, that this gives Korath and the soldiers that gives them time to set up that massive gun on that turret. Yeah, and then they start firing at Quill. Where Quill like last minute like pulls the lever to turn yeah. the second they can fire it. The right. second they can fire it, he's able to take this huge like scurving turn like yeah. in the air. Just that was neat though. Yeah. They uh, Quill gets away, and then then we see that uh, that red alien chick. Oh yeah, like, pop out from like underneath the the Milano somewhere. Like, yeah, and Quill doesn't remember her name. Yeah, he, he's like she's and she's wearing. It looks like she's wearing one of his like child T shirts, like a T shirt he wore as a kid. Gotcha. Yeah, and like her hair's all messed up, like she'd been sleeping, <laughs> and I'm sure she got that hair, you know that uh, that fuck hair. Yeah, like the night before or whatever. And uh, her hair's all messed up. And he doesn't remember her name, like you said. And he's like, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I forgot you were here. <laughs> so I thought that was really funny. It was really funny. And you see her, like, in another scene, like, just chilling there eating food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he then, yeah, she's eating food. He turns on a monitor, and it's, like, on an alien news channel. Yeah. Were you- for a split second, you hear something about um, the Zandarian signing a treaty with the Kree after 1,000 years before he, like, flips it off. Yeah, really important exposition that's yeah. really just in the background there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I didn't catch that till the second time I viewed it. Yeah. I was like, oh, there's where you find out what's yeah. going on. Yeah, it's kind of thrown in there really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, but it is important. Um then a video call tries to come through, and he Quill doesn't want he wants her to ignore it, but like she takes the call the red the red alien shit. She just hits the button. She doesn't care. Yeah, it's uh, Michael Rooker's Yandu. Yes, and he's pretty pissed off at Quill uh, for getting the orb, and he wants it. And uh, he then puts a bounty after the phone call's over with. He puts a bounty on Quill. And then sends it to every bounty hunter that he knows. Yeah, like 40,000 credits, was it? 40,000 credits was the, the amount. Yeah. Yeah. This was pretty funny. This was our first scene with Michael Rooker. Am I right about that? Mm-hmm. I was on this video call. Yeah, yeah, Michael Rooker was pretty great in this role. Yeah. I liked him. I don't know why people had a problem with him. Some people did. I've seen people complaining about it, too. Yeah, I thought Michael Rooker was great. as like, And it's a different Yandu from the comic. But I thought, like... He fit in this universe well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't like a villain, but he wasn't a hero either. He's just a, he's a pirate, man. He's a fucking space pirate. He was a space pirate. I found him as a very interesting character. I hope they find a good way to use him in a Guardians Galaxy 2. Oh, me too. So. Me too. And it's kind of messed up, man, because like, like all his men are like, they hate Quill. Oh, yeah. And then like, uh, like he he kind of has a soft spot for Quill, man. Yeah, you can tell. Like it's like he raised them, and he's like, he, it's like he's getting mad at Quill for doing all this shit. But it's all the same shit that he taught fucking Quill growing up. Yeah, he's constantly bringing it up that he could have had they could have ate him. Yeah, yeah, and that he spared him from being eaten. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah so. Yandu was funny. I liked Yandu. I liked Yandu too, man. So, um, now, uh, after that, we get, uh, the first look at one of the, I think it was a really cool design for a ship. Um, the, uh, Ronin's Cree warship, the Aster. Yeah, it looked like a big, um, those, uh, Fritos, like the honey barbecue Frito twist. Looked like a big space Frito <laughs> twist. <laughs> as soon as the movie was over you like went to like uh i was like oh man i'm really i want some fritos i don't know why yeah i'm gonna get some of those aster chips yeah it's like every time i bit one i was destroying ronin (laughs) right so according to james gunn ronin's ship the dark aster is designed after a mausoleum he said it's minimal and brutal a stark gray colorless world devoid of any set dressing whatsoever and relying purely on its heavy concrete like architecture to convey its tone and function yeah it was like a big space rotini yeah (laughs) space rotini (laughs) sorry i I thought it was cool though but yeah it it, it was like it was it was a unique ship that's for sure yeah (laughs) As a, as a space routine, as a space routine, and, and a Frito, Frito twist, Frito twist. Take so, take your pick. Yeah, Ronan is standing in a room, uh, and the room looks very ceremonial. Oh yeah, I know you exactly know. what scene you're talking about yeah. now. And uh, he's not wearing any clothing, and like it's like kind of like it's almost like a ceremony for him, like putting on his like getting dressed in the morning or something. Yeah, you know what I mean. And uh, he's talking about how he stands up for the Cree race, and he doesn't care about the treaty with Xandar, and that the Xandarians are a disease. And the whole time he's being dressed by like these Cree servants. Yeah, they're putting his makeup on his right. eyes. They're putting his gear on. And then he, and then finally he's like in full Ronin costume and we see the hammer and then we find out like I, he's talking to like a captured Xandarian, I'm guessing. Yes. And then lays the hammer down on the guy's head and kills him. And then we see like the blood go down like that chair or whatever the guy was tied up to. Yeah. It was hammer time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should I do the drop? Yeah. Oh, brother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> time yeah so yeah he uses the hammer that was pretty brutal yeah yeah i mean they didn't show anything and you know they cut right away to seeing the blood drip down the the pedestal that the guy's head was on yeah but i mean it was obviously everyone knows what happened right i thought like no one's listening to us for parents guide but i thought this was the most violent scene in the movie right probably yeah Yeah, this is definitely the most violent scene this is not as brutal as cap too no not at all but this was probably as dark as it got i thought with the violence yeah yeah but like right off the bat man we learned that ronan doesn't he doesn't fuck around and and he hates um zandarians and and this guy means business yeah he does not give a fuck about no treaty that they signed yeah he does not care and i think if anything the fact that they signed the treaty is what's fueled his rage to just say fuck it and just try to destroy all the Xandarians. Right. And I know there's going to be some people that disagree with my next thing here, but I think, like, in certain ways, and he's not as epic, but in certain ways, he's definitely not as epic, but he kind of reminds me of Darth Vader meets, like, Judge Dredd. Yeah, I can see that a lot. I mean, he's, he's, sometimes, in certain scenes, he has an evil presence like Darth Vader, like, later on when they show up to the aftermath of the kiln. Yeah. Uh... The Clint, I mean. The uh, prison. Yeah. Yeah. When he shows up to the aftermath of that. When he shows up at nowhere, you mean? 
No, the prison. When he shows oh, Ronan. Yeah, that's right. He does show up at the prison. Yeah, when uh, when he's like walking around, everything's already happened. It's yeah. kind of like you know Vader showing up somewhere after something has happened, and like like the I Jedi agree. have already escaped, and you know he's giving orders to like you know his subordinates and shit like that. I felt like that scene was like a very. We'll talk about that later, but it was very Darth Vader. I agree. I got a real Darth Vader vibe when he was talking to uh, Thanos on the view screen. It was like a real Darth Vader Emperor vibe. That's I was like, going to bring that up oh, too. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. I totally agree. It, it's definitely like that. Yeah. Um, and but and he's kind of like Judge Dredd too because like he is like the judge, jury, and executioner totally for the Kree. I mean he he's like that's what Judge Dredd is. I mean and. Even though his views are a little twisted, that's what this guy's all about. So if you're not standing with the Kree, you're against the Kree, and he's going to fuck you up. Yeah, and it's interesting that they signed this treaty, you know, but it doesn't really seem like the Kree don't necessarily condone what Ronan's doing. Like, they don't officially condone what he's doing. Yeah. But there's that one scene where they're talking to Glenn Close. Nova Prime. Yeah, yep. where they where they won't, like decree it bad or whatever they're definitely not telling people you shouldn't do this and they're not sending anyone to help yeah they're like hey you know what we signed a treaty but he's not our problem yeah this one this guy's radical and if he's still pissed off and gonna do it you know we signed the treaty what more do you want from us exactly i mean yeah there's still been a thousand years of war there's got to be some bad blood in there yeah exactly so but it's unclear um how high up the kree government really does sanction what ronin is doing we don't know if there's a direct connection ever sure. with the kree government we- i don't think there is because like did you see any kree on the ship other than him no no i didn't see even the servants i'm not even sure if they were kree I hope we see more Kree in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Uh, what about the, the guys that, that were controlling the uh, Aster with, like, the... Oh, orb? that was weird. Like, yeah, I was trying to figure out what they were doing, and finally there's that scene where it, the the Aster makes a sharp turn, and they actually cut to the guy moving the orb. So Yeah, but are those guys Kree? Yeah. I mean, are there, like, renegade Kree that follow him? I, I think so. Yeah. So, but it didn't seem like, you know, he didn't have, like, all the soldiers were, like, uh, Sakaran soldiers, yeah. really, I mean, that were under Korra. <laughs> so, it's like, he's formed alliances, not, like, with, like, mostly Kree, but, like, with with Thanos, and, you know, he's he's able to use, like, you know, we find out, like, he's able to use, like, Gamora and Nebula, and they're all, like, kind of, like... Uh, outsourced by thanos like yeah, everything's yeah. kind of like outsourced like it's like rent an assassin exactly it was like that in avengers too like rent a terrorist act well like they both had like separate agendas like you know thanos wants to get like the stones yeah you know and hey throughout the show we're gonna call them stones and sometimes we'll call them gems because like in the comics they call them gems and in the movies they call them stones so if sometimes we call them a gem sometimes we call them a stone don't get on our ass about it it's just gonna happen yeah it's both the infinity stones so yeah um, but yeah, man, like, uh, it seems like a lot of these guys are just outsourced from Thanos. Yeah, very much Thanos rent, a, rent an assassin service. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. Um, the next scene, um, is, uh, we see, like, Nebula says that Korath has returned and that the orb has been stolen. Uh, Ronan, of course, he needs the orb. We find out, like, his agenda, like, I need, he needs the orb so he can deliver it to Thanos, who is then promised to wipe out the planet of Xandar. And mm. that's, like, that's what he wants to do. Ronan now is going to send somebody in there to retrieve the orb. 
And then he's forced to choose between Gamora and Nebula, who are both daughters of Thanos. Yeah. Um, you know, Gamora, she, of course, she's the adopted daughter, and Nebula is kind of like... They're both adopted. Yeah, Nebula, she's kind of like an experimentation, like a cyborg. Yeah. So, um, you know, both Gamora and Nebula, they were raised as siblings together growing up, and mm-hmm. there's like this sibling rivalry, and we, you know, we see later that Thanos kind of like uses it against both of them. Oh, definitely. He gets off on it, man. He's the master manipulator. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> What'd you think of uh, Nebula's like design? I-, I loved it. I loved it. I thought that was one of the best character designs I've ever seen. Yeah. I don't know about Karen Gillan. Yeah. As Nebula, she was okay. Um, but I thought the design was fucking awesome. It looked great. It I, did. I, I wanted more Nebula. Yeah. But I hope they find a way to bring Nebula back for the sequel also. Why not? She's still out there. We'll yeah, talk about it. But definitely. Yeah. Um, Ronan, of course, like he chooses Gamora to go after the orb. Yeah. It makes sense for the Not story. at first either, right? Doesn't um, he choose Nebula and then Gamora kind of volunteers on top of her and then Thanos kind of changes his mind? I think it was Ronan that actually chose her. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, in this scene, they hadn't uh, even talked to Thanos yet. Oh, you're right, you're right. You know, I just watched Avengers today, and it's like the same creature that's like um, doing the translation for Th- for speaking for Thanos. Oh, the, his medium or whatever. Yeah, it's yeah. like exactly the same thing. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that when I had seen Guardians before. Um, the next scene, it takes us to the planet of Xandar. It's the home of the... I still think they're intergalactic military slash policemen in yeah. this movie. Yeah, definitely. The Nova, um, they're like the, the Nova Corps. Yeah. Um, the do-gooders. Now, we get our first appearance of Rocket in this. Yep. Um, and he's looking for the next bounty so that they can take in for some, some credits, earn some credits. And he's, he's doing what I find myself doing a lot of the time. He's, <laughs> he's people watching. Very funny. And making fun of like the one guy's haircut. Uh, <laughs> then he makes fun of the little kid, which I thought was hilarious. That was the part that made me laugh the hardest yeah. was making fun of the little kid. Did he say like, he thinks he's so cool. <laughs> he's like, what's so cool about needing, needing help to being, needing help to be uh walk. Yeah. You know, like yeah. That. that was very it was funny. Very funny. And then uh, we get the Stanley cameo. Oh yeah, where he's uh, flirting with a Zandarian woman who's like more than half of his age, and then Rocket calls him a Class A prevert. <laughs> um, Rocket's uh, real name is eighty nine P thirteen, and he's a genetically altered uh, raccoon with uh, with enhanced bones. Yeah, and uh, he comes from Half World. And he loves big guns, big explosions, and is a very smart tactician. So he's like, kind of like, uh, he's kind of like the group's, uh, Captain America in that sense. Yeah, he is a little bit. He definitely, um, a few times gives the rally cries yeah. and keeps everything, you know, he's got, you know, strong convictions and getting things done. He's a, he's a tough guy yeah. for being a little raccoon. Uh, according to the filmmakers, Rocket Raccoon in this film is a unique product of experimentation. Uh, quote, he's a little animal that was taken and experimented on and pulled apart and put back together again and implanted with cybernetics. And he's half machine and half raccoon. And he's a gnarled, miserable, angry creature because there's nothing else like him. And that's something not easy to be. Yeah, for real. And they touch on that in the movie. Rocket delivers some of those almost same lines. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole time, uh, he's doing that, they then 
the camera shoots over to Groot and he's drinking from a public fountain. <laughs> and Rocket tells him to stop doing that, that it's gross. It's gross, yeah. Uh, Groot is a, uh, he's an alien. He's, he's a, he's what's called a Flora Colossus alien. He's from Planet X. And I think he's the last of his kind. Yeah, in the comic, he's the last of his kind. Doesn't Groot, like, rescue him from his home planet? And I mean... Or, I mean, Rocket. Even the Collector had never seen anything like him. Yeah, exactly. He was super excited to see him. Yeah. And wanted to purchase him right then and there (laughs) for, like, when he died. Yeah, good stuff. Um, And then, you know, like, Groot can make his limbs grow at will, and he can regenerate himself, and it's just a really cool character, so... Yeah, they come up with new powers for him, like, throughout the movie, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, Rocket's device that he's using is kind of like a futuristic iPad. It locates, you know, a bounty in its quill, and he's got a 40,000 credit bounty on him. So, you know, they're keeping an eye on Quill. Quill goes into that shop in Xandar and starts talking to this broker that he arranged the meeting with, and Yondu was supposed to show up. And Quill's there instead of Yondu. Yeah, he's like, don't worry about Don't worry about Yondu not being here, basically. Yeah. And so, like... Quill's talking about how other people want the orb, and then he's just talking and talking and talking, and just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> and he drops Ronan's name. Yeah. And that's when everything just kind of just falls apart as far as this deal goes. As soon as he does that, the broker says that he's like, he, I, I want no part of this. You know, I want no part of Ronan. He's a, he's a fanatical Cree. He doesn't care anything about the treaty, and he just wants to destroy, destroy Xandar, and he's like pushing Quill out of the shop. Yeah, that was a good scene. Yeah. I liked when Quill uh, made fun of his eyebrows. And yeah, you still have the best eyebrows in the business. <laughs> yeah, that was good stuff. And then he makes Quill leave, and then as soon as he pushes him out, the door drops. We see Gamora for the first time, and she's eating something. Yeah, just like a plum or a peach yeah. or something. And uh, in the comics, Gamora, is, she's the last survivor of the Zen Ho-Berry race. Zen Ho-Berry race? Yeah. Yeah. Well, didn't Thanos kill them all? Um, her people were all wiped out by the Badoon. Okay. Uh, the same aliens that in the comics killed Star-Lord's mother. Gotcha. And then, like, that's when, like, he, like, took her in. Okay. So, um, but yeah, in this movie, later on, we find out that Thanos, like, killed her parents, like, right in front of her. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, Gamora, she's talking with Quill, and she finds an opportunity throughout their conversation, which I thought was, like, pretty funny. It was funny. Um... Yeah, I like the part where he's like, you know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm people. I'm uh, Peter Quill. Yeah. And people call me Star Lord. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. Yeah, he, you know, he was definitely flirting with her. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, you know, he just sees like a sexy green alien, and yeah. you know, that's what he does. Like he turns on the charm, and that's you know, that's what he does. Very Captain Kirk in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of lots of shades. Almost like Captain Kirk meets Han Solo. This I character. agree. Yeah. Um. Quill uses, like, okay, yeah, uh, she finds this opportunity to, like, uh, swipe the orb and then, like, kick Quill and then run it off, run off with it. And Quill uses, like, this alien technology. And it, it reminded me of Tigra's bolo whip from, like, the Thundercats. Yeah, it's like a bolo snare. Yeah, like, it's, he throws this thing and it wraps around Gamora's legs and then it causes her to fall. Um, she gets out of it and then they start to, like, chase each other. Yeah. And the whole time, like, Groot and Rocket are looking for their time to get in there. And, like, Groot and Rocket, like, they try to put Quill in a bag. Yeah, he's got a big potato sack, right. basically. <laughs> yeah, Groot's holding it. And then Gamora starts using her sword and starts cutting off limbs from Groot. Yeah. 
cuts off both arms and then like does like this abdomen strike and like, (laughs) you know, it's like Groot just looks like he's messed up. But at the same time, it's just like, you kind of feel bad for the guy. He's just standing there looking very (laughs) sorrowful about not having any arms anymore. He's kind of looking down at them like, hmm. Um, there's that scene like where Quill, like during the fight, Quill like straps like his rocket his leg rocket boosters or thrusters or whatever you want to call them. And he like straps them to like uh, Gamora, her, Gamora's leg. And she goes flying off in the fountain. Yeah, that was funny. I, you know, what really made me laugh was when, um, at one moment Groot actually does get, um, Quill in the potato sack. Yeah. And then Quill's like running away as Giddy while he's trying to get the potato sack off. And I found yeah. that really comedic. He's yeah. got like, it's like swinging on one leg still while he's <laughs> right. running. Is that where, uh, when he's getting away, um, Oh, yeah, he shoots Gamora with, like, the stun gun. Yes, I think right after what you said is when yeah. this happens. He puts the rocket pack right. on her. Yeah. And then Groot gets him after he thinks he's safe for a second. Right, and then Quill um, runs away, and then Rocket hits him with, like, a stun. Yes. He falls down. Uh, Quill is apprehended by Roman Day of the Nova Corps, and that's John C. Riley's character. Yes. And then Gamora, Groot, and Rocket, they're then captured by the Nova Corps who use, like, it's like they're in their Nova Corps ships. Yes. And they use, like, this technology that, like, suspends them and then immobilizes them. Yeah, like, basically, like, right. tractor beams for humans. Yeah, and it's, it's, Gamora's knocked out, though. She's okay. knocked yeah. out cold. Like, yeah. Groot and, like, Rocket are just kind of, like, suspended there and, like, oh, <laughs> shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, Roman Day, uh, then they bring him into, like, the, the prison, um, uh, and that's when we get like the scene with, uh, Roman day and he's going over like the guardians rap sheets. Okay. Like we saw that in the trailer. Yeah. Like, oh, oh yeah. A million times. Yeah. This is, you know, oh, this is, uh, um, Gamora, you know, daughter of like Thanos and blah, 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 blah. And like, and they, it's going over each character. I was surprised that, um, I thought it would be the same way as it was in the trailer when, uh, Quill gives the middle finger that the machine would be blocking it. I knew that it wouldn't be because when they first showed the Comic-Con footage yeah. of this at yeah. San Diego Comic-Con last year, yeah. they didn't blur it out. Oh, gotcha. They didn't blur it out. So I knew that that was just for like the the Green Band trailer. Yeah, because even in the Green Band trailer, there was like digital effects over it and everything. Yeah. It wasn't that it was blurred out. It like literally had like warning, warning, like what sure. it was saying. And yeah. Yeah, no, that was funny that it wasn't there. It made me laugh at a scene I'd seen a hundred times already. Right. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then like uh, when he when he when like he tried to pull it back down and it popped. Right oh back yeah, up. yeah. That oh, was funny. Oh but, sorry. Um, James Gunn stated that that scene was all improv on Chris Pratt's part too. I believe it. He's so. he's really good at that kind of thing. Um, the Nova that is in that scene. There's a there's a Nova that is next to Roman Day. Um, okay. Who's John C. Riley? The guy that says they look like a bunch of a holes. Yes. Um, he says his name is Denarian Saul. Okay. In the comics, Denarian is a Nova rank, and because you've got your Denarians, yes. and then you've got your Centurions. Okay. And then those are like Nova from the comics. Those are like the powered ones. Yes. The Denarians are like the fleet members and. And then, like, the Centaurians, those, those are, like, the lanterns, you know, like, in the, DC. Yeah, just like got the, the Richard Rider is. We didn't see any Centaurians in this movie. No, they were all just, like, lower ranks. Right. But this um, Denarian, Saul, um, Denarian's his rank, and Saul is his last name. His full name 
from the comics is Garth and Saul. And he is um, the original supernova who went evil and then destroyed nearly half of the Nova Corps in the comics. Oh, that's interesting. Is that stuff that happened in the 80s? I think so. Okay. Gotcha. Um, We then see Quill, Rocket, and Groot and Gamora being walked down a corridor on their way um, to the prison, which is – I don't know. I thought thought this was – I don't know. I thought this was like a very cool scene. Of it them was going to the kiln. It's kiln, right? Yeah, yeah. This is where we get our hooked on hooked on a feeling yeah. music drop. Um, yeah, Rocket. He's like bragging about how he's escaped from prison twenty two times. <laughs> yeah, and they're, as they're walking down the corridor, like yeah, um, Gamora starts talking, and like Rocket's like, yeah, we know who you are. <laughs> I know all about you. And then, like, yeah, and then, like, Peter Quill's like, yeah, we know all about you. Turns to Groot and says, who is she? I am Groot. <laughs> and then, like, you get the line, like, you know, he keeps saying, I am Groot. And he's like, yeah, we heard you say that 89 times already. <laughs> yeah, he's really funny with the Groot yeah. repeating. Rocket's really funny explaining um, Groot's speech, too. Yeah. He's like, he's only going to say I and M and Groot and exclusively in that order. I, like, I read, like, like... He says it in such a – when Groot talks, he says it in such like a frequency. Like yeah. nobody else can understand it but Rocket. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that too. Yeah. I think Rocket's delivered that exposition in the comics. Yeah. Um, and then as they're walking down the corridor on their way, they see like the the people in the prison that, that are checking in like their, their items. Yes. And the one alien, the blue alien that looks like somebody like in the blue man group. Okay. He uh, is listening to Hooked on a Feeling on the Walkman. Yeah. And then, like, Quill, like, that's that scene from the trailer that we've all seen where Quill's like, hey, that's mine. And like, then he gets tasered. And, like, <laughs> the whole time he's getting tasered, the music's still fucking playing. Yeah. They show him getting their um, liquid baths while the music's still playing, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, they show him they're getting bathed in that orange gunk. Um, and then they put him, you know, in the... Uh, yeah, we see Rocket. They they're both like kind of like after the orange gunk scene, like they're in a holding cell together. Yeah, and they're putting on like their prison scrubs. And we see Rocket's back. We see Rocket's back exactly. And uh, not only do we see it as you know viewers in the audience, but Peter Quill importantly he and he sees it too. Mm-hmm. And so I think like this kind of ties into like when he's a kid and he's watching like the boys kill the the frog. Like he's got a love for for animals and things that can't like defend themselves. But you know what I mean? Rockets, rockets definitely something that can defend themselves, but yeah, it's really understandable to see how Peter and rocket would bond. I never noticed. I never made the connection with the frog, but that's a very good point. Yeah. And it's definitely there on purpose. Yeah. Agreed. That's, I think that's why they threw that in. Yeah. Um, you can tell like as he's quill sees like, the, these just the experimentation that's gone on in his back just like there's kind of like you can see some metallic things poking out of his back and you know you can tell that he feels sorry for the guy and that you know he knows that rocket's been through a lot of shit oh yeah he definitely knows rocket's been through a lot of shit and so they uh we get the scene like they're walking into the prison and there's like a ton of prisoners that are just like you know shouting shit at gamora mostly because, like, they recognize her. They know that she works for Ronan, and, like, she has, like, killed a lot of people. And, you know, they know her reputation, so they're they're all threatening to kill her. Yeah. Um, Lloyd. They showed Lloyd Kaufman in this scene, too. Yep. Yeah. He, he was up in the um, 
in the, on the railing. They show like three people up on a railing, I believe. Yeah, um, Lloyd Kaufman. Now, James Gunn, he got to start with Troma Entertainment. Um, in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Troma Entertainment co-founder, like you said, Lloyd Kaufman appears as one of the prisoners. And I mean, I was a big fan of the Troma films growing up, like Toxic, Toxic Avenger. Toxic Avenger. Didn't they do killer condoms too? I think so. Yeah, there was a bunch of Troma films are pretty hilarious. I was thinking like it would have been cool, if, like in the background, if they would have showed like uh, as a janitor the Toxic Avenger. Oh, that would have been cool, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> just like mopping up something with like his like uh, pink tutu on. <laughs> yeah, that w- James Gunn did get to drop one of his own movie references l- later in the movie. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. We'll talk about that later. Um, now there is a huge blue inmate that looks like he looked like an ogre for the from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the one from Harry Potter. The that, one from Harry Potter that's in the bathroom. He looked more like Shrek. Yeah, so a little bit of a cross between the two, like yeah. a mid ground. Yeah, and then uh, apparently that character is Nathan Fillion. Yeah, wow, who'd have known? I would have never known. I still, I've seen the movie twice, and I still don't see it. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, they say it is though. Yep. Um. Uh. He was in. Uh, he was in Slither, so that was one of James Gunn's movies. Yes, definitely. So. Yeah, but uh, Quill, I mean, like, the, everybody goes into, like, their own holding, their own cell, their own personal cell. And, I mean, you've got, like, uh, Gamora going into hers. Like, that was the main focus, like, watching Gamora go into hers and, like, all these prisoners, like, basically threatening her on the way. And then, like, they get that far-off shot, and then we see Drax. Yeah. Just kind of, like, watching. Now, this is the scene right before this where Rocket does kind of establish that no one should fuck with them, too, no. right? That still happens later? No, you're right. This does happen. Um, Before they get go yeah, to their cells. You're right. Yeah, it's like uh, the the blue ogre-looking alien, like, yeah. you know, like he's going to go after Quill and, like, kick Quill's ass or something to prove a point, like he's the man there. And that's when Groot just, like, uses his, like, finger limbs to, like, yeah. shove him through this guy's nose. And, like, as he's got him there, like, suspended, like, that's when Rocket's, like, going off. He delivers, off. like, a speech, yeah. basically. He's like, this is our bounty and like nobody messes with him and then like quill says like yeah i'm with them yeah and like yeah groot kicks dude's ass yeah that was awesome they really quickly established that groot is a badass yeah and not to be fucked with don't fuck with groot man yeah um yeah so then the next thing we see is like quill he's sleeping and he wakes up to see like a group of prisoners that are kind of like taking gamora away and so you know He's following them. Even though she's, like, tried to kill him and kick his ass, he's still, like, you know, I mean, he's still kind of, like, I don't know, dude. Yeah, the one prisoner, it kind of made me laugh. The one prisoner's like, let's take her to the bathroom. It'll be easier to clean up. Is that what he said? Yeah. Oh, jeez. I was like, oh, jeez, that's dark. (laughs) And... Well, it goes to show you that, like, prisons are the same everywhere. Yeah, exactly. But uh, unlike most prisons, like, the guards don't care what happens inside the prison. Like, yeah. Like, they establish that, too. Like, the guards are there just to make sure nobody escapes. Whatever the fuck happens in the prison, they could care less. So, yeah, like, it's like its own its own country and its own politics in yeah. the film. Um, they plan on killing her, and then Drax, he walks in, and he's like, do you know who I am? And the pr- that one prisoner is like, you are Drax the Destroyer. <laughs> and so, like, they kind of step aside, and he takes, like, the knife away from them. Yeah. And so here we meet Drax, and, and he attempts to he – to, he wants to kill Gamora due to her association with Ronan, who killed his family. Yeah. And 
it was Thanos who killed Drax's family in the comics. And back then he was actually he – di- he wasn't an alien. He started off as a human called Arthur Douglas. Yeah. Um, he, big changes for Drax for big sure. Big changes for Drax. Uh, Douglas had his spirit nabbed by the aliens Mentor and Kronos who then put his soul in a body um, that that we know as Drax the Destroyer because they felt that – this Arthur Douglas guy had the drive to kill Thanos, but he just needed a more powerful body in order to do it. So that's how – that's his origin in the comics. Yeah. And they've his origin has been – he has more than one origin in the comic too, I believe. I believe oh, yeah. they – like re, when they started all the DNA cosmic stuff, right. they gave him a whole brand new origin as opposed to how it originally was when it was – I think he's a Jim Starlin character. Yeah. I could be wrong about that, but – um, Drax is then talking and says he's like, you know, Ronan killed his wife and then killed his daughter. And then did you catch the daughter's name? No. Uh, her name was Camaria. Okay. Do you ever, did they ever use that name in the comics? Not that I can remember. Okay. This is a nod in my opinion to Conan the Barbarian. Okay. Because Conan was a Camarian. Gotcha. So just like Drax, Conan's family, they were attacked and then murdered. So I thought that that was like a very cool nod to Conan the Barbarian because, I mean, Conan's been called Conan the Destroyer, Drax the Destroyer, <laughs> and his his daughter's name was Camaria, and Conan is a Camarian. Gotcha. Okay. So, that's that's cool. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. So I I just think that that was kind of a nod to Conan. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you are. Um, Drax in this movie, they purposely made him not to look bright green, like in the comics. Yeah, he's like a gray tone. He's a gray. And, um, they made him more of a grayish color, um, because the, I, I think that they don't want to make him look too similar to, like, the Hulk as far as the color goes, because if, like, we ever see these two on screen together, yeah. they kind of want to, like, differentiate between the two of them. The way or or even more so, even more closely related, I did, I think they wanted to keep him separated from Gamora. True. Who's already yeah. green. Yeah, you're right. So you're right. you're right. And then like aren't like his tattoos, don't they tell a story? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. So and they're more than tattoos, right? They're like some of them are like scars, like yeah. decorated scars or something right. like that. Um Drax knows uh of course he knows that Gamora works for Ronan. Like I said, he wants to kill her. So Quill then he dissuades Drax by saying that Gamora can bring Ronan to him. And then Gamora, she then says that, you know, she's been betrayed by Ronan and she's unwilling to let him use the orb's power to destroy entire planets like Xandar. And then Gamora says that she has a buyer for the orb and then Rocket, Quill, Groot, and Gamora, they work together to escape from the kiln. Yeah, four million credits instead of 40,000. So Rocket... Was it four million or four billion? Oh, maybe it was four billion credits. I think credits. it was four billion. Yeah. I think it was like insane. Yeah, because I, I think they mentioned this right after Rocket says that yeah. he still wants his 40,000 for Quill. <laughs> right. And then he hears this new amount and right. it's like, okay, good to oh, go. And then we can split it up three ways. And then like yeah. Groot's <laughs> like, whoa, I am Groot. What about me? <laughs> yeah, sleep for the action, awake for the money. Yeah, I love that. That was great. <laughs> that got a lot of laughs in my theater. <laughs> yeah, I have to admit, like, my theater was laughing. Like, I went at, like, the 7 o'clock show on Thursday. Yeah. And I got a lot of laughs. I saw it with two different crowds. Um, I saw it at 7 o'clock on Thursday. Uh-huh. Huge laughs. Like, a yeah. real fun crowd. And, yeah. then, and then I saw it again at uh, 10 o'clock yesterday. Yeah. And it was still a pretty big crowd. But it was like everyone was asleep. Like, nothing got any laughs. I think, honestly, like, 
Okay, I saw it at yeah, I saw it at seven o'clock. Tons of laughs, and then like I saw it like twelve thirty in the afternoon, and like the audio. I saw it in two D the second time. Yeah, and like the audio was so low compared to like the IMAX, uh. you could barely hear anything. Oh, see, yeah, I get weird. I, I actually get up and go get a guy. I'm like, you got to turn this movie up. Yeah, I was a little. That was annoying. Yeah, but it was just like I it, not as many laughs in this, and like Drax got tons of laughs like the first viewing, and like hardly uh. any laughs with my second crowd. Yeah, Drax got a ton of laughs too. There were moments the first time I saw it where you couldn't hear the next line of dialogue, right? Due to one line of dialogue's laugh. Yeah. So. The next scene, um, Thanos is, uh, is summoning Ronan. And this is where we see Ronan talking to Thanos. And a lot of cool things, I think, happen in this scene. Of course, number one, we finally see Thanos in all of his glory. Yeah, we get to hear his per- permanent voice finally. Right. And, uh, before we talk about, let's, before we talk about, like, what happened in this scene, Let's just let's get it out there. What did you think of Josh Brolin as Thanos? I liked it. I thought it was fine. It wasn't great. I don't Tupper wear it. Yeah. But, but I don't toss it either. I taste it. Okay. I how do I say this? Yeah. I Okay, I Tupperware the chair. Yeah. That he's on. I Tupperware the smile. I Tupperware his suit, his body. Yeah. I tossed the face and the voice, man. The, vo- the voice is not the greatest. Oh, God. I tossed the face and the voice. His eyes are so small, and they're not, like, bigger and more menacing. I yeah. want to see bigger and, like, black eyes and more menacing. They're, like, these tiny little beady eyes and then, like, huge Jay Leno chin. <laughs> like, it's like Jay Leno if he was a California raisin. It's yeah. like, that's what Thanos looks like to me. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's Jay Leno as a California raisin. That's, that's hilarious. And that, I wanted to see just bigger, blacker eyes. It doesn't have to, I know it's Josh Brolin, but it doesn't have to be Josh Brolin's eyes there, man. Yeah, you never know. I, there's, you know, much like they changed how Gollum looked from one movie to the next, they yeah. could, they could always, tweak on that yeah i just dude i i don't i didn't like i love i love the chair i love like his suit and his body but man the face dude i can't get over that shit and the voice uh, I, I really liked when he smiled at the end of that scene i thought that was a classic thanos smile uh, like it looked really great there yeah i don't know man i'm i'm split i'm giving the whole thing a a ta- low taste it, I guess. I don't know, dude. Yeah. I don't know how to rate that one, man. Yeah, I need to see him more walking around doing stuff. Yeah, and as a character, like right. he's always just sitting in the chair or whatever. And they're saving all that. Yeah. I understand it. I mean, they're saving it all. But yeah, I want to see him, dude. I mean, like, when the fuck are we gonna get to see this guy actually doing something? I mean, like, ten years from now. Were you surprised that you saw him at all? I kind of was. I was expecting it maybe to be the end credit sequence, though, too. Even no, I mean, I'd read reports that we were gonna see him in this movie, and I already knew that they said that we're gonna see him, and then we'll see another scene of him um in like the hologram form so oh, gotcha. i already kind of was like privy to that information gotcha yeah i was surprised it happened so early in the film but um yeah we get we get some cool stuff in here like nebula's there and of course he's got to mention that you know his he mentions his favorite daughter gamora yeah what a douche and then he says he calls ronan boy <laughs> And says, you know, fail me again. And he says something like, I'll bathe your star, I'll bathe 
the stars in your blood or yeah, something like yeah. that. And this is after Ronan kills his like interpreter guy. Yeah, yeah. That poor guy. Right. <laughs> he gets his like neck twisted basically. Yeah. And I yeah, like Ronan like he like grew a scrote there and like was like doing all this shit and like as soon as like you know, Thanos started saying, like, I'll bathe the stars in your blood. Like, he kind of, like, backed away. But, yeah. like, at the same, you know, you could kind of see him, like, flinch a little bit. Yeah. And then, but he's still kind of staring Thanos down, like, you motherfucker. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm going to get what I want. I don't give a fuck about you. Right. Yeah. They they both are using each other. Like, he wants Thanos to, like, destroy Xandar. Mm-hmm. And, like, um, you know, and then, like, Thanos just wants, he just wants all the stones. Yeah, for sure. So... Um, we next get like the scene, like this is like Rocket trying to like figure out like how they're going to bust out of the prison. Oh yeah. That was funny. And he says like, you know, we need, you know, I need, I need, um, I need that battery there. You need to pull that out. I need this. I need that. I need that guy's prosthetic leg. Yeah. And what else, what all did they need? They needed, it was three things. It was, it was the, the, the band, the leg, and then the, the battery. Yeah, the the armband. Yeah. That armband, which like the second time I watched it. Yeah. As they're walking down that corridor and the guy's using the armband. Yeah. They show Rocket looking at that. Yeah, I caught that the second time too, that he's like, oh, that armband's gonna come in handy. Yeah. So now we like get the escape and it's like, isn't it like as he's like, explaining like what they need yes like the last thing they need is that battery and like Groot just takes it upon himself to like rip it out already yeah Rocket's giving the exposition that they need to specifically get the battery last because once they get it they'll only have yay amount of time before before everything goes wonky and Groot doesn't pay attention to any of that he just hears they need the battery and while Rocket's (laughs) delivering this they get it and right it, it really made me chuckle um as soon as the alarms go off um you see Gamora, and she goes, I'll get the armband, and Chris Pratt Starler just goes, leg. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, okay, so, like, this is, like, the whole escape scene, and, like, we see, like, Groot is getting shot by, like, those, you know, the kiln, like, the little drones with, like, the machine guns on them. Yeah, they're just rotting. They're just shooting. he's, like, trying to regenerate as fast as they're shooting him. And, like, Rocket climbs up his leg. And he's, like, you know, you're, what? Not, yeah. you're not getting us enough time and blah, blah, blah. What can I do? I don't. Yeah. I can't do anything. Yeah, he doesn't have a gun or anything. Yeah. And it's, like, yeah, it was cool. Groot kind of, like, made a shield, though, to protect Rocket. Yeah, the shield was cool. It was, like, all branchy out and everything. Yeah, like, it was twig shield. Yeah. And, like, Drax sees that, like, you know, Groot's getting attacked and whatever. And so Drax sees, like, there's some soldiers behind Groot that Groot's not paying attention. He's paying attention to the drones, and these soldiers are going to shoot Groot. Drax sees an opportunity to get out of prison, and he attacks those soldiers. And doesn't he toss a gun to Rocket? Yeah, he tosses the gun to Rocket, kind of the slow motion gun toss to Rocket, and then Rocket delivers the oh yeah line. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so then, um, yeah, that's cool. And he starts spinning around and blasting and just going crazy and screaming. It was awesome. It was awesome. So, um, then, um, then they get to the, uh, they get to, they finally get to like Gamora somehow or another. Yeah. She takes out that guy and like gets that thing. Gets off the armband. Arm. Yeah. yeah. And then they show Quill like in the cell with that guy. He's like, the guy looks at him and is like, my leg? Yeah, that was funny. So, um, they, they get to the tower. Everybody's got what they need. And then, then Quill's like, 
all right, I got the lag. And then Rocket explains that it was just a joke. Yeah. I think Cool says something like, but I gave that guy 3,000 credits or something. 30,000. 30,000 credits. Yeah. He's like, he's like, did it look funny? Was he like jumping around on one leg? Did it look funny? <laughs> Very funny. A lot of laughs in my theater. Yeah. A lot of laughs the first time I saw it. Like right. Grasshopper was the second time I saw it. Right. When I right. saw it with the, the crowd that was on like downers. Right. <laughs> and then we get like the joke, like something like, um, Somebody says something to Drax, and then, um, and then you know, Drax is talking using like big words, and then Quill calls him a walking thesaurus. Yes, and he's like, he's like, "Do not call me a, thos- a thesaurus again." <laughs> and then we get like the you know, uh, Rocket explains like his people are they t- his people are too literal. They yeah. take everything literally. This was like, hilarious. He's like, you know, everything goes over their head. And then like Drax is like, yeah. nothing gets over my head. I would, I would grab it. He says, I have quick reflexes. Yeah. I yeah. would not let it get past me. Yeah. <laughs> and that got tons of laughs in my theater, man. People yeah, but, love that shit. Yeah, Batista was surprisingly great, right? Yeah. It, I don't know why some people are down on him, dude. I thought he, he was, was awesome. He was very funny. Yeah. It's a very different take on the character, but it was yeah. a very funny take on the character. Yeah. And it wasn't super goofy, but it was still very funny. Right. And so, like, now they're in that tower, and, like, everybody's like, you know, how are we going to get out of here? And it's like, dude, I love watching Rocket's little hands, like, work electronics. Fidget with shit. Fidget yeah. with shit. I love it. Yeah, I love it, it was great. Because, you know, if you look at a raccoon's hand, like, yeah. raccoons and, like, even rats and stuff like that have almost, like, human-like hands. It's really bizarre. It is bizarre. I used to have pet rats, yeah. But <laughs> my pet rats had, like, really, like, they would hold stuff like a human in their hand and, like, you know, eat it. And they had human-like hands. It was really cool to see Rocket, like, fidgeting, like you said, with shit. Yeah, and he would just make the stuff so fast and yeah. just so quick, just grab whatever he could grab next <laughs> right. to him and just start he's like the raccoon macgyver man yeah, he was the raccoon macgyver so um you know rocket he uh finds a way to like use it to like he turns off the artificial gravity and then then he takes control of those flying drones that have been shooting at him the whole time those go underneath he releases the tower they go under the drones go underneath the tower and then they the drones are kind of like he's kind of like doing a remote control thing where they're yeah. flying them out of the tower Everybody else is like floating and shit. <laughs> the only place that the artificial gravity is working in is the tower. Yeah. And they, that seems to really impress uh, the other people. Is it Gamora that says, you turned all the gravity off everywhere but in here? Yeah. And they're like, oh, brilliant, you know? Yeah. Um, and then uh, the plan is like to get to the Milano, uh, Quill's ship. Uh, but Quill's like, I got to go get something. And we all knew what he was going for. Oh, yeah. And, uh, at the, and then, you know, Quill, it's a scene where Quill is after the Walkman again. Yeah, he goes and gets the Walkman. We yeah. hear it to Pina Colada yeah. is what the guy's jamming. Yeah, and, like, the whole time, like, um, of course, like, Quill, Quill is, like, uh, oh, yeah. Uh, he's, like, throwing the orb up in the air, too, yeah. on yeah. his way there. Yeah, that's really funny. He, does he clock the guy with the orb? Yeah, that's what he hits him with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, like, uh, Gamora's like, you know, like, we need to get out of here. And, no, Rocket's like, we need to get out of here. He's yeah. not coming back or whatever. And Gamora's like, no, he's got the orb. We can't leave without the orb. And so, um, you know, he, like, he gets it and he, like, flies back to the Milano, which I thought was a really cool scene. It was it, a really cool shot. It was like a almost like the Rocketeer the shot. The Rocketeer, Where yeah. he was, like, blasting. Yeah. Yeah, it was a really neat shot. And then he comes up and, like, he's like... uh 
Drax is like, you looked very heroic. And, <laughs> like, you know, what was so important that you need to go back to get? And he's like this. And he hands him like the Walkman. He's like, you are an imbecile. <laughs> this man's an imbecile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, okay. Um, Ronan then shows up at the prison, you know, the aftermath and he's looking for like the orb and he finds out that the, the Nova corpse, they're on their way. And this is where I got like a Vader feel from this. And. Oh, definitely. Just showing up after the aftermath. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He's just walking around kind of like Vader. All right. Hey, some weird editing there because uh, it just – the recording kind of stopped. We had been talking for probably like another half hour maybe. Yeah, We lost some shit. So at least we got as much as we did. But yeah, let's kind of backtrack and talk about some things we talked about uh, that you didn't get to hear. Yeah. yeah. Well, not backtrack for you guys but backtrack for for us. us. Yeah, because we've already talked about it. So um, after the scene at the prison, Ronan at the prison – um, the aftermath of that, uh, we get the scene at Yandu at the broker. Yes. The broker scene. And like, isn't this like the first time that we get to see him use the, uh, whistle controlled arrow? Yeah, he uses the whistle controlled arrow. You know, he like does like a high pitch whistle. Is, you think that's really Michael Rooker whistling? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> I was wondering. And, uh, yeah, they, they hired a professional whistler. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Only professionals. Yeah. Maybe the, maybe the son of the guy who did the, uh, Andy Griffith theme song. <laughs> maybe he came in there. Yeah. A second generation whistler. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, you hand that kind of shit down to your, you know, your kids. <laughs> Definitely. I'd want to follow in my dad's footsteps if right. he was the Andy Griffith guy. Maybe that was the same guy that whistled in, uh, the, uh, Guns and Arrow video for patience. <laughs> you think? Maybe. That's what's missing. From a lot of you know things today is like good whistling solos in in song in, yeah. in songs yeah I'm partial to kazoo too <laughs> there you go <laughs> but um yeah so like we get the scene of Yandu at the buyer and like he like he's looking at like the little knickknacks and shit oh yeah that's very funny that he he asks if he can have one for his dash and the broker says he doesn't know if he's being serious or joking he right. doesn't know how to take him which we find out later he's totally serious cuz <laughs> he has got like a ton of those little knickknacks and shit on his dash <laughs> yeah it's really funny ship, so yeah but he's like looking for he's looking for quill right yes yeah well, and he's looking for quill he's still trying to get his hands on the stone i think yeah yeah um and then uh then we get the shot uh the scene they break away and it's the collector talking to his assistant which that assistant, and we find out that's his daughter. Oh, gotcha! Is the other one that he has locked up one of his daughters too? I don't know, but I know that his, this is his daughter, and her name's like Karina Walters or something. And okay, that's his daughter. That's interesting. That's what the film identifies her as: is his daughter Karina Walters. Oh, huh, wow. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting? I'm, I'm surprised we didn't see uh, more of the collector than we did in this movie. It seemed like before I saw it, they were billing him to have a bigger presence than he eventually ended up having mm-hmm. i was a little surprised yeah i mean if he even had 10 minutes of screen time i'd be surprised right yeah that was weird but i think his character is like really knowledgeable when yeah. it comes to everything that's kind of like going on mm-hmm. so to get more of him he's got to explain more that they really want us to know at this point in the marvel cinematic universe and that makes sense you know what i mean i doubt we're going to see too much of him moving forward though guardians too. Yeah, I, I still don't think we'll see too much Collector. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I think once they find out more about these stones, and this guy's already given them some, we'll find out later, he gives them some like exposition about like the stones, I think yeah. they might come to him looking for some answers. Yeah, maybe. They may work him back in that way. Yeah, I don't know. Could be. Could I don't know. We'll see. 
Uh, but yeah, the collector is talking about like how they're going to have guests there very soon talking to Karina. Yeah. And so, um, then we see, uh, the scene and we saw some of this in the trailer where they show the first shot of nowhere Mm -hmm. and nowhere, uh, Gamora explains is the head of a celestial being, which, you know, one of the celestials, uh, we're going to talk about the celestials shortly. Yeah. A little bit later, but. And this is a very different interpretation of Nowhere than the comic book. In the right. movie, it's like a mining colony where the collector set up his business and everything. Yeah. But in the comic, it's kind of just an abandoned celestial head. Yeah. Um, that they use as like as, as a home base because it has all these different portals to different places and Cosmo's kind of the, uh, security, security dog. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the Cosmo allows the, Guardians of the Galaxy to like set up their base of operations there at nowhere. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's not owned by the collector. Like in the films, it's like that's this is like the collector's world. Yeah. This is like his mining colony. So totally different. Yeah, that that really shows you how huge a uh, celestial is when just its head can be almost like basically run like a planet. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So wow. And they're, they're like mining the head, they said, for like bone and like muscle tissue. And it's, I don't know what purpose that stuff serves, but like they're melting it down in like those vats. You oh. see that, right? Yeah. We, I don't really know what purpose that serves either. I wonder. Yeah. yeah. They don't mm. really explain that. No. Um, then we see like the scene. It's like the lizard fight scene, that game that they're all playing. And I got a Star Wars feel from this too. Yeah. A very Star Wars feel. Um, it, Drax the Destroyer was definitely all about this game. Oh, yeah. He loved it. Very competitive. And, yeah. like, when he won, he's like, I am going to, like, ingest this drink, you know, <laughs> forthwith or whatever he said. And, like, and then, like, uh, that's when uh, Rocket said, like, that's the first thing that you said that isn't batshit crazy. <laughs> And I thought I thought that was hilarious. That got a, like a ton of laughs in my theater. Yeah, they got laughs in my theater too. It was fun to see the characters kind of let go and relax and fall into themselves a little bit more. Yeah, uh, alcohol is always good for that. I think. Yeah, it always starts off like that, but then it kind of get, alcohol gets a little crazy, as we found out in the last podcast. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> Rocket goes a little bit frank later on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we get the scene of Gamora and then uh, Peter Quill. They're standing on that balcony. And then he, then she explains for the first time, uh, for like the audience and everything and to Quill that her parents were killed in front of her by Thanos and that she was adopted and raised by Thanos uh, as an assassin. Yeah, that was very cool. Um, I, they do a good job with, um, doing Gamora's backstory, but it's never very heavy handed. It just kind of yeah. comes out through conversation pieces here and there. Right. And, like, you know, Quill at this point, you know, like, he's listening to it and, like, he (laughs) takes it. I think he's just, like, he's still classic Peter Quill and Mm -hmm. he's, like, all he, you know, he's used to hearing, like, these, I'm sure he's used to hearing, like, all these fucking, like, daddy issues and shit from chicks and he uses it to, like, throw game at him, dude. And so he's, like, oh, shit, you've got daddy issues? Oh, don't worry. Like, the suave Peter Quill's here. Listen to this music. This will get you into the mood. And, like, he's going all Barney Stinson on her. You yeah. know what I mean? And I really like that Gamora is never having it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, he goes in for the kiss. She's even closing her eyes. But, man, she's fucking aware of this shit. She, like, puts the knife up to his throat and says, you know, I'm not going to fall for your pelvic sorcery. I know how you are, Quill. <laughs> the pelvic sorcery. It was a great line. Yeah, it was a great line. So then, you know, like, oh, yeah, and we get the whole, like, uh, 
the, yeah, we did, totally didn't talk about this, but he's talking about like, uh, you know, like, oh, you know, do you like dancing? She's like, you know. Oh, the Kevin Bacon yeah, speech. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Kevin Bacon was a hero on his planet and he made a whole town dance and shit. Yeah. Who put the sticks in their butts? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, you know, after, after that whole, uh, interaction, like, they're walking back to, like, locate Drax and, 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 uh, Groot and, and Rocket and we see, like, Drax and Rocket, uh, Drax and Groot, like, fighting each other. And we find out that it's over Rocket Raccoon. Yes, Rocket Raccoon is—he's been hurt. He's—he's—he's he's, he's been offended by by Drax. Um, I really liked this scene. This really fleshed out Rocket Raccoon. Really told you a lot about this character and yeah. how he feels. And he's just more than just a smart-ass, wisecracking CG raccoon. Yeah. It really gave him some personality, and it really made the audience feel for him. Absolutely, dude's been through a lot of shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, He's been hurt and experimented on and, you know, it really touches on that. And, you know, uh, I mean, he's, he says like something like, you know, like to Drax, he's like, you know, you called me vermin and she called me a rodent. And, you know, like he just wants to be treated as an equal, not like this freak that everybody views him as. Yeah. He says he does. He didn't choose um, to be who he was. He didn't choose to be he the way he was. You a know? monster. Yeah, as exactly. He calls it. Yeah, and and Quill kind of talks him down off of the ledge and tells yeah. him he's not those things and everything. You know, and I think Quill means it here. I think Quill means it too. I mean, and you know, it's it's a little bit of both. I think it's half he means it and half he still has the dollar bills in his eyes. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, I think the other the half that means it is the half of that that little boy that didn't want to see the frog get smushed. I agree with that. I agree with that. And they really flesh out Rocket's character a lot here. I, um, he's definitely, I would say, the second most fleshed out character in the movie next to Peter Quill. Yeah. And that's surprising, surprised me going in because I was, I didn't think Rocket would get as much time as he got. Rocket just got a ton of time. Yeah, he did. Absolutely. So. Um, then we, uh, find out that, um, you know, the, the broker that for, Gamora's broker, the one that she's talking about, yeah. is actually the collector. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a ton of Easter eggs uh, in this in the collector's archive, and we're going to talk about some of the ones that we saw. We definitely saw. We're going to talk about some of the ones that we heard heard as rumors, and and things like that. So, I mean, I, I the first thing, of course, that we saw walking through there is Cosmo. Yeah, Cosmo comes the, in. Yeah, Cosmo, the talking dog, and I thought it was really funny that you know. Rocket snarls at Cosmo as they walk by. It yeah, doesn't Cosmo lick someone at the end of the movie. Oh, that's at the end. That's at I, the th- end of the I thought it happened here too. No, he, he's just in the he's in the glass cell at the end of the movie. He licks the collector. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, he's in the Rocket snarls at Cosmo, and um, they they never like really got along one hundred percent in the comic book. No, so. they were kind of. They were allies, but only just by, you know, because of the situation. Yeah. They were never best buddies. So I thought it was cool that Rocket snarled at him. Yeah, that was fun. Um, let's see here. There's in, – in there, I know in, in the collector's archives, we, we definitely saw a dark elf that was in a glass cell. Yeah. I we, saw that. Right away. Um, I've been hearing rumors that people say that they saw a frost giant in there somewhere. I did not see a frost giant. I did not see the frost giant. Um, I saw the Chitari. Yeah, there's a Chitari soldier. We remember those from the Avengers. 
Uh, I definitely saw uh, one of the destroyers from Thor or something that looked like a destroyer. And it was kind of like – it wasn't standing up. It was like slouched down. It was really weird looking. I didn't know that was a destroyer until um, you had said it the first time we were talking about this. And um, I did see that though, the slouched down thing. I had no clue. It didn't look as tall, as big as like a regular destroyer. But it definitely looked like a destroyer, something from – something Asgardian. Yeah, um, the space slug from the James Gunn Slither movie yes. was definitely visible. That was there. Um, when the camera was panning and it was showing like his collection, I thought I saw like there was a brownish figure and it had a red cape. It was behind glass. It was there's a scene where it was to the right of the collector and it definitely looked like something like with a red cape. It kind of looked like Thor's you know red cape and. I thought that that could could have been Beta Ray Bill. Now, I read about this online, but I read about it after seeing the movie a couple times, and I did not notice it without, like, looking for it. I didn't see it as much, like, as – it wasn't as, like, visible the first time I saw it. Mm Because the first time I saw it, I saw it in IMAX 3D, and Mm -hmm. it just really popped. I saw it. And the second time, it was a little bit more difficult to see. Gotcha. But I definitely saw it the first time. I saw a cape, a red cape. It was really crazy, but – you know, I don't beta ray bill. I don't know. Maybe who knows? I definitely saw Howard the Duck already yeah. in this scene. You see him even moving and like leaning up against the glass to see if he can hear better what's going on. Wow. Yeah, I didn't see that. I didn't catch that either time. Yeah. So um, then we get a scene of Drax and he sees he's drunk and he walks out of the like the 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 lizard fight area. Yeah. And they see him and he sees this guy like using this computer to like communicate and he goes in there and puts like a knife to the dude's throat and he wants to make like a, a video call or some, <laughs> some sort of a call to somebody. I'd like to make a collect call. Yeah. So, um, now in the comics, um, the collector, he has a gift for prophecy, but they didn't use that here in the movie at all. No, he's already pretty out there. I think they just yeah. didn't want to add right. that to it too. So instead of using like prophecy, they just used him as like somebody that you know that we can use to give us like the lay like the lowdown on the fucking the gems, the stones. And he he's you know I mean, and if anybody's going to know about like all this stuff, it's the collector because like he is an ancient being i mean he's been around for a long long time i mean yeah wasn't like his family like killed and his world killed and so like his world destroyed and so like because of that like that's why he's like this cosmic you know relic hoarder (laughs) yeah exactly um I, you, I'm not really sure his motivations. He's very interesting, like just a galactic like savior of all these things, wanting to preserve and make sure these things don't go extinct. Right. Yeah, it's it's pretty bizarre. Um, but um, he starts giving them like he start. This is where we first get like Marvel really starts to like talk about like the the stones. Yeah. Um, we see know. images of all the previous ones. Yeah, yeah, and, and and it talks about he speaks of six remnants that like broke off or something. It, like something broke off into six remnants and like created like the universe or whatever. And then he used that like device to show them like the history. Yeah. Of everything. You saw the um cosmic cube yeah or the tesseract yeah the tesseract it's called yeah cosmic cube in the comics yeah 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 Yeah. but um we and then you mentioned earlier yeah that 
we get the the first appearance of oh the celestial yeah we get to see a marvel a marvel celestial for the first time yeah not and just the head not like, just the head like the whole thing like yeah. moving around in all its glory yeah looks um, straight out of jack kirby yeah absolutely it was uh one of marvel's like super huge mega villains that they had and i mean you know galactus can be considered you know like one of these you know i mean yeah um, you know, Jack Kirby, like you said, created the Celestials, and they first appeared in the Eternals comic. Um, the Celestials, they've been around probably since, like, the beginning of time. Um, and I, we see this huge Celestial, what we think, is, of course, is a Celestial. Yeah. And Do they ever name it in the movie? I don't remember. They did not they did name not. it. No. Uh, and it's using what looks like the same stone from the from the film that we see later – and it to wipe out existence on this planet just by like throwing this huge staff down onto the planet hmm. and like all the remember like you saw like yeah. that wave of energy and just like <laughs> wiped them all out and like by looking at the design of the celestial i am certain that this was the red blue judge uh celestial who is in the eternals uh comic um and he has the right to in the comic he has the right to judge worlds and I was at first I was thinking it might have been Exodar the Exterminator, but looking at the design of this celestial, I am ninety nine percent sure that it's Red Blue Judge. Yeah, I Googled images of the character and it definitely looks like that's the one it was. Totally. And I mean Exodar the Exterminator did kinda like the same thing. Like he he destroyed worlds and stuff like that, but like Blue Red Blue Judge, he has the right to judge worlds, and it totally that's what I got from the scene. And like the design, it looked like Red Blue Judge. Yeah, what other movies do you think we'll see more of the Celestials in? It seems like way too big of a threat that it would be like an antagonist in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Seems more of an Avengers movie like like threat if they were going to bring the Celestials into it. Yeah, but I mean, okay, since like. I think it was just – I think this was just like backstory. I don't even know if we're going to get like an Eternals movie. It, yeah. I think this was like – okay, because like the Celestials like at the beginning of time, there was a ton of Celestials. But like they had like their own antagonists that like wiped most of them out. Yes. And like they eventually defeated them. I can't remember what they're called. I, I, I remember this story too though. But like they, they defeated most of them. So like I think the Celestials are not – like maybe they won't introduce like the Watchers, yeah, in this Marvel Cinematic Universe. But maybe like the Celestials, like the ones that are left now, mm-hmm. are kind of like the Watchers in this universe. Like, like they're dude, they're just too big to bring into this. I think. Yeah, I agree. We're just it was just kind of a little bit of fan service to see them. Yeah, yeah, because I can't see like dude an Eternals movie. Yeah. It'd be awesome, but on the flip side, it's pretty heavy. It is heavy for and, these audience for an audience. Yeah. So. um then we get um, – this is when – after he explains like the stones, like the six stones, and then he explains like like there were like some beings that able, that were able to control all six stones. Like they like joined hands and they yes. were able to control it for some time. But like didn't it like kill them? It still eventually killed them. Their yeah. bond wasn't strong enough. Exactly. It, it was just only momentary right. that they were able to control them. 
Okay, at the end of the podcast, one of the last things we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about all the stones and gems and all that stuff. Okay. At the end, okay? We're going to go over all that, okay? Gotcha. But um, right now, we're just going to talk about what happened in this movie as opposed to theories and stuff like that. Okay. But we're going to talk about all that stuff. That's going to be exciting, guys. I'm serious. Like, stick around for this shit, guys. Yeah. Because, like, we're going to talk about some theories. We're going to talk about the stones. We're going to talk about what we think this means for, like, the future of Marvel. So stick around for that. It's pretty fucking exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. So um, this is when Karina Walters, like, his daughter, she's like, I will no longer be your slave after, like, they exp- like he opens up the orb. Yeah. And we see the stone, and this one actually looks kind of like a like a gem, dude. It actually looks like something from the comic. Yeah, not perfectly. I always think of the gems yeah. as like perfectly smooth. Sure. It's like a jagged rock still. Yeah, but it, it's the closest thing. I mean, the tesseract's a cube. Yeah, the aether is like kind of like a like a weird mist or something like that. What yes. was the aether? Like, it, it, yeah, you're right. And and then the thing that um, the tesseract's the cube. Um. The Tesseract's a cube, and then we all think, like, you know, there could be a stone in Loki's staff. Yes. So, I mean, um, this kind of looked more like a traditional gem. Like you said, it is more jagged, though. Yeah, but, it, it was neat to see. Um, so she grabs onto this stone. Yeah, and, killing herself, basically. Oh, yeah, and he's like, no, don't do that. You know, he warned her. Yeah. I mean, he's wise, and he knows this stuff. And she, like, grabs it. Um and it basically just like rips her apart. There's a huge explosion. Yeah. My question to you is since like the collector, he's like, like not like the most powerful villain, but he's an ancient one. Do you think that he would be able to wield the power of this stone? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't think he has the power. I think he could contain it, but I don't think he could weld it. I think it would tear him apart just like it tore up his daughter. Okay. Yeah, maybe, I mean, maybe hold on to it longer, but maybe longer seconds longer. Yeah. Um. So after the explosion, like they all run out. Yeah. And Gamora's plan now is like, you know, wow, that was a huge mistake <laughs> trying to give this stone to the collector. Um, and then her plan is then to take the orb to the Novas. And yeah. Of course, Quill's still thinking fucking credits, money. Yeah, but unfortunately, he knows that she's right. Yeah. So she's like, the Novas will be able to hold on to the stone. They'll be able to know what to do with it. So um, while they're planning to go see the Novas, this we find out Drax, yes. in the meantime, has called Ronan. That's what he used that phone call for. He called Ronan there because he wants he wants vengeance on his family. Yeah, not the brightest move. He kind of no. he, he kind of lets um his desire for vengeance like dictate his actions yep. and it kind of f's everyone else a bit. Yeah, it does. So like uh we see like the really cool battle between like uh I don't know if it's even really a cool battle like no. between Ronan and Drax. Like it's just Drax getting his ass handed to him. I thought this scene was the best Ronan scene. Like yeah. where the Ronin was the most interesting to me when he was delivering the lines to Drax about not remembering his killing his family yeah. and he's for sure not going to remember killing him. Yeah. I thought that was the best line delivery by Lee Pace. Like this was the only scene where Drax seemed threatening, not Drax, but um, Ronin seemed threatening to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, they did better with, um, Ronin than they did with Malekith and Thor the Dark World. But Agreed. You're still, you're you're one hundred percent right, man. Yeah. You are. It's like it's like are they gonna do this with Ultron now? 
in yeah, the Avengers? I would hope not, that he's just a mid-level this, boss, and and I don't give a shit about him at all. Yeah, except I mean, for, this is Ultron, because, like, this is an Avengers film. You can't do this. I know the big bad that we're leading up to is is uh, Thanos, but you can't just, like, make these other uh, villains, like, lesser characters. They're still a threat, man. Yeah, exactly. I, I All the villains should be treated treated well and Absolutely. given justice, I think. Yeah, man, and I, I, I just... Ronan was better than Malekith. It was still an upgrade, but it still it still fell flat. Yeah, it did. Yeah, I definitely to me too. Right? Do you think some of it has to do with like should they have like a darker musical score when these guys are on there, or do you think that they need to do better casting? I mean, I, I think Lee Pace kind of bombed it. Yeah, I really do. Yeah, I I, I, th- I think the score would help, but I think Lee Pace just. Instead of getting TV actors in there, do you think they need to get some bigger? I think a good TV actor can can kill it. I mean, I, Chris Pratt killed it, in my opinion. He was very good, and he's a TV actor. Yeah, but like you're right. Uh, but it's like I think like you know when you watch like the Batman movies, like yeah. you didn't always watch them for Bale, dude. I mean, no. Batman Begins, you did. It was a great story, but like even the villains were more interesting. Like Ra's al Ghul, mm-hmm. Liam Neeson was a good Ra's al Ghul, and then you had like in the second one, of course, you had like the Heath Joker Ledger, which yeah. was like iconic. Like you didn't watch the Batman movies always for like Christian Bale. You love Batman, but. What made the movie so good also was like the villains. You need sometimes you need the villain to kind of like outshine the hero sometimes and step it up. But the focus here was like the guardians. But on the flip side, dude, I mean, let's make let's have both of them be interesting. I agree. Uh, they should have definitely made Ronan more interesting and not undersold him as much as they did. What could they have done? I don't know. I don't know. The movie was so fast paced that they didn't have time to like show expositional scenes for Ronan or anything. It just what. But is that going to be like a fault in all these fucking movies now? I hope not. Because, I mean, can we agree that Avengers Age of Ultron is going to be fast-paced too? Are we not going to have a fully fleshed and fully realized Ultron in Avengers Age of Ultron? I would. I I hope we do. I really do. You know, I don't want people saying, like, at the end of this, at the end of Avengers Age of Ultron, I don't want them to, people to be saying the same things that they're saying about Thor the Dark World, that they're saying about Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, what was their motivation? Yeah. Why are they doing this? Or, like, you know, oh, I understand why they were doing it, but it just was kind of clunky. You know what I mean? Like, Malekith did it because, like, you know, he, he, Malekith, the Dark Elves have been like their whole thing was like they had this grudge against Asgard, and like it was kind of the same story here. Like you got you got uh, Ronan who's got like holding this grudge against the Kree. Uh, no, the he's holding a grudge against the Zandarians. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the same story here, and kind of the same villain motivations. I'm going to give Whedon the benefit of the doubt with Ultron, though, and say that it's going to be a better antagonist. Um, Just because, I mean, Whedon did so good of a job with Loki in Avengers 1, um, and I really didn't think that was going to be possible with just Thor as the back. I remember after seeing Thor thinking, really, Loki's the main villain in Avengers? I know, but... That's not going to be very good. And then it was great. Don't you see this, though, as possibly being a little formulaic? Let me yeah. let me explain because in the first one you had Loki, he was like the main threat. Yeah. Okay. Of course, Thanos was again pulling the strings for him, just like he was Ronan provided him with an army. Mm-hmm. But the army was the Chitari, which wasn't really a fleshed out villain towards the end of the movie. No. Okay. Are we going to say the same, see the same thing with Ultron? We're going to have 
another, and I'm not saying that they're not going to do a good job fleshing out Ultron. They may do a great job, but are we going to see the same story where it's like, oh, okay, wow, Ultron's great, but here's our here's our second version of the Chitari. It's the Ultron bots. Yeah, but I don't think I think the, the dif- it'll be the same movie, just new characters coming in there. I think the difference is is that Ultron is going to be working for Ultron. I think that that may give Ultron the chance to be a better, more fleshed out villain. There's no man behind the curtain for Ultron that we know of yet. I don't I don't know this for a fact, but I don't think Thanos is in any way pulling Ultron's strings. Not to say that whatever damage Ultron causes won't open up more doors for Thanos to right. complete his plan, that he won't use that to his advantage. But I don't think he's in any way pulling Ultron's strings. And then we've already heard Feige say that Thanos is not going to play a, a role in the Avengers um you know, Age of Ultron. And I think that's a good thing. And I think that is more of a reason to hope that Ultron will be a fully fleshed out antagonist and will get his time. Yeah, I just don't want to see the same movie that I saw with Avengers rehashed again. No, not I that understand. Avengers was bad. No, but, no, no, yeah. no. The, 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 it, was, it was successful. But I don't want these event films to become a formula. No. Like, not- I, that's what I don't want Whedon to do. It's like, oh, okay, okay, here's the formula. You've got Loki and then the Chitari. And like, okay, here's the formula. You've got Ultron and then the Ultron bots. You know <laughs> i mean yeah that's where i don't want this to go i want there to be different elements that kind of like play to the character's strengths to where it's not like we're getting the same scene yeah i gotta say though i am fine with a shit ton of ultron pot showing up in the in action sequences with the avengers fighting them that sounds pretty damn exciting to me yeah <laughs> i agree yeah I just uh, – I want them to do a great job at fleshing out Ultron though. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think there's a chance that we're going to get that. Yeah. I don't think it's a given, but I think all signs point to yes, hopefully. Because I enjoyed – I Tupperware Thor of the Dark World. Yeah. I Tupperware Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. But I do have to kind of toss the villains in the films. I'm with you 100% on that. I, I toss both the villains too. So, I mean – and I love Christopher Eccleston. Yeah. I do. I, you know, I, I even liked him as the, the ninth doctor, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, I've enjoyed him on the leftovers show, the HBO show. Oh yeah. He's been great on that. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I think as Malekith, I don't think they really, and I don't think there's anything wrong with him. I just think it was just the, what they gave, <laughs> what they gave him. They didn't write anything interesting for him at no. all. They didn't give us a reason to care. Yeah. So. We care so much more about Thor and Loki Hell in the yeah. Dark World. We don't give two fucks about the Dark, um, the Dark Elf, yeah. Malekith, or anything. Yeah, yeah. Mm. or even Curse. Yeah. So, all right, but um, let's see here. Um, Ronan battles Drax, and then you know basically kicks his ass, and that's like, um, <laughs> don't we get like then? Uh, it's Nebula, Quill. And Nebula and Quill that like escape in those. Oh, like they're indestructible. Those pods. Um, pods. Like escape pods. Yeah. Um, Rocket escapes in one too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, um, that's when, uh, yeah, the, so Nebula goes after Gamora. Mm-hmm. 
And that was a cool scene. I like the I like the the space action there. I liked all the technology of very Star Wars, the way things were homing and locking on things and yeah. shooting and everything. Yeah. Um, the shot where Rocket just bust right through the guy and into the camera was super right. cool. I mean, that we've seen awesome. it in the trailer already. Yeah. But, but I, no, but seeing it played out on the film, we knew like why that happened and why he was acting like that. Yeah, exactly. As soon as um, Star Lord suggests that he can use the ship in such a manner, like Rocket just goes to town with it. Right, right. He's like, this is like high industrial grade, like uh, metal or whatever. He's yeah. like, uh, it's pretty much indestructible. And then Rocket, like it, like a light bulb. You could like almost see like a light bulb <laughs> going on over his head. Like, yeah. Oh shit! I'm gonna have a lot of fun with this. Yeah, and he instantly is swerving into yeah. an, into another vehicle. Oh and yeah. Smack- and I'm like instantly, a, yeah, instantly. <laughs> he made a fucking beeline towards that thing, dude. It was awesome. It was awesome. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a fun scene. And uh, then uh, they take the orbs, the not the orbs, the uh, the pods, like way up into like deep space. Yeah. And Rocket's saying, like, you know, these aren't built for this. Mm-mm. Like, we can't be out here too long. And this is where uh, Gamora gets shot down by Nebula. Mm-hmm. And very, like, when she's locking on the target, I got a very Star Wars feel here. Yeah, totally. With, like, Vader locking onto Luke and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So um, she gets blasted, and then she's, like, uh, suspended in space. Yeah. This part was, I had to suspend my disbelief a little bit. Yeah. Especially even in the dialogue, they make note that you'll, like, die instantly. Yeah. And it's like, I know you won't. I'm watching right, right now that you won't. Exactly. <laughs> you know, she's, like, kind of, like, crystallizing yeah. a little bit. And, like, Rocket's saying, like, she's only got a few more minutes, but these pods aren't made for two people. Yeah. Um, I'm getting out of here. So Rocket leaves. This is when Quill, like, calls Yandu. And says, hey, this is where I'm at. Come and get me. Mm-hmm. And then he flies out there. He's got a Star-Lord mask on, retrieves her, and takes the Star-Lord mask on, off, gives it to her so she can breathe. And then, like, he's crystallizing and freezing. Yeah, you see the light turn on of Yandu's ship showing yeah. up. Yeah, and then they take him in. And Yandu's partner, his buddy, yeah, that's uh, Sean Gunn. Okay. That's James Gunn's brother. Gotcha. That's funny. And yeah. he did all the mocap work with Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, he so did. So he's the, doing double duty. Yeah, he is. Yeah, but I love, like, his southern voice. Like, was, there was that one scene where he's, like, Yandu's talking. He's like, you know, I'm going to teach you guys a few things. He's like, everybody be quiet. Yandu's going to be teaching some things. <laughs> just funny things like that. It was really, really funny. I enjoyed it. That was funny. Yeah, he was a funny, just side character. Right. <laughs> so and it was weird because, like, Quill, like, and her were, like, frozen. But as soon as they brought him, like, They looked perfect. Looked fine. Did you notice that, too? <laughs> I was like, what the hell? They looked perfect. Like, yeah. <laughs> Gamora's skin has never looked shinier and better. <laughs> Right. It was right. like a skin treatment. They right. had like skin treatment done by doing right. that. Yeah, apparently like there's oil of Olay out there in space. <laughs> Pratt's skin looked perfect. It looked better than ever. It looks like they just got back from the dermatologist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was like a, uh, I don't know, like one, a clear cell commercial or something. Yeah. Pro- proactive. I definitely noticed that. It was I, really bizarre, man. It was bizarre. That little section, like I said, was one of the hardest parts to like suspend my disbelief. Yeah. It was, it was like, it was a little bit silly. All right, let's talk about this real quick. Let's, uh, let's debate about this. Okay. okay. And we're guys, right? Yeah. So it's got to be brought up. Who's got the better ass, Gamora or Scarlet Witch? Not Scarlet Witch, but Scarlet Johansson. <laughs> so Black Widow's ass versus Gamora's ass. I got to go with... And we're uh, guys. Give us a fucking break here. I got to go with Black Widow. Really? Yeah, I do. Oh, man, I'm... I, 
There's a scene when they're on uh, Yandu's ship. Yeah. You know, and they're hanging out with the Ravagers, and they're given like that, uh, the, the Ocean's 13 of how everything's gonna go down, and they attack fucking, uh, there's a scene of her in like the red leather. Yes. I gotta go with fucking Zoe Saldana. Yeah. Oh my god! Maybe it's just the IMAX 3D is better in Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Maybe you got a more 3D representation than All you right. got in Avengers because Avengers was post can post we, 3D. Can we agree though that both are Tupperware? Both are Tupperware. All right. Okay, we're done being guys. All right, back to the movie. I do respect Guardians for um, never particularly like over sexualizing Gamora. Yeah. though. Yeah. It's kind of annoying, like in a movie like Transformers, when it's like. It's Transformers, the Hasbro toy for kids, and then you've right. got like Megan Fox like in the fuck me pose over a motorcycle yeah. for hey. a kids Transformer movie. Exactly, it's like uh, a fucked up. You know, like a father brings his five year old son to go see the movie, and it's like, hey, awkward moment for dad. Yeah, and I'm not a prude by any means. I want to see Megan Fox in the fuck me pose, right. but not in the Hasbro Transformers movie, maybe for some, Christ's sake. Maybe sakes. a shitty movie like Jennifer's Body. Yeah, exactly. You know, but not Transformers. Yeah, I so agree. ridiculous. And I appreciate Guardians of the Galaxy. Not that Gamora wasn't sexy by any means whatsoever. She was very sexy, but they never, like over sexualized her right or showed her like in suggestive poses every no, time they, they didn't showed her do anything to like detract from her beauty yeah they only kind of like they found ways to enhance it yeah and i really appreciate that yeah i i think if anything that made guardians of the galaxy more kid-friendly than any uh transformers movie right yeah so eh, just my opinion on that yeah um let's see here so yeah, now they're uh they're on the ship with Yandu and um then we get the scene where uh it's Groot revives Drax. He like takes like his long Oh yeah, that was weird. Yeah, he like pushes it into his chest. Does like his finger. Does and- Groot like shoot adrenaline out of his body? Um, What's going on? That was well, that was weird to me. What I figured was like, you know, you know how plants can make oxygen. Okay. I was thinking like he filled his lungs with air and then it made like the gunk that, you know, cause Ronan threw him into that vat. Yeah. And you see that shit come out when he does it. And he like basically drowned in the vat. I mean, his lungs filled up with that liquid. Gotcha. And so Groot, you know, everybody says he's dumb, but when they're not watching, he's fucking brilliant. Like he, (laughs) he, you know what I mean? Yeah. He took the finger, put it in his chest. And I think like with, plants being able to produce oxygen he filled his lungs with oxygen which forced out that gunk ah, that, that, yeah that was a neat scene i was confused though as to like what actually happened there right um but uh yeah that that's that's the only thing i got man yeah it worked though i wasn't like man whatever you know right um so then uh we get a really cool scene i think between um <laughs> this was a really good scene where drax finally realizes like hey man like I'm. I shouldn't have done that. I acted out. I called him. I was only thinking of vengeance, and I was wrong. You know, I was only thinking that like he killed my family, and this is where Rocket's like, "Oh, boo hoo! <laughs> he killed your family." And yeah, Groot goes, <gasps> "Yeah," he, like, puts his hand over his mouth. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, I can't believe he just said that. And he's like, "No, I'm not being mean. He needs to hear this. Yeah. You endangered everybody on the team." And it's like the finally, like they're acknowledging, like these guys can be a team. Yes, you know, um, it's not fully realized because not all five of them are together yet. No, but like it's it's the form of a team. And Drax realizes, like, you guys are my friends. You guys are my friends. Yeah, they've been through a lot at this point. 
of the movie. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I think earlier Drax says they've been halfway around the quadrant or you know, or whatever. This reminds us this kind of like same topic, but it kind of reminds me of like me and you. In yeah. A way, because yeah. like when we first started this, yeah, you know, we, we, we've, Forced, we of course formed like a connection because we like are into the same shit. Yes, but we haven't always agreed on everything, dude. Yeah, me exactly. And, me and you have like behind the scenes, like when we first started this shit, dude. We have had battles. Yes. that people don't even know about text battles, phone battles. We used to get into it a lot, and through all that, it like strengthened our friendship to the point like where, you know what I mean? I agree. I agree. Yeah, definitely. And it, there is a little bit of mirror in that. I can see that completely. Yeah, it was a really good scene. Um, and Drax is no idiot. Yeah. And he realizes the consequence of what he's done. Right. And he kind of warms up to the whole thing, you know, that yeah. maybe he shouldn't think of just himself, that he's got to think of the whole thing as a whole. Yeah, and, like, you know, he doesn't have a family anymore, but, like, you know, this is what family does for each other. And, like, that's kind of, like, the point that Rocket's making here. Like, you know, you don't do this to your family. You protect them. And I think they're starting to think of each other as like they need each other at this point. Like a family would need a family. Yeah, definitely. You know? And so that's why Rocket's so hurt by this, that he endangered the team. And I think Rocket's like thinking, that's how Rocket's thinking. Yeah. You know, he's going to insult him and he's going to, he's going to really grind it to him, teach him a lesson. Here. Yeah. Make sure he doesn't do that again to, you know, and the it, group. And then, so Rocket's got this plan of like, you know, we've got to, We've got to rescue Quill. And, oh, no, Rocket Rocket doesn't want to rescue Quill, right? No. Rocket says something like, you know, like, Ronan's Ronan's too powerful. We can't take him down. Yeah, yeah. And then Groot's like, Groot says, I am Groot. And he's like, he's like, I know, I know they're our friends or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, but, or he doesn't say but, obviously, but I am Groot. Yeah. (laughs) That was probably the best delivery of an I am Groot, I thought, right there, too. It was good. It was a good one. So, um, yeah, then um, he's like, you know, it's the two of us that are going to go do this. And then, like, Drax is like, no, it's it's the three of us I'm coming with. And yeah. he, he kind of, like, pats, like, Groot on the back. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, um, this is the scene where, like, we see, like, this is where Ronan is talking to Thanos in, like, the holographic image. Yes. And... You know, he says, like, he has the orb now. Because, like, Nebula did get the orb. We didn't even say that. But Nebula got the orb. Nebula got the orb and takes off. off. Yeah. Yeah. And she gives it to Ronan. And Ronan now has the orb in his possession. And, you know, Thanos is like, you know, bring me the orb. And and he's like, no. He betrays Thanos. and, And he takes the orb, puts it in his hand, starts to, like, you know, fucking, like, this energy, like, takes him over. And then he slams like the uh the stone onto his hammer. Yes. And he's he says something like uh you call me boy? Mm-hmm. He's like 1000 years of Cree justice starts now. And he's in, he and he's like I'm going to take down the Zandarians and then Thanos I'm coming for you. Yeah. Thanos just kind of hangs up on him. Like when you get right. into an argument with someone that the ultimate dick move they just yeah. I'm just hanging up on you. I'm not even going to respond. There would have been a, it would have been an awesome scene if it was like he was trying to call him back <laughs> and Thanos didn't pick up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um at this point like you know, Ronan says, like, you know, he's going to do this, and then if if he does this, he's on his way to kill Thanos. And Nebula 
says, um, yeah, I'll help you take down the Zandarians, absolutely, if you promise me that you will try to kill Thanos. Mm-hmm. So, wow. <laughs> both of nebula- both Thanos' adoptive daughters. Right. Not, not too big on adoptive daddy there. No shit. They both have daddy <laughs> issues, man. Yeah, exactly. So, and it, it goes back to, like, Thanos favoring Gamora and using, like, that shit against her, dude. Yeah. It's so funny that it's um, atypical that the one that Thanos um, favors is the one that first turns against him. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and Nebula. I mean, that's got to make Nebula feel even shittier. Yeah. Like, here, I'm the one that's still sticking by you, and I'm still um, second fiddle. Right, right. So, jeez. Um, so, yeah, got uh, these, uh, I don't know, it's like two teenage daughters that are just rebellious. Yeah, I was excited to see these two uh, fight from the beginning of the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're going to get to it later. But Absolutely. I really wanted to see uh, Gamora and Nebula go at each other. Yeah. Um, then we get the scene, it's like they're back on the ship and Yandu's talking to Quill and threatening to kill Quill and Oh yeah. Rubbing it in his face again that he could have eaten him at any given him. time. And he's like and and he's like, That is so weird that you keep bringing that up. Normal people just don't eat people. That should not even be a thing. Yeah, exactly. It was really funny. Yeah. And um then, you know, he's explains that, you know, you need us because like Gamora, she's the ringer, man. She's like you know, she knows everything about them. Yes. She knows everything about them. You need her. They're going to come for her. We can work together and then you guys, we can get the orb for you and then you can get your credits. So, um, this is the point where like rocket shows up with, with the Milano. Oh yeah. It's facing like, you know, the ravager ship. He just blasted a few times. Didn't he? Yeah. And then he's like, you have five seconds to hand over quill or, uh, my buddy here and it's Drax and he's, he's using that like one, that huge, he's holding that huge gun. Yeah. What was that thing? What was that? What was it called? I can't remember. I, I didn't know it had a name. What was it like? It was capable of like, it wasn't like the moon destroyer that they made a joke about. No. Was it? No. Yeah. He's like, cause like earlier there in the Milano and he's like, what's that thing do? Oh, it can destroy moons. Yeah. And Gamora's like, we're not going to be destroying any moons. And, he, and then he's like, oh, you're not yeah, fun. You, yeah, you suck the life out yeah, of everything. Yeah, you suck the life out of everything. <laughs> so, okay. So, like, he's pointing it at him. And then, like, that's when, like, Quill gets on the, the intercom. And he's like, whoa, whoa, Rocket, Rocket. And he's like, oh, hey, Quill. Yeah. How you doing, man? <laughs> and he's like, Rocket, Rocket, we've worked out a plan. Everything's good. We're all good. Don't do anything. Don't do anything. Um, then we get the scene of the uh, all the guardians together yeah in the same room and this was a really cool scene it's like the the whole like you know we're all a bunch of losers yeah when i look around i see a bunch of losers yeah exactly it's the scene where everyone the one person makes the speech and then everyone yeah. stands up and supports that person you know the i'll stand by your side right. scene <laughs> i am grouped yeah yes and then rocket's the last one to stand up yeah and he's like okay all right here we are we're all standing a bunch of <laughs> bunch of standing jackasses yeah a bunch of standing jackasses so, but like, um, James Gunn said like a lot of like how they come together, mm-hmm. like this ragtag group, ragtag group is like, because like he wanted to set it up because one of his favorite movies is the dirty dozen and like how they came together, all these misfits. And that so, makes like, sense. It's kind of inspired by that movie. Yeah, I can see that. I'm seeing all these characters, um, develop a friendship for each other is kind of the, the, best part about this movie yeah even like gamora saying like they're her friends was just kind of like whoa i was kind of like taken aback like wow yeah and i think what you sacrifice for individual character development by introducing all these characters in one movie you gain in um 
team development, which yeah. you, which you don't see very well done in a lot of these other movies. Nope. I, I think they um, Singer did it the best. I think in that last X Men film. Yeah, but definitely in previous X Men movies, it wasn't done very well. No, watching them come together, no. But like a fully realized X Men team, he did a great job. But like, yes, this was like a really good execution on watching a team come together. Yeah, I think they felt more like a family than the Fantastic Four felt like a family. Yeah. Oh, and, for sure. And the Fantastic Four really are a family. Yeah. And I, I think just the, they really did a great job developing the team as a team. Yes. And why they would be a team. Absolutely. And it didn't feel forced that they were all joined together, which from the trailers you almost think, how could they even – how was that even possible? It's such a different group of people. How yeah. is this not just going to seem like a forced grouping? Right. But it, they, it really wasn't that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so they devise this plan and they, they, they start talking about how, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to attack Ronan and take down, you know, his ship and the Aster and get the, get the, uh, get the orb back. And so they say that like, they know from talking to the collector that the stone, if it touches the planet of Xandar, it destroys all life, all life dies. So they say that the stone cannot touch the planet. We have to intercept this before it touches the planet. So what they're going to do is blast a hole in the Aster, Ronan's ship. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to – it's going to be – the plan is for like Quill and then Yandu's ship to fly with inside the Aster. And then um, they're going to find – Ronan and then blast him with that same gun that Rocket made that Rocket was going to use on the Ravager ship. Yeah. This was a really funny scene. Um, Rocket's telling the plan. And at the end, you kind of get a callback to the leg joke where, yeah. where Rocket says he'll also need the guy's eye. Yeah. <laughs> the one of the Ravager's eye. Yeah. He's got like a cyber cyber eye or something like that. <laughs> and the, they cut to the Ravager and he obviously overheard this. Yeah. And doesn't look too pleased about the prospect, you know? And then Quill's like, Come on, Rocket. You don't need the eyes. Like, you know, I really do. I need his eye. It's so funny. <laughs> it is very funny. Tons of laughs in my theater. Yeah, lots of laughs at that part for me, too. And then the last part of the plan was like Quill was going to call the Nova Corp Roman Day. Yes. And so he calls John C. Riley's character Roman Day, leaves him a message, and like the picture. <laughs> I knew you were laughing at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the picture of Quill that they show as he's <laughs> Skyping him or whatever. It was hilarious. <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> oh, man. He, he leaves the infamous dick message yeah, for, uh, right. for Day. Right. Yeah. <laughs> really funny. Um, and so then Day, uh, Roman Day, goes and he tells Glenn Close's character, Nova Prime, um, that about the Infinity Stone. Yes. And, like, she, of course, knows about this and that kind of like worries her. So, um, then, um, we get the scene, it's Yandu and the Ravengers and, yes. and then like the Milano and they're all going towards the Aster and they start to fire at the Aster all of what they got. They're going to take that Rotini down. They're going to take the big ass Rotini down. <laughs> and so like, we see this huge explosion, and as as the Aster cannot see past the explosion, they go underneath. They mm-hmm. fly below the Aster, and um, Rob Zombie he voiced the Ravager navigation computer system. Yeah, I had read that. That yeah. was interesting. I didn't. I read that before seeing it the second time. Yeah, and still, it really didn't do anything, didn't for, do anything me. for me. I was either. like, oh, good thing they got Rob Zombie to do this. He's amazing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't think that had any effect on anybody watching this movie. No, not so ever whatsoever. So. Rob Zombie just apparently has his career so washed up at this point. Right. Yeah. I think he's good friends with James Gunn, actually. Is he? Yeah. Yeah. They're buddies. That makes sense. Yeah. How, how are we doing? We we're not. We did not record a bunch of stuff again by chance, did we? What do you mean? Are we? Oh, we're doing okay with the recording. No, we're good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Can we, can we take a quick? Yeah, we can break. All right, let's do it. Break it. All right, hey, we're back. Um, let's see here. We are at the point now. Um, the Aster uh, releases the Necrocore spaceships. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the A ne- shit ton of them. Shit ton of Necrocore. So these Necro ships are like flying around, uh, Necro crafts or whatever you want to call them. Yeah. But uh, um, they're blasting all over the place. And so like it's only the Ravagers at this point. And uh, they're blasting and blasting at the Ravagers. And like the Ravagers are getting their asses handed to them. Yeah, definitely. And they can't get through because like their whole point is like to like blast a hole in the bottom of the Aster so they can get in there and go after Ronan. And they're just getting taken out left and right. There's like no way they're going to get there. And even Yandu gets shot down. And as he gets shot down, he says something like, Quill, you better not double cross me, boy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remember our deal? Yeah. And this is where um, the backup shows up. Right. Yeah, the Nova Corps. They show up, and uh, then they're able to blast the hole in the Aster. <laughs> Quill excitedly exclaims, uh, they got our dick message. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, as, they, as, they're, as they blast that hole in there and they fly – within the aster and they're like flying around and like shooting the the like all the like the people within the ship yeah drax is just laughing like crazy (laughs) like he like turned into frank at the end of our last podcast (laughs) yeah drax i would would not have liked to have had drax as my uh passenger yeah like that's bad shotgun etiquette right quiet down you know this is hard driving and shooting exactly (laughs) and uh yeah he's just laughing i thought it was funny though I, i really enjoyed it though like he's getting a kick out of this like they're in like imminent danger yeah and he is just laughing his ass off like he's having a great time like this is a roller coaster or something yeah i guess you might as well enjoy it there's no, you know yeah not gonna do you any good to be all scared and then like uh gamora says something like we're just like kevin bacon oh yeah yeah i'm actually just read actually that kevin bacon um saw this movie and tweeted coming out of it oh shoot i had that pulled up and then i look back and it's gone oh here it is the tweet was um Hey, James Gunn, just got out of Guardians of the Galaxy. It's nothing short of hashtag super, in my honest opinion. Oh, awesome. So a reference to James Gunn, his movie, su- his movie Super. And yeah. I can I can imagine being Kevin Bacon and seeing that scene <laughs> for like, like, oh, Jesus. I made the movie. Yeah, I made the movie. I made the movie. That's so awesome. That's awesome. I wonder yeah. what like a Melissa Milano feels, too, after yeah, hearing that. Exactly. Yeah, oh, yeah, Alyssa Milano. Yeah, yeah, having the ship named after her, that's right. pretty awesome. It's awesome. Um, and then, like, the Nova Corps, they start that, like, that Nova Net. Yes. Like, all the ships. Yeah. I was thinking about this. It's kind of interesting. Like, the Novas just like doing things as a collective, right? Yeah. Like, they like to do the ship thing as a collective. In the comics, there's the whole collective world mind. Right. And just all the hits are kind of fun. Yeah. I was a little upset, though, that we didn't see, like, any Centurions. 
Yeah, that, I hear you, you too. Do you think they're saving that for like a Nova movie maybe yeah. or Guardians 2? Yeah, I don't know. I was also thinking that the perfect setup for a Nova movie would have to have let Ronan destroy um, Xandar. Yeah. Like I would have thought, you know, you don't have to necessarily show the, show the Centurion, but you can destroy Xandar and then pick up where there's just one one Nova left in, in, yeah, in the Nova yeah, movie. Yeah. And yeah. You, you would have already established what happened to all the rest of them. Right. So, but I was thinking, and maybe that would have been two Star Wars. Maybe that would have reeked of um, Alderaan getting destroyed by the uh, Darth Vader character. I've just heard rumors that Feige has, like, said that, that they have no immediate plans to make a sola, solo Nova movie. <laughs> sola bola. Yeah. <laughs> but I've heard, that's what I've heard. Yeah, that makes sense. And, like, if they do introduce Nova, it's probably going to be, like, in a Guardians sequel. Yeah, I would like Nova to get the um, solo movie um, treatment. I think you can have it be a no- Nova solo. God, that is fucking hard, to, hard say. to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mock all you want. I know, jackass. I'm, that, 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 that. <laughs> and try to pull it off. <laughs> Unique New York. Um, the Nova solo movie. Um, you can still have like Guardians characters. Like I'm thinking of like the first three to four issues of the Nova relaunch. I mean, you right. still have Heavy Rocket and Heavy Gamora in those comics. Like it, those characters could still be featured in a Nova movie. All they need to do to like at the end of the like one of these movies, like in the post credit scene, mm-hmm. all they need to do is show like Tony Stark with one of his suits that has been modified for space travel. He flies out there runs into nova exactly and then those two start talking about like their suits mm-hmm. like whoa uh what's that yeah. you know you know what i mean like they've never seen each other before you know what i mean and like of course like tony's gonna see this suit and he's gonna want to know about this suit yeah definitely. just to see the banter back and forth between like tony and like whoever like this nova is whether it's like richard Ryder or sam alexander or whoever just like talking about like oh nice suit yeah oh and then like the other one being like oh okay yeah yeah your suit's okay you know (laughs) what i mean yeah you talking about this though makes me kind of start to see what um is thinking like because really what i want to see more than that at this point is um chris pratt interact with iron man like the already established character oh i i want to see tony stark interact with rocket raccoon oh just yeah any of them i can't i'm just fascinated um like i said with the whole we know that pratt hasn't been back to earth since what's it going to be like for him when he finally goes back to earth is his grandfather still alive is his grandfather still alive you know just all the all that kind of stuff i really want to want to know more about like what he feels about all that stuff and how he'll be able to cope with how much has changed. In some ways, he's very much like Captain America yeah. in a way that he's missed this big chunk of history and time. Yeah. And he's going to come back not not really knowing all the lingo and knowing all the... And he's been raised around like the Ravagers and yeah. alien culture and shit, dude. Yeah, exactly. It'll be so fun to see him interact with all these other characters. Right. Um, what do you... And, I'd like to see Groot and Hulk. I'm so jumping ahead talking about this kind of <laughs> it's stuff. It's fine. Um, I love. I was just thinking about how like I loved it when 
when John C. Riley called him Star Prince. Oh, that was hilarious at the very beginning. <laughs> Star Prince. I hope they find a way to work John C. Riley into the sequel too. Yeah. And not have it be like a sequel I just work in. Because John yeah. C. Riley, he was great in He this. was really good. You could tell he was having a lot of fun. Yeah. Star Prince. Yeah, Star Prince. What is that what they call you? He's like, he's like, don't worry, it's cool to have nicknames. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll talk about, um, we're going to talk about, like, the future, like, yeah. Guardian sequel, will these two meet up, like, as far as, like, the Avengers and the Guardians, we're going to talk about all that. I'm starting to feel like Groot could take Hulk. Wow, that's... Right, you just shove the trees up the Hulk's fucking nose. Mm. What's the Hulk going to do? Mm. I don't know, man. What's Hulk gonna do? Rip his arms off? I don't, man. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I, I, I. I don't think that. I mean, I think the Hulk would just destroy him. He'd regenerate. Hulk would destroy him. He'd regenerate. There's yeah. really nothing. You know what I mean? I think that's as far as it goes. Yeah. Stick them trees up his nose into his eyeballs. He's not gonna like that shit. Man. Uh, that's not gonna take Hulk down. I don't. I. I really don't think that there's any way that he could take him down. All right. I don't. I huh? mean, Drax had the upper hand there for a while. I know what I'm saying is a very radical thing, yeah. and that most likely the Hulk would win. But it did yeah. seem like I mean that. I know it wasn't the Hulk that he did that to, but it, it was still a big, powerful creature, and it just took him right down. You know. Yeah, but the Hulk. I mean, in the Marvel universe, yeah. is like, like he's like. What do they have? Like they have like different like characters. What do they call them? Like, like different... Uh, uh, like the stats and everything. Like different levels. Like, yeah. And the Hulk is like way up there. And I agree. And most likely doing like shoving the branches up his nose is going to piss him the fuck off. Yeah. And in the comics, p- the more pissed the fuck off he is, the more powerful he is. Yeah, so maybe the whole thing's just a jump charge to having the most powerful fucking Hulk you've ever seen right. if you do that kind of tactic. Right. So. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, it's fine. Get people talking. Yeah. Um, in the movie now, we are at the point where um, they're inside the Aster. And <laughs> oh, yeah, the movie. <laughs> yeah. They're uh, inside the Aster. They get out of the Milano, and they um, – are they in a Ravager ship? Is is it, is is uh, – no, they're in the Milano. Yes. They're in the Milano. And then um, – no, they're in a Ravager ship, right? Is is Because Rocket's still on the outside. Is he in the Milano? Yes, Rocket's in the Milano. Rocket's in the Milano. The Milano gets a little bit – messed up during all this later on yes yes later on um the the uh they're inside the aster and it's like really dark inside there and nobody can see and like drax even says like it's really dark in here mm-hmm. and that's when groot does that thing that we saw in the trailer like yeah. we're like the little like fireflies. fireflies yeah yeah they start to float around that looked cool in the 3d it was cool and um this is where we see like nebula yeah. And Nebula is like talking to Gamora about, you know, I don't know, like she's going to kick her ass or whatever. <laughs> and that's when like Drax, oh no, before that, like Drax is talking about like, you know, like you, you guys are my friends. Oh, I love this part. Yeah. This, <laughs> this dumb tree is my friend. <laughs> yeah. You whore. <laughs> this green whore is my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, then, um, but then, but then as we see Nebula, like Drax pulls out that rocket launcher and just blasts Nebula with it. Yeah, this was my one of my favorite shots when uh, Nebula's like jaw is all misaligned and she just like snaps her jaw back into place yeah. after he shoots her. It's very like a like a like a zombie, like oh, a yeah. robot zombie or something. Yeah, I was like, oh gross. It was cool when she snapped snapped yeah, her jaw back. It was cool. It looked really good. 
they cut away from that scene, and then we see um, Yandu, and he is the ship crashed. The yes. ship crashed, and he's on the ground, and he's surrounded by uh, Sakaran soldiers. Sakaran, gotcha. Sakaran, yeah, soldiers, and like the Sakaran soldiers are like, you know, drop your weapons or whatever, and like Yandu, like you know, he's got his arms out. And then he and then he whistles. Yeah, the, and the Andy Griffith whistle. Finally, exactly. Finally, we get to see the whistle in action. I, I have the same thought. I, I I was wondering if we would ever get to no see this shit, thing actually dude. do anything because all it's done is threaten people at this point. Yeah, and so we actually see it in action. Yeah, and I thought it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it just like zipped by and like you know in like a I don't know it, he worked out the best way for it to just like. Go through the skulls and bodies of like each soldier and knock them down. One when at it time. when it cuts to the wide shot where they show everyone like you as an audience member though are just waiting for everything to fall at the same yeah. time. Yeah, like you know, I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun. It I, was fun. I liked it, man. I liked it too. So I don't know. I liked it. A lot of people didn't really care for Yandu. I thought Rooker was fucking good, dude. Yeah, I think a lot of the heat came came because it was Rooker too. Why? Why I don't though? I don't know. I saw a lot of heat for that. Huh. That just like it was like a big redneck space pirate or whatever, and they just didn't like it. Like it, whatever, man. They played to his strengths, and it really worked for me. Yeah, I, I liked it too. I, I mean, he he's kind of like important when it comes to like explaining like why Quill is the way he is. Yeah, and I don't think it was ever a distraction. I think it was it supported the movie well enough, and yeah. I thought Rooker was was fine. Right. And, I liked it, man. And I don't think he, like, I saw people saying it was just Merle Dixon. And I didn't think that at all. I, didn't, I don't agree. Yeah, so. Yeah. But, you know, I guess people are just trying to typecast him. Yeah. Poor Michael Rooker trying to be taken down. I liked it, man. I thought he was really good in this. And I think he was kind of, like, integral, like, explaining, like, why Quill is the way he is. Like, you know, why Quill is kind of, like, you know, I don't know. He's got a dark side. You know, he is kind of like a. He, that's, that's what makes him kind of like Han Solo. Yeah, this movie did a really good job with a few exceptions, like, of course, um, like Ronin, of having so many characters and, um, having everything seem fine, like everyone getting yeah. a little bit of fleshed out time. Yeah. And, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It really split the scenery really well. Yeah. Uh, we get the, uh, scene with, uh, Quill and uh, Drax and all them. Uh, yeah, it's Quill and Drax and Groot, and they're together, and uh, Gamora's fighting Nebula. Mm-hmm. But then uh, Korath shows up, and Quill sees Korath, and Quill's like, finally. <laughs> uh, but that fight between Quill and Korath is short-lived yes. as Korath kicks Quill's ass. Uh, Quill is then forced to just fight Sakaran soldiers, and then Drax is the one who fucking starts beating Korath down. Yeah. Yeah, and now is this the Groot scene happens here too, right? Oh yeah, the big Groot scene. Okay, gotcha. It, this hap- it happens here. Okay. Um, it uh, but before that happens, uh, Drax, um, he's the one kicking Korath's ass, and he like rips that like oh that gun, and, like that is this where the sentry gun lands and it's just blasting into him? I don't remember. That's it. That what? That like um oh that's a completely different part. I, I'm thinking of the part where he just rips that uh, the metallic piece out of his head. Oh, and yeah. kills Korra. Yeah, yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Right. And then it, we've got Quill kicking ass for the the, the Sakaran soldiers. He's kicking their asses, 
And then once they finish off Korath and the Sakaran soldiers, there's a few left and they're running down the corridor to help out with, you know, with the fight. And that's when we get the really cool Groot scene. Yeah. He like shish kebabs, like six of these guys. He totally took my word. Yeah. yeah I was going to, I was totally, yeah, it, it was a Groot shish kebab. <laughs> and I counted the second time. It was like six guys. Like yeah. it's more guys getting taken down by him moving the six guy shish kebab right it, what are the guys called uh, sakaran soldiers so it's a sakara bob yeah sakara bob <laughs> yeah there you go you totally I, I totally had that here shish kebab <laughs> yeah it, that's what it reminded me of it was a shish kebab because like um it was awesome but he like he like stabs him through like the abdomens and then like he kind of controls them and knocks out the other guys and then after he does that and kills them all he turns around and gives us like that huge groot smile yeah big old shit eating groot grin I don't know about your theater, but my theater like exploded when that happened. And yeah, there was like actually a lot of applause after that happened. Yeah, it was very similar to the reaction of the uh, Hulk Loki moment yeah. in the Avengers movie totally. for my crowd too. Yep. Big reaction for my crowd too. Yeah. Then uh, we get the Gamora Nebula fight. Yeah, I, I loved it. Great good. fight. Really good. Um, and then uh, Ronan. Then we get the scene of Ronan. He's got, he's holding the hammer and there's the hole in the, like a part of the, a, a part of the Aster ship. Mm-hmm. That and, they blasted in through. Yeah. And he uses the, the gem, the stone and it destroys the entire Nova net. All the ships, the, the ships that were forming the Nova net around the Aster to like yeah. block it. It destroys the entire net. Yeah, we see a bunch of them die. A bunch of bunch of them die. There are a few of them that get away, but like a bunch of them are just destroyed. Yeah, like a, a few of the ones that actually get like featured lines earlier. Yeah, or just all killed right there. Yeah, Denarian Saul's dead. Yeah, exactly. He gets killed. So um, then the fight between Gamora and Nebula hits its climax, where like like Gamora kicks her and she goes flying over the edge and she actually falls. Her hand gets caught on like that. Uh, part of the spike or something like that from the ship yeah that part seems silly to me like her hand didn't seem that caught like she could have just moved her hand a little bit and been free but instead she like no rips her hand off it looked like her hand like the spike had just gone like straight through the wrist like like she was caught there man okay yeah like she was like i don't i hate to say this but like she was nailed to the cross you know what i mean like that's what it looked like to me so um and then, like, that's why she had to rip her hand off. Okay, gotcha. So. And we, you know, we see her, like, land a little bit of a distance on away. One of, she lands on one of, like, the uh, Nova ships and, like, punches through and takes control of it. Yeah. And that's the last we see of her of the movie, right? She's gone. Yeah. Yep. Um, this is where, like, they, Quill and Rocket and Drax. Not Rocket. Rocket's still outside. Rocket's still outside. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We see uh, Quill. Groot and Drax and it's Quill he's holding that gun that Rocket devised with mm-hmm. like the huge bullet and he blasts Ronan yeah. as Ronan turns around we see like a huge explosion and they are, they're happy yeah they act like they did it yeah exactly um, you know they thought they just destroyed the Death Star exactly didn't happen not like, so much no exactly like they missed they, they hit him but like it wasn't enough to take him out and so at that point um uh, Drax takes the knives and starts running at him and he he's like in a chokehold um and as soon as like uh Ronan's got Drax in the chokehold that's when we see Rocket 
in the ship in the Milano flying straight towards him. Yeah. And that's when he rams Ronan. Yeah, that's awesome. And that pretty much t- – that's like the end of the Milano as we know it right there. Yeah, for now. And then like that explosion causes like the entire Aster to like start to fall apart and like fall down towards like the surface of Xandar. Yeah. So Aster is going to fall into Xandar and yeah, that's where we're at. Yeah, I thought it was really cool – Um after this, like, so the, the space Rotini is falling into Xandar, mm-hmm. and they actually, like, the movie then shifts to the focus of the characters doing everything they can to protect the citizens of Xandar. Right. Like, rockets, like, stopping debris, and they're down at the base. Even the Ravagers. The, yeah. the Ravagers that are left over, like, they're all firing up and, like, trying to, like, destroy the pieces of it before it can come down and, like... Yeah. yeah, I was blown away by this. Um, super props to the movie for this kind of stuff. Like, this is one of the things that we constantly make fun of when it comes to movies. Um, Avengers, Man of Steel, where it's just, um, mindless destruction with no care for, um, any of the innocent bystanders. And right. they specifically made a point about the innocent bystanders here, and I thought that was really cool. Can I bring up something? Yeah. That I was thinking about the other day? Yeah. Alright, so we're getting an Ant-Man movie, right? Yeah. I always thought, you know, like we always, like you were saying, like we always bitch about like all the destruction in these movies. Yeah. And like, you know, like Metropolis gets taken out, New York gets fucked up, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was thinking it'd be funny in the Ant-Man movie if everything took place like when he was like shrunken down as Ant-Man and like it's like a huge battle at the end of the Ant-Man movie and it's just like a huge battle and there's destruction all over from what you can tell. But like at the end of the movie, when they pan out, it's just like a like a uh, probably like a ten inch patch in somebody's backyard. Yeah, that's a li- <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Like a little spot on a city playground. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I was thinking like because people bitch all the time about all the destruction in these movies. Like yeah, just like destroy like just like a. 10 inch radius i felt like the writing here was a direct response to that kind of criticism you think so it really did feel that way to me i mean i could be wrong but But, like but they really paid attention to like okay here's a scene about protecting the people that are in danger from the battle in the first place yeah and they really made sure to point out that that was happening no and you're right and at the end of the movie like even roman day thanks them for like saving his family yeah exactly and i thought that was interesting that was something that other superhero movies have not pulled off. Yeah. And this movie really pulled that off. Yeah. Um, it gave weight to it too. It did. It gave weight to it that the people that were in danger of the battle, you know, actually, we actually felt something for them. They weren't just fucking like special effects getting destroyed by the battle. Even though we didn't get like a really good idea of like who the Xandarians were. No, we didn't get a really good idea who really any like populace on any like planet was yeah, or anything. Not even the Cree. Yeah, exactly. So we didn't get a Cree home world shot really or anything. Nothing. So no, no. That's another thing that needs to be addressed in these. Like we need to really get a full like understanding of like the Xandarians in this. Yeah. That'd be fun stuff to explore maybe not outside of the movies too. Right. Like in um, you know, however form. I, I know um they're doing a Guardians of the Galaxy Disney X D cartoon. Yeah. Yeah they are. And that'd be, it, there's a lot of stuff to explore that you could do for the cartoon. So the Aster, it's on its way down, and this is where, like, Drax is knocked the fuck out, of course, from the ship and everything. And 
they all get together, and this is where Groot forms that wicker ball shield. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this is where Groot also says his fourth word, yeah. too. What'd you think of that? We are Groot? Yeah. It was just his way of saying, I love you guys. Yeah, I know. I felt like, I didn't like it. I, w- I wish he could have just kept to his, I am Groot. It seemed like they needed it to give it that extra oomph. So the audiences it. would go, aww. I didn't mind it. Aw, for Groot. I didn't mind it. Yeah. It's a movie. I know. It's a movie. That's what they do in these things. I know. It was, it was, it was, I wasn't a big fan of that moment, though. Mm. I thought Groot was great, and I was like, oh, we don't need the We Are Groot. Yeah. I, I didn't mind it. Little, I, I wasn't tearing up in the theater. A little but, schmaltzy for me. Yeah. It, it didn't hit me like, oh my gosh, yeah, they are Groot. They yeah. really are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, it, you know, I, yeah, it didn't bother me. A little schmaltzy for me. Um, so yeah, that he uses the shield like this little wicker shield to protect them as they crash, and yeah, and Rocket like gives the thing like you know this is gonna kill you, you know this is gonna kill you, don't do it. And, yeah, and um, he does it anyway. Yeah, um, then uh, as they as they crash, as soon as they crash, they all live except for you know Groot, and um, then. This is, of course, like Yandu shows up. Yeah. You know? And that's when, uh, he's given the container, which contains the, the stone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we find out, like, you know, he takes off the stone and Quill says, don't open it up. You know what it does to people. Now, wait a minute. Didn't we, um, that we didn't even talk about the Quill, um, Ronin confrontation, did we? Did we skip past that by talking about Yandu having the, Oh, you know what? Yeah, that does happen now. No, you're right. Okay. Yeah, yeah sorry I'm about sk- I'm skipping ahead. I'm skipping ahead. You're absolutely right. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, because that was one of the funniest scenes to me was yeah, when... Um, let's backtrack. I'm sorry. They, um, Ronan's on ground level basically after the ship crashes, and he's threatening to um, pound the stone into the, into the floor to destroy right. the entire planet. He says, this is for 1,000 years of Cree justice. Yeah. And he's getting ready to pound it in. And um, Peter shows up right in front of him and just uh, basically starts to act the clown, dancing in front of him, being silly. Yeah, what song is he singing? Oh, gosh, I can't remember what song they use here. Yeah. But basically just a big distraction technique. And then he asks Gamora to dance. <laughs> yeah. And she says no. He's like, all right, taking it back to me. And he starts <laughs> dancing again. And, like, Ronan's just confused as all hell. Like, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. He's like, you know, he's like this is a dance-off, <laughs> you know? And he's like... He's like, actually, it's just a distraction to give them time to do what they're going to do. And then, like, that's when Rocket hits him. You know, Rocket's, uh, hits him with, like, a gun or something. Yeah. It doesn't hit him. It actually hits the hammer. It hits the hammer. The hammer explodes. And that's when the stone is released from the hammer. Mm-hmm. At that point, the power has left Ronan. Yes. It's up in the air. And that's when Quill jumps for it mm-hmm. and and they realized that he shouldn't do that because we've already seen what what's happened exactly and you know the characters yell for him not to he grabs it anyway and the stone immediately starts to uh slowly like degenerate his body apart right and um the other characters all start inter- you know holding each other's hands and it's interesting that like xandar 
it the the whole look of this scene changes. It's like a purple like tornado whirlwind going on within this radius of like what's happening. Yeah, uh, Ronan's there. Um, all the guardians are there, but like Xandar itself on the outside is totally fine, except for like the destruction from the Aster ship. But like they're like in the the what would you call it? Like in a tornado they call it the eye of the tornado yes they're like in the eye of like this like stone storm yeah exactly it's really cool looking yeah the 3d was really neat in that scene yeah and then they kind of established before that um if you call kind of like hold hold on to each other it kind of dilutes the power of the stone and you can bear it longer right and i feel like they established that earlier to pull this off so you knew how they didn't just get instantly zapped like the collector's daughter did gamora touches him first yes that helps him hold on a little longer then Drax and then finally Rocket. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, that's when, um, Ronan says like, how can you do this? You're immortal. And he's like, no, you're wrong. We're the guardians of the galaxy, bitch. Oh yeah. That was one of my favorite parts. I, <laughs> I, I actually wrote it down where he, um, because Ronan's the one that jokingly earlier in the movie, kind of refers to him like a showman and you know here's your guardians of the galaxy right kind of in a mocking way yeah and then later on this scene you get um star lord responding he says you said it yourself bitch we're the guardians of the galaxy right. yeah <laughs> and I, I thought that was great that they had, he kind of adopts what ronin uses to mock him earlier and it's like well you shouldn't have mocked because now it's a real thing what i didn't understand though is like he says like how can you do this you're mortal i didn't know that ronan was immortal i mean i just thought he was like a cree admiral i didn't think he was like an immortal being yeah i don't i didn't think he said immortal i thought he said mortal no he said how can you do this you're mortal oh yeah meaning that in order to possess this you have to be powerful and be immortal yeah. I didn't know that Ronan was immortal. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I just thought he was like a powerful Kree general or an admiral or whatever. Well, he doesn't ever directly touch the stone. Yeah, he did. When he oh, first when he shoves it, it into the hammer. He had it in his hand. Yeah. And then he shoved it into the hammer. Yeah. Well, he was able to do it for that long. It wasn't for very long. Even even Star-Lord. But so I mean, if Star-Lord would have been holding onto a hammer and shoved it into a hammer, would he be able to possess the power? That doesn't make sense to me, though. I, feel, why, I guess he would have. <sighs> I don't know. If that's what he chose to do with it. I just don't know how you can possess the power if you're not a strong and powerful being. Yeah, well, that, I, th- I think Star-Lord, the reason he was able to not... Because, I mean... Because, like, the Celestials were able to... Like, the Celestial wasn't holding on to the power itself. The yeah. Celestial still had the power when he was holding it in that huge, like, staff. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's interesting. And But, like, the Collector's daughter, she doesn't instantly evaporate. She's got those seconds, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And Ronan isn't holding it for long before he shoves it into the hammer. Yeah, I just... I don't know. I mean, you could look at it either way. It's just like, what are the, you know, what's the science behind this? Or, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. know how it works. Yeah, it's very comic booky at that, to that end. We'll talk about the stones later. Yeah. Maybe we can kind of figure this out as we talk about it later. But, um, yeah, that's, you know, I mean, we all know that, like, if he lands, if he lays his hammer down on, on Xandar, like, he says, like, this is for a thousand years of Kree justice. We yeah. know it's going to wipe him out. But, yeah. That's when, like, Quill blasts him and, like, with the power from the stone and it it destroys Ronan. He blows up. Yeah. 
Which I thought was weird that they killed him. Yeah, I thought it was weird too. I was shocked. I thought like, you know, like in the comics, like Ronan is actually kind of like a, he's, he's kind of not, he's not a villain anymore. He's kind of a good guy. Like in the infinity series that came out, like, I mean, he was a, he was fighting against Thanos and, you know, because he knew Thanos was like, you know, trying to destroy everybody that, you know, that would affect the Kree. And so, you know, well, in the comics, he's not like a Kree radical either. Yeah. Like he's basically a Kree terrorist in the movies. Right. Where in the comics, he's like directly involved with the actual politics of the Kree. Yeah. It's not something that they're just like turning a blind eye to. That's true. That's true. So, and that's a big difference too. So I think because of that, you can just blow him up and then have a different... I just thought, like, maybe, like, you know, maybe he could have came back and, like, worked with the Guardians later. Yeah, it's kind of... It is shocking, because you're going to obviously touch on the Kree again, and how many Kree namesakes do you have to go to in the Kree well of interesting characters? Yeah. So, um... You know, after the, uh... Yeah, this is where we get the scene where Yondu comes out, and then... Um, that this is where they switch the. Oh yeah, that this this was funny, but like I don't think I think even a six year old is like he doesn't really have the stone. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So he did the old switcheroo. Yeah. Yandu leaves and and like Peter he, like tells Gamora that like he doesn't have it and and she's like oh he's gonna kill you. Yeah. Apparently Yandu's never seen a single episode of anything or any movie ever made. <laughs> right. But you know so. Star Lord is able to pull this trick on him. Yeah, and then uh, then uh, the Ravagers they leave Zandar, and um, then they they make the remark that you know it turned out well that they did not deliver Quill to his father, you know, following the abduction. So apparently, yeah. like they were hired by Quill's father to retrieve him. So the Ravagers were the ones that abducted him as yes. a little boy, and like they were supposed to bring him to Quill's father, which they didn't. And they, they said something like, you know, like his father was just like a real asshole. Yeah, it's interesting to me that, that they didn't. Like, is it because they liked Quill and did, just didn't want to? I think it's because they just thought his father was an asshole. Oh, okay. But they still went and got him in the first place. They yeah. wasted the resources to go pick him up. I'm sure we might see some flashback scenes of him as a little boy. Yeah. Like, with the Ravagers and, like, you know, like them bonding or something like that. And, yeah. like, them not taking him to the father. We okay. might see that in the yeah. next movie. Yeah, that's what I was wondering if what happened, maybe. Did you notice that they were all wearing, like, that flame patch? Yeah. Did you notice that, like, that flame patch was, like, they were all wearing it? It was Quill was wearing it on his on his suit, and then the Ravagers were also wearing that. I did not. All the Ravagers were wearing that flame patch too. Okay, that flame patch. That's like the Spar Toy patch, right? Yeah. Why would they be wearing it if they were just space pirates and not directly working with the Spar Toy Empire? Hmm. Did they maybe kill Spar Toy soldiers and just like? Yeah, take take their stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's never really clear. Yeah, that is kind of weird. That is weird. Um, And then we get the scene where Drax and, you know, like like Groot is, like, crying over, like, you know, the dead twig. Oh, you mean mean, um, Rocket? Rocket's crying over the, the, yeah, Rocket's crying over the dead twig. Yeah. And, like, that's when... um, Rock, uh, Drax starts petting him on the head. Yeah, like a cat or something. Like, yeah. It's very funny. Yeah. And Rocket's expression is funny. At first, he seems a little bit shocked by it, yeah. but then he just kind of submits to it. Yeah, <laughs> I liked it. 
Um, then we get Nova Prime. She reveals to like Quill that like he's only half Terran, which is like half human. Yeah. And that his father is something very ancient. And so like that leads us to believe like that's why he was able to hold on to the, you know, the, the, the stone, stone a lot longer without it ripping him apart. That's what I took it as too. Um, then, uh, Gamora's talking about like, you know, how like, you know, they, they, they defeated Ronan and then Drax says something like Ronan was only a puppet. It's really Thanos. I need to kill. <laughs> yeah. Drax's motivations have just switched to a new yep. person. Yep. He'll be going and jacking someone else's phone real soon and just, <laughs> and just calling Thanos, Thanos. over. Um, now Quill's group, now they're, they're, that, that's what they're known as the guardians of the galaxy. They, they're told by Roman day that um, their criminal records have been expunged. And then we get... Uh, <laughs> this is a funny scene. Then we we get the... Is this where they say the, the, the Milano has been completely restored? It, it is, it is. Um, but I thought it was really funny when he's talking about their criminals being expunged, and then they start yeah. going into the stuff like, you know, well, what if I get so mad at the guy that I, I rip his spine out, Drax yeah. says. And he goes, well, well, that's that's murder. That's murder. That, that's, that's one of the worst crimes. Yeah, and then Rocket's like, well, what yeah. if I steal something yeah. from somebody? And he's like, that's that's a crime. Yeah. And he's like, but what if I want it more than they do? <laughs> it, that's still a crime. It's still a crime. Right. Very funny. I liked it. Yeah. And then Quill, he finally opens the last present that he received, um, that the present that he received from his mother, mother like 26 years earlier. Yes. Which contains a cassette tape that called The Awesome Mix Volume 2. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, <laughs> No pun intended. And so, like, you know, that just means sequel music. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, That's hilarious. And it, and it contains a, a, a letter from her, uh, that note, and she, she calls him Star-Lord. Yes. You're my little Star-Lord. That's crazy. So, yeah. That, uh, that was awesome. Um, but yeah, we got the, the Milano's been restored, and they get in the ship, and like he's like, so what do you want to do? Something, something good? Something bad? A little both? Yeah. And Gamora's like, we're here to follow you. And he's like, right? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. <laughs> So, um, bit of both in the, uh, let's jump to the post credit scene. So the movie ends the post credit scene, the collector sits in his, uh, destroyed oh, real, real quick before yeah. we jump to this. I also really enjoyed, um, the Groot dancing to the, uh, Jackson five song. Oh yeah. I forgot about and that. With uh, Dr- very Looney Tunes fashion. Every time Drax turns to look, he kind of freezes up, you know, red light, green light, right. dynamite blue style. Yeah. Drax is like uh cleaning off his knives. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it'd be really great to get the, uh, replica of the baby Groot in the pot. Leftover army is like wanting one of those dancing Groot, you know, remember those yeah. dancing flowers that yeah. they used to have like the leftover army. Everybody's saying like, they want like a, a dancing Groot. I'm with them. That that would be like a, an amazing product for like Think Geek or something to come out with something like that, like yeah. a dancing baby Groot. That would be awesome. Awesome. That would be cool. <laughs> um, that needs to happen. Like somebody needs to like put a petition to have something like that yeah, made. Yeah, exactly. Marvel would make a killing with that. Yeah, I, I I bet they might. That's something like that may truly exist. Yeah, exactly. Um, in the post credit scene, we see the collector. He's sitting uh, down in his destroyed archive, and then he's licked by. This is where he's licked by Cosmo the dog because, like, when they showed him earlier, he had like the the astronaut like yeah. that bubble or whatever. Yeah. This part, it's like that that hatch or whatever has been taken off, and he's able to lick. Yeah. He's able to lick the collector, and and then he's uh, mocked by Howard the Duck. Yes. Who says you're actually going to let that thing lick you? <laughs> and uh, 
you know, at one time Disney actually threatened to sue Marvel over Howard the Duck because of the likenesses uh, in Donald and uh, Donald Duck. Yeah. And, and now Marvel owns Howard the Duck, which is just bizarre. It is It is bizarre. Um, the, the two people in front of me watching the movie, the one guy turns to the other guy and goes, who is that? And the other guy says, it's Howard the Duck. Haven't you seen the movie? It's the worst movie ever made. People were saying like, that in my theater too. I was like, wow, yeah. some harsh love for Howard the Duck. Yeah. People were saying that we had like like there was like one guy in my theater who just was like that's Howard the Duck it's Howard the-. like like it's like the one person that thinks that they're the only one that knows who it is oh yeah 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 so yeah it, just like the Thanos reveal like you know, the other one person in the theater that was like oh it's Thanos it's Thanos. I was one of the people but like you know we knew that we were gonna see Howard the Duck somewhere in this movie we yeah they kind of they kind of spoiled it a little bit yeah. and because I noticed him on my first viewing in the collector's shop yeah um, I really think he's pretty prominent I can't when you see it Ian you're gonna notice it I'll need to see it again for him yeah but um seeing him there I was surprised that he was the post-credit sequence. I thought that that was it, that that was the Howard the Duck appearance. I would have loved to have had a set visit in just in the collector's archive, just to be able to walk around all oh. the different levels. Cause I mean, there were levels. Yeah. Well, how much of that is set and how much I of know, it is CG. extended? I know, CG, yeah. I know, but man, I would have loved to have seen like some of that stuff. Yeah. Well, what you could see would be neat to right. see. I can't wait till it comes out in Blu-ray and you can pause it and look at it frame by frame. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's I bet there's going to be some good extras. Fun. Absolutely. Um, apparently, Adam Warlock was rumored to appear in this film uh, because he was featured in the screenplay as a cameo at the end of the film. But mm. that, of course, never happened. Gotcha. Um, we saw his cocoon in Thor The Dark World end credit scene. And, Jake, you said that it was confirmed that this was his cocoon, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, according to this, some people say that you can see the Adam Warlock cocoon in the Howard the Duck scene and that it looked like it had been busted open, oh. probably because of the explosion. And so now we might have Adam Warlock out there on the loose. That's interesting. Uh-huh. I've already heard James Gunn say that the sequel will include at least one more new member to the Guardians of the Galaxy team. Adam Warlock, possibly. So there, it, it very well could be Adam Warlock. Aaron Eckhart, cast him. Yeah. That's all I'm saying, man. I'm with that. I like that. I'll, yeah, I'll co-sign that. Uh, rumor has it that a scene involving the Nova assigned to protecting Earth was left on the cutting room floor of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, and that, um, you know, we're going to see more of the Nova Corps in the future. But the rumor is that the role would be taken by the most famous Nova, Richard Ryder. Um, you know, he of course played a big part in the Annihilation crossover that involved the Guardians. I always thought it was terrible that Marvel has a character named Dick Ryder. Exactly, that's horrible. Stop it. Yeah, yeah. forget that name. Yeah, but uh, you know, I, that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, if we had a scene where like Tony Stark, like you know, flies up in like his spacesuit and yeah. meets like a Nova. Yeah, that'd be cool. If Robert Downey Jr. Tony Stark is totally going to make a Dick Ryder joke. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, now, I, I don't know about you, but after the movie's over, my audience clapped. My audience clapped, too. I, yeah. I among them. I was listening to, like, people talk after the movie. I stuck around, of course. Yeah, was, me too. And there was a guy behind me who was, like, he was really vocal, and he kept saying, like, Pratt was better at Star-Lord than Robert Downey Jr. was as Iron Man. Yeah. 
I, I disagree. Pratt was pretty great. He was really word. good, but I'm not going to put him up there with, with, with Robert Downey Jr. I can't wait. I, I maybe, I think there's a possibility that with two more movies in the, in the canon that yeah. it could be there. I guess I, I personally, I just think like to me, it was like, I mean, I like them both, but I think like this is just a case of like a kid at Christmas getting a shiny new toy. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to get chills if I see Chris Pratt talking like Captain America or Thor. But like, if Tony Stark is talking to Rocket Raccoon, yeah. I'm going to get chills. That, that's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm in this guy's camp a bit. I, I'm thinking a lot about Chris Pratt interacting with all these other stars and how excited I am for that. And before seeing this movie, yeah, I was exact. Before seeing this movie, I was like, I hope one day Rocket Raccoon gets Josh Whedon written dialogue. Yeah, and now I'm I'm like I can't wait till Chris Pratt interacts with all these people. That's what I want to see now. I'd like to see it, but I I want to see I want to man like Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. is like he's like the granddaddy man in these films. Man, he's the man. Yeah, and that's that's who I want to see interact with these characters. I want to see him like look at Groot and just be like. I want, what is he? What is what is the first thing that Tony Stark's going to say when he sees Groot? What is the first thing that Tony Stark says when he sees Rocket Raccoon? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Is Tony Stark going to like start throwing game at Gamora? I mean, that's what I want to know. That's funny. Yeah, like just like what everything that he could say. There's so <laughs> many different lines that he could throw out at these characters. That's yeah. what I want to know. I don't really care what like. Chris Pratt's going to say when he comes into contact with Captain America or when he says what he sees Thor. Oh, I do. I do. I don't. Yeah. I think that's exciting. I was even when you were talking, when you were saying you can't, you know, you want to see Tony Stark flirt with Gamora. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, Star Lord can chip in and tell him, you know, not to even bother with that man, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Variety, they predicted that the Guardians of the Galaxy would earn about $65 million this weekend. And they were wrong. Yeah, but then after Thursday night's preview shows generated more than $11.2 million, that $65 million that Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy was expected to generate at the U.S. box office has been raised to $90 million. Yeah, and now it skyrockets to $94 million. Um, the August debut before this movie was the Born Ultimatum with only sixty nine point two million. Wow! And because um, August isn't traditionally the month that you release these kind of movies, because yeah. the summer season's kind of waned down. But so Guardians, in more than one way, really like went against the grain here by yeah. coming out on this date. The film it did outpace uh, the Winter Soldier's first night. And that film went on to generate $95 million? Yes, we won't. We, it's so close that we're not going to know until Monday um, when we're recording this on a Sunday night. But we'll know on Monday whether or not Guardians of the Galaxy and uh, or Captain America did better. But to be fair, Captain America 2 opened at 10 o'clock. Yeah. So you only got one viewing. I think this got, you got some theaters showed it twice. Yeah, I agree with that. So there was a, li- it limited the number of screenings when you open the Guardians at 7. I think it is mind-blowing that if you'd have told me a year ago that the Guardians of the Galaxy movie is going to open stronger than a Spider-Man and an X-Men movie, Mm -hmm. I would not have believed you. Sure. I mean, I wanted it to. Don't get me wrong. But, and here we are now. It's it's the truth. Yep. This movie killed those movies. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, go, go Marvel. Yeah, they're kicking ass, man. 
Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score, 92% for the critics yeah. and 96% for the audience, so it's guaranteed fresh, and it's, it's killing, man. Yeah, yeah, it is killing. Everyone I've talked to seems to love it. I haven't, I've read some bad reviews, but I haven't talked to anyone in person that said they didn't like the movie. Yeah. So. Yeah, that just, like, tossed it, like, 100%. Like, I, everybody on our, even on our page gave it at least a taste of it. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, you want to talk about, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy sequel stuff? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm just excited to see where they go with it. Obviously, they set up that there's going to be something to do with, uh, Star-Lord's dad. Um, that was, hints of that were dropped in the first movie. Yep. Um, I found it interesting, very much like a James Bond movie, that the Guardians of the Galaxy ended with, the Guardians of the Galaxy will return like yeah. actually came up like the type on the screen. Didn't they do that though? Like an Iron Man though? Like Iron Man will return. I, I don't in know. one of those movies. I don't remember. If they did, they did it at the very end of the credits. Yeah. Where this was like in your face. Yeah. And I feel like I, I know they. Oh, they did it with like uh, I think they did it with like uh, at the end of like Captain America at the end of Thor they would put like Captain America will return in the Avengers. Yes, I think that's that is what, what it was. happened. Yeah. And, but this was just like in your face. And they had just announced it, San Diego Comic-Con, um, yeah. the sequel officially. Yeah. So I was wondering if even this ty- this card was like a last-minute add-in to the movie. It it's- probably was because like at the uh, press screenings, yeah. press screenings didn't even get the uh, post credit scene. Yeah, and, and I read about that. I'm sure that, that was a little bit to um, hold back on all the internet spoilers. Oh, know, absolutely. Too. Yeah. So – a lot of people were, um, yeah, I think it was uh, Craig Clifton sent us a tweet and he wanted to know what our thoughts were on the uh, post credit scene. Like, were we a little bit um, miffed let, by it? Let, let down? Was it like another Iron Man 3, you know, banner talking to Tony Stark while he's on the couch? Kind of like, you know, like, 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 should this have like been more about like face? Yeah. and what's it's, leading up it seems like these post-credit sequence are either a or b it's either a like a big setup to the next like marvel happening right. or b just a complete one-off joke i think that honestly it's, i think like throughout the movie yeah the movie did so much to kind of set up throughout the movie what's gonna go what's gonna happen with like guardians 2 and phase 3 that yeah. they that you didn't really need it in the post-credit scene no not at all not at all yeah i I liked it. I liked the post credit scene. It was fun. Yeah, I was fine with it. Like, I didn't. I don't know if I really needed like a like a cliffhanger at the end of it. No, not at I all. I think the movie did a pretty good job of like setting up like what could happen. I think like talking about his father like at the end, mm-hmm. like that could have been like your post credit scene. But instead, James Gunn was like, you know what? I'm just gonna give you something funny. Yeah, I think it worked. I liked it. Yeah. I agree with you. They set up the Marvel movies more than I thought they would within the actual movie. Right. So you didn't need all that. Yeah. Just do a funny scene. Do a shawarma scene. It's funny. Our first look at Marvel Cosmic, man. Yeah, it was great. This is Marvel Cosmic. Like, it was It was so far out from, like, what we're used to seeing with the Avengers. Yeah. There was no Earth except for, like, the right. very beginning. I think they did a good job of establishing, like, we didn't get to know a ton about the world's. But we got to see a lot of the universe, and I thought that was cool. It was cool. I want to see more Marvel Cosmic and not just Guardians of the Galaxy sequels. I would right. love to see more Marvel Cosmic. Yeah. Yeah, a lot more Marvel Cosmic. So um, Film Divider, they talked with James Gunn about the sequel to Guardians of the Galaxy and what we might be able to expect from the film. Mm. Uh, here's what he had to say. 
I know a lot of where I want to go. I have a lot of ideas for stories and characters that are going to appear. And there are documents written up that some people have about Peter Quill's father and his relationship. A lot of stuff about Yondu and a lot of stuff about Drax that nobody knows. Mm, that's interesting. So, yeah, more backstory on – he. we definitely know Yondu's going to be back too. Sorry, that was so much information. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. No, it's fine. And then, and then there's more. He says there are a lot of things that are a part of the overall schematic that already exist, not to mention a lot of stuff about all of the cultures. There's a lot of stuff about Zandarian and Cree culture that I've written down or I have in mind, as well as the Krylorians and Ravagers. Hmm. Um, Kevin Veige has stuff. I wrote up a lot. Um, he knows all of the stuff. And if I died tomorrow, they could make a movie. They could write the story of Peter Quill's father, and it would all be there. I think Yandu is a very important character, a really important character in this universe, and I think Nebula is really important too, and so I think we'll see more of both of these characters. Yay! Lots more Nebula, hopefully. Yeah. Woohoo. Uh, and then, uh, of course, we all know that Guardians of the Galaxy 2 will open July 28th of 2017. Yeah, nice. Basically the same date. Yeah. Um... Well, this was August 1st. That's July 28th. How does this movie, how does anything like in this, in this movie tie into like, you know, Avengers Age of Ultron? So Kevin Feige spoke in a recent interview and he said about Thanos, uh, he's not a part of Avengers 2. I think Thanos does what he wants and shows up where he wants to. And I'm not going to tell him otherwise. You don't know exactly. You know, like smirking, him smirking at the end of Avengers. Yeah. By the way, we're still making Avengers 2, so nothing's definitive one way or the other, actually. So maybe Thanos does make an appearance, like maybe a last-minute thing. I, I would think if Thanos makes an appearance in Age of Ultron, it'll be again a second time at the end of the Avengers end credit sequence. Like make it a routine of that's where we see Thanos in Avengers movies. Right. Until he's finally the main focal point. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like the Nick Fury for like the, the villains. Yeah. I, I really think that is where I, I, I honestly, I would bet money. That's where we see Thanos is right. like the end credit Avengers age of Ultron scene. Um, as far as Avengers three is concerned, Feige also said that you can expect a three year gap between the Avengers age of Ultron and Avengers three. So that will likely put it at that May 4th, 2018 date. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah, I think I'd already guessed that one, too, on the previous episode we were talking about this. I think you said 2019. When we were No, when we were looking at the dates, oh, okay. I, I, when I saw what the date for that one was, I said that that would be the Avengers one. Um, it looks like the Guardians of the Galaxy will cross over with the Avengers. Um, Yay. Here's an interview that the Yahoo UK had with members of the cast, such as uh, Vin Diesel, Zoe Saldana, Chris Pratt, Karen Gillan, Dave Batista, and also director James Gunn. So I'm going to play that now. Let's talk about quickly about the wider Marvel Universe, because um, the Guardians make such a great team. Uh, there's already a great team in the Marvel Universe, the Avengers. Could you ever see the two joining forces? Uh, sure. I, I, I think, um, I think, I think Marvel will have, have a lot of options after this movie. And one of the options that they'll have will be integrating teams. And I think there's going to be huge fans of the Guardians and there are huge fans of the Avengers. And I think that the, the, the discussions already been had. 
Um, and I think the audience may demand something like that. It would be awesome for the Avengers to to seek help, professional help by the <laughs> Guardians. Well, because remember too, it's is that they've all been cybernetically altered, so they're kind of super bionic. And the only creatures, well, Captain America is really good, uh, and he would he's sort of like the equivalent of what Drax would be in terms of his strength. But but the Hulk is the only one that sort of matches up to what we normally do, being aliens. I think there's a lot of characters. Like it's all it's already difficult to follow all of the storylines. Like say, you know, you have to. It's 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 a delicate balance. And so like if you if you go from five characters and you add another five characters, and that's just ten characters. It's like that can be very difficult. That being said, you know, Marvel knows their knows their stuff, knows their business, and. You know, I, I see this rather than taking the the worlds that already exist and, and forcing them together. I think this opens up doors into brand new worlds. I think you know we we take characters that we didn't even know existed in the far corners of the universe and we see their stories. I'd like to see it like uh, strictly as a fan. Yeah. You know, I think it would be pretty cool. And I think you know, you take characters like that and 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 all of a sudden push them into a a new realm like outer space would be pretty interesting. You know, it makes for yeah, it makes for a lot of inter- interesting situations. We've talked about all sorts of possibilities, and I kind of know where the basic plan is. It could always change at any minute, you know, and that could or could not include a couple Avengers and a couple Guardians meeting up or all the Avengers and all the Guardians. But, you know, we do inhabit the same universe, and they are pretty big personalities that are likely to, at some point or another, run into each other. Do you feel like they could team up with the Avengers at some point in the future? Sure, why not? Do you think there'd be any personality clashes there in terms of the characters? Um, I think there would be a lot of personality clashes. (laughs) I think that would be the beauty of it. How do you think your character would get on with uh, Scarlet Witch? For example, um, you know what? No, I just don't think they would get along. But maybe that would be fun. Yeah, maybe Nebula would just like really try to beat her to the ground. Groot's gonna back up his team. So, um, although Groot is this innocent and uh, gentle, sentient tree, he just happens to be best friends with the most trash-talking <laughs> character uh, in the galaxy, and. Sometimes he has to clean up after Rocket. <laughs> I think, and I, I think you'll find this in agreement um, amongst geeks, is that Drax and Hulk would, would clash a bit. There'd be <laughs> there'd probably be uh, some some blows thrown. Who would win? Do you think Drax? Easily. But Hulk's like the hardest character in the universe. Well, he'll come back, but I, you know, it's just like he's going to come back for more punishment. You know, poor guy. <laughs> oh, I do not think that the Avengers would get along very well with the Guardians. I mean, the Guardians are like a bunch of jerks. You know, really. I mean, the Avengers, for all their problems, are all they're all pretty much do-gooders, and our guys are not do-gooders. I mean, when it comes to saving a planet, they'll do it. But when it comes to like just being regular nice guys or not stealing your stuff, I'm not sure that they're quite up for that. Oh God! <laughs> I, I, I hope certainly uh, the women aren't aren't clashing. Cause that's that's the most typical thing. All the dudes get along, and then the girls are the ones being catty with each other. No, I would like to get along with Scarlett's character and for us to kick major. <laughs> yeah, so I like that. It's cool. That was fun stuff. Yeah. Come on, come on, Batista. That's the wrestler coming out of him. Yeah. Oh, I would destroy Hulk at the next pay-per-view. <laughs> he couldn't even take Ronan on. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> 
All right, guys. Uh, this is the part I have been looking forward to the most, yeah. in my opinion. I love talking about the movie, but I want to talk about the Infinity Stones. Oh, let's do it. All right. Okay. I, I want to know your thoughts on everything, too. Yeah. Because... Oh, shit. They're coming coming for us. All right, we're going to cut this short, (laughs) y'all. Maybe maybe we shouldn't talk about the Infinity Stones. (laughs) No, but, um, you know, we all know from, like, the comics that Thanos gets, like, the Infinity Gems uh, in the glove. Yeah, it it happened in Thanos Quest was the name of the series before the Infinity Gauntlet. Gauntlet. And then after that, after the Infinity Gauntlet, they had another... Infinity War. Infinity War. Was was that... Adam Warlock, or was that after? Was there a, the, Adam Warlock? He he, uh, he got. Did he get possession of all the stones, or just like couple of the stones? Um, him and the Infinity Watch after Infinity Gauntlet. That's it. Got yeah. possession of all the stones, That's uh, right. including Drax was one of these characters. Right. When did the Illuminati get them? Uh, that didn't happen until Bendis took over. Okay. That was way later. Way later. That was never introduced until the Illuminati miniseries, and then it was kind of retconned that they had had them all along. Right. Okay. So technically. They have had them for a very long time, yeah. But that was never actually written until the Bendis stuff. In the comics, though, the Infinity Stones are now destroyed. Yes, because they use the Infinity Stones to stop the convergence of the planets. Yeah, they used a whole like who, Cap, like yeah, Cap destroyed them all, and they're all like salty at Cap for doing it. And I it, thought I, th- I thought it was, like, and then like Black Panther gave it like his approval, though, right? I thought Cap acted alone. Okay. And because then they actually kicked Cap off of the Illuminati. Didn't one of the... And they wiped his mind of any knowledge of the Illuminati or the Infinity Gauntlet. Did one of the stones survive? Was it the Soul Stone, maybe? I think one did survive, yeah. Yeah. If it's the Soul Stone, then they've all survived, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a good point. Because the Soul Stone was the first stone that Thanos had possession of. Yeah, and it's the most reality-altering in many ways, right? Even Well, yeah, but there's the reality. Yeah, the reality stone, yeah. Yeah. This is fun. (laughs) We're confusing the fuck out of everybody right now. But, um, so, you know, when when Thanos gets control of the Infinity Gems, it's kind of like, um, in my opinion, it's like, it's the equivalent of Sauron getting the ring back. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, is he going to get possession of the stones in the movies? You know what I mean? Or are we going to see, like, like in the Lord of the Rings, like, where Sauron never gets gets it i mean do you think that thanos is going to wield the glove at one time yes i think that even marvel has admitted that just as recently as last weekend at the comic-con by having brolin coming out wearing the glove good point good point yeah um one thing that i really i wonder about i mean this is the same topic but a little bit off the gems is are we ever going to introduce death into this story as the reason why Thanos is the mad Titan and right. doing all this stuff in the first place anyway? I hope so. Yeah, it seems like a, a little bit cutting it short if they don't. Yeah. You've got a lot of faith in Whedon. Yeah. What do you think? I feel like they have to. I feel like it's not even the story or the character if they don't. I mean, they obviously giant changes are made all the time, but... yeah. If it's not death, then it has to be some motivation. There has to be some end game as to why he's even wanting to beat up Earth so much in the first place. They're holding a lot back. And, I mean, we learned more about the stones in this movie than we've learned about in the stones in this universe as opposed to the comics, like the 616. We learned more about the cinematic stones 
than we ever learned so far in this movie, just from like the collector scene. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, maybe they're holding that back, man. Maybe they're holding, you know, Lady Death back from us. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder if before we see Thanos have the uh, Infinity Gauntlet, we will see um, all the stones together with other people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like how is I, I'm really curious as to what Thanos's last play to finally get the Infinity Gauntlet will be. Yeah, that's got to be kind of a huge moment, you know. Yeah, um, some people think he's going to try to like use the time stone oh. to like get them all. You know what I mean? That'd be interesting. But um, you know, in the comics, like he gets he gets the he gets all the stones in the gauntlet, and with a click of his fingers, I mean, it kills like half of existence. I yeah. mean, we see like the X Men are dead, um, Fantastic Four are all dead, so yeah. no Reed Richards. Um, you know, uh, Daredevil's dead. Yeah. I mean, it kills a ton of Marvel characters. Like It's with, like a random, like, third of the population. Isn't that what it is? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a huge deal. Um, they are definitely leading us down, like, a similar path with these films. You know, Thanos is, is clearly chasing these stones. Um, and so he can rule the galaxy and, you know, be kind of like a god. Um, you know, we've been introduced to quite a few stones so far, but in the comics, there are six gems and we have the soul gem, the space gem, the time gem, mind gem, reality gem, and power gem. So far in the movies, we've been introduced to the Tesseract in Captain America and then also again in the Avengers film, which is now located in Asgard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Aether in Thor The Dark World, which was given to the Collector from the Asgardians, they felt that uh, it was too dangerous to have two stones so close together. Mm-hmm. And now this stone from the Guardians – now, and then now this stone that we were introduced to in the Guardians of the Galaxy. So I want to talk about like which stones are what. I was getting ready to ask you the same question. We know that the one in Guardians is the power gem. Yes, but – Okay, let's let's talk about let's let's talk about that because the stone in the Guardians of the Galaxy film is it's a hot debate right now. Okay, as of like which stone that is like, and let, before we talk about confirmations, let's talk about why it is being debated. Okay, okay? gotcha. Because I know there have been confirmations on which stone it is. Um, a lot of people are confusing this. They're saying, is it the power gem or is it the time gem? Hmm. Okay. The film, in my opinion, it leads us to believe that it's either gem. Because, I mean, when Quill touches it, it seems to, like, suck the life out of him. The same thing goes for when it touches Corinna Walters. It seems to, like, suck the life out of them, which could be time. And, and it's suggested that the stone can only be wielded by an immortal, um, someone who is timeless. Okay. When the collector's assistant, like, when, yeah, it sucked the life out of her. And then in the scene where Star-Lord grabs the stone, Ronan even says, how can you hold it? You are mortal. Which also – it also suggests that Ronan is immortal. But like I said, I, I'm not aware that Ronan – the Kree is, is an immortal. So that didn't make sense. Yeah, that is very odd. Now, the Nova Corps didn't want the stone to touch the surface of Xandar because they knew it would be the end of the world. So when Ronan was about to drop the hammer that wielded the stone, he said, I will show Xandar 1,000 years of Kree justice. Using the words 1,000 years suggests, that, suggests time. 
and hmm. that the stone would destroy their civilization. Another reason this could be the time gem is when Quill held it, he was able to see his mother back in the hospital bed and witness her back in time. Hmm. Gotcha. See, I didn't take that as he was seeing that. I kind of took that as just like the movie showing us that, like reminding us of that. Oh, I like he had his hand out, and that's what I saw. Is like she had her hand out, he yeah. had his hand out, and I thought like that was a way for maybe not saying that it's the time gem, yeah, but it's kind of like a way for him to like let go, let that. go of that, yeah, yeah, because like th- I think that's bothered him yeah. all of his life that I he think, didn't hold her hand towards the end. I agree with that. I still think it was like internally happening within the character and visually expressed to the audience, though. Right. Now, I also think that, like, the Aether, in my opinion, could also be the time gem. Um, it's known to be able to, the, the Aether, it, it's able to convert matter into dark matter, and otherwise it maintains an almost lifelike existence that causes it to bond in a parasitic fashion to a living host. Now, once bonded, the energies of the Aether, they slowly consume any mortal host. When Jane Foster came in contact with it, didn't it, did it not, didn't it look like it slowed down time, like she was moving in slow motion? Mm, yeah, maybe it was the reality jam too, though. True. That could be. Um, I think it's interesting that if you're willing to accept that um, what was in Loki's staff is an infinity gem, yeah. there's your soul gem, in my opinion. Because mm. Loki is using it to take over Dr. Kaveg, he's using it to take over Hawkeye, and it, the, the soul allows the user to steal, control, manipulate, and alter souls, living it, living or dead. Yes, but then I also thought that the mind gem is the stone that's located in Loki's staff. It was able to control them, and so I thought that was like controlling their mind. Yeah. But it wasn't able to work on Tony Stark when he tapped on in the arc reactor. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really think that one would be the soul gem. Okay. Because the mind the soul gem is the most powerful. And I thought that that I'm going to get into the soul gem and what I think the soul gem is going to, when, when that could be introduced. Yeah. But I see what you're saying, but yeah. it is able to control things living or dead. Yeah. And I'm going to get into why I think, Allows the user to steal control and manipulate and alter souls. And then you go to mind, and that's, um, allows the user, the user to greatly strengthen and enhance mental and psionic powers. This isn't my, like, like, ult, this isn't like, like my prediction, but like, the soul gem just sounds like something that could be introduced in like a Doctor Strange movie. Yeah, I agree. If we're gonna, I, but I also think a lot of these could be. I think the reality gem could definitely be brought into a Doctor Strange movie. I, I thought that maybe like the Aether was also the power gem because like when it interacted with like a stronger host like Malekith, it caused him to grow bigger and even more powerful. Oh yeah, that that's interesting. But um, Feige recently in interviews he's dropped hints that it is the power gem, and when James Gunn was asked the rumor, um, he said, "I don't have the power to answer that question." Unfortunately. Gotcha. Well, I'm glad it's the power gem. But see, that the rumor I'm hearing is like they're not revealing any of these gems. Like they're calling all of them the power gems. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Well, too. that's the only one where we've seen it as a physical gem. Like you pointed out during the review, we, right. we actually see the stone. 
the stone is clearly red. Right. So we know they're sticking to Comet Cannon if that is the power gem. They've already said that colors have nothing to do with these. Yeah. They've already said that colors have nothing to do with these. But, I mean, there's still that connection. They, you know, they can say what they want. I know. But they could just be misdirection. Now, I mean, we do have a red stone that they're saying is the power gem. I think that the Tesseract is either the space gem or the reality gem because it was able to... It, it was able to open like a portal mm-hmm. from one world to another, which I think would, could be the space gem. I think it's definitely the space gem. Now, I'm on that camp. When Loki appeared in Avengers at the beginning, it was through the Tesseract. Um, and then later Loki used the Tesseract on Stark Tower to release the Chitari through mm-hmm. a portal. Um, the reality gem can also create portals though from other worlds. It can, it can raise mountains. It can transform characters. Um, it's a really powerful gem. And, the space gem could also create a portal, so it's it's really up in the air for me. Like a lot of people think, like that the reality gem could also be like the source of like like, and I don't I don't agree with this, but like the reality gem has something to do with the Scarlet Witch mm, because yeah. like she can like place hexes and that would be stupid to me. But that's not where her power comes from, so I think it's stupid too. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, the space gem allows the user to exist in any or all locations, move any object anywhere throughout reality, and warp or rearrange space. That definitely sounds like the Tesseract. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like the Tesseract. Now, you talked about the soul gem. You think what? Do you, what gem do you think? That I think is? I think if there's a gem inside of Loki's staff that Thanos like kind of loaned out to him, that that's the soul gem because he's he's like tapping people with it and then taking over their bodies. Okay. That makes sense. It does. I never thought of that. I thought it was the mind gem. Like, you had control of their mind. Yeah, the mind gem is, like, increases, like, your mental powers. But the soul gem literally takes people over so you can manipulate them. Okay. And that's exactly what's happening. Okay. Then maybe I'm wrong here because, like, okay, let me go through this because, like, when I, when I, when I, when I wrote up this theory, I had it written up with, uh, with the soul gem in mind. Okay. So... Maybe you can kind of explain, like, my theory. Like, maybe it would work out better as the mind gem. Okay. So let let me go over this, okay? So um, I went over this as, like, the soul gem. Like, the first gem that they introduced in the comics was the soul gem. So I thought, like, it would make sense, like, the last gem that they introduced into the films would be the soul gem. Mm-hmm. And what if it, the soul gem, is what corrupts Ultron? So Ultron wanting to be more like the humans and seeks out this soul gem. Mm. Um, maybe he believes like possessing this gem will give him a soul and make him more human. Um, the soul gem in the comics allows the user, like you said, to steal, control, manipulate, and alter souls, living or dead. It also is sentient and has a hunger for souls. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which would make sense in the film because Ultron seems driven to wipe out humanity. I also said it could control souls living or dead. Could this be the reason Tony Stark needs to use the Hulkbuster armor to fight the Hulk in the next film? We've all speculated that it would be the Scarlet Witch putting a hex on the Hulk, but what if we're wrong? What if it's the soul gem is being used to control the Hulk? Hmm. Yeah, it's very possible. We saw the same kind of stuff going on in Avengers 1, so I wouldn't be surprised by that. Now, let me take this theory another step further. What if Tony Stark throughout the movie has like a conversation with Ultron about Jarvis and how he is gone now after, you know, the technology was lost in the depths of the ocean, you know, after the events of Iron Man 3, Mm -hmm. you know, just talking to him about this. And 
you know, after Ultron gets control of the soul gem, he feels sympathetic towards Jarvis. And he probably feels like it, it was wrong to have uh, a robot assistant who didn't even have a body. Mm. And he might also get the feeling that Tony Stark doesn't really care about, the, uh, you know, that Jarvis is at the bottom of the ocean and has, like, no intentions of, like, ever trying to, you know, search uh, search him out and try to find him, retrieve him from the bottom of the ocean. So Ultron later sends a team of, like, Ultron bots down into the ocean to salvage the technology from the bottom of the ocean and then plans to bring him back a new and improved Jarvis with a body and then uses the soul gem to make him sentient. Boom. We, now we have vision. Hmm. That's very interesting. And that's a, that's an interesting way. It ties back to what we were talking about earlier is what in Guardians of the Galaxy carries over into Avengers 2. Right. And that, that would definitely carry it over more, you know, Infinity Gem workings. Right. Cause I've been having a hard way thinking about how they're going to tie any of that in at all with the Ultron stuff. Yeah. So I think that's really good stuff. That's very but plausible. The loose end in my theory is yeah. how does Ultron find out about the gems? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know. Someone would have to, there'd have to be another puppeteer, kind of. I mean, we've been introduced to a few gems, though, already, as far as stones in, in yeah. the cinematic universe. Like, the Aether is out there. You know, how is, like, Ultron going to get knowledge about six of them and find out about the soul gem? I'm fine with Ultron being a big baddie and not dealing with any of that Infinity Gem stuff, I gotta tell you. Yeah. I hope there's not someone that, like, slips him a stone... If if he does get a stone, I hope he does it in his own on his own free will. Yeah, but then like, it's not like a, another loan from Thanos. Hey, Ultron, yeah. I like what you're doing here. Here's an Infinity Stone. But see, the thing is, if like if, but if he does get a hold of like a stone, what it does at that point is like none of the stones are on Earth now. It does kind of put Thanos's like focus his gaze upon the Earth again. Gotcha. So you know what I mean. Yeah, I, I don't know, dude. I'm just like, it's all theories, man. You know? Like, after Iron Man 3, everybody was thinking, like, you know, like, oh, all the different pieces, like, you know, like, all the armor underneath the ocean, Jarvis, and then, like, he gets corrupted, and blah, 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 blah. I really like your theory about um, Ultron creating Vision as to, like, show Tony Stark, like, you didn't respect Jarvis. Yeah. And you didn't even give him a body. You didn't give him a body. He, yeah. was, he was trapped he was just, he was trapped. And he didn't have a way to like you know even walk around like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, it, it kind of feels like it's kind of like a just a slap in the face to like you know robots and yeah. And but we obviously know because the Vision's a, a good character that eventually it's gonna forgive Tony Stark yeah. for treating it that way yeah. and be yeah. kind of. I imagine Vision's gonna be the turning point to the fight against Ultron when yeah. the Vision finally decides to side with the Avengers. Right. That that'll be a huge turning point against yeah. the Battle of Ultron. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's gonna be interesting to see how this all plays out, dude. So many theories. I'd like to hear some like the Army's theories, like. You know, like what they think is gonna what is gonna happen, how this is all gonna lead up. It sucks big time that we have like a year to wait now for another uh, Marvel movie. It'll be the first movie in Phase Three, so that's super exciting. But it's like God, a whole year now. Yeah, but it's like after like two months, then we get the Ant Man film. Yeah, that's true. I I, I feel like they would have just plugged that in wherever it got finished, though. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like if they had that ready two years ago, it would have been a Phase Two. Yeah. Like I don't really feel like it's a giant puzzle piece. In the Marvel mosaic. I don't either. 
No, I don't think this is going to deal anything with like gems or anything even to do with really shield that much. No, I honestly think the Ant-Man movie will probably be the most like loosest connected movie to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And that's surprising to me. We're dealing with Hank Pym and the stuff it deals with. Yeah. But I, I think we have a quicker chance of seeing Guardians of the Galaxy characters in Avengers movies before we have a chance of seeing anyone from the Ant-Man movie in an Avengers movie. It all depends on how the public yeah. receives like Paul Rudd and these characters. Yeah. If it blows up for over 100 mil opening weekend, then we'll see Paul Rudd in Avengers 3 in a second. <laughs> but, yeah. 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 I'll be there opening weekend, but man, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'll be there too, but yeah. I'm I'm not I was fueled for Guardians of the Galaxy since the moment they announced it. Oh, hell yeah, dude. I've been meh on Ant-Man. Yeah. E- even before Edgar Wright got fired, I right. got to tell you, it's nothing I've ever been like, "Oh my god, this Edgar Wright Ant-Man movie is just going to fucking oh, destroy yeah. my world." Oh, and it's not like I was against the movie. Like, no, I no. wasn't against it either. I think it's ballsy that they're making it, and I think it's it'll be a fun movie to watch, but like it wasn't like, no, not the hype behind it like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, it Good luck with it, though. I mean, I wish it all the best of luck. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. I, this is, I think this is our Guardians of the Galaxy pod, man. Yeah, I think we did it. We did it. Time, so. to, time to get some food and watch The Leftovers after recording The oh, Leftovers. I can't wait, man. I can't wait to watch that. <laughs> and of course, i got to watch my True Blood tonight and Falling Skies. How many more episodes left of True Blood before you're out of there? I don't know, man. I think there's like they're, they're like seven deep, so I forget how many episodes they have a season. Yeah. I'm always fascinated with uh, how a series ends, so even without hearing any episodes, I yeah. still can't wait to hear kind of the fallback from, from what the big fans think about the last episode, you know? And don't worry, Leftover Army. I'm going to watch Sharknado sometime this week and oh, I'll, nice. have a, I'll have a sharknado 2 the second one review for you next week i just <laughs> i wanted to make this all guardians and i wanted to like approach this in a way like where we broke down every scene and talked about every possibility yeah this, this is this has been a great podcast i've had a lot of fun talking about and guardians. i think we're guardians has, there's so much to talk about i, I imagine in future podcasts we're going to be coming back to this movie and yeah. saying things about it Turtles come out next week? Turtles comes out next week. We're not going to have a Turtles-centric show. No, I'll submit myself to it and I'll talk about it. it. It might be like a good pop, bad pop thing, but it's we're not doing a whole show on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. No, if we do more than a half an hour on Ninja Turtles, then fucking slap me. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Ninja Turtles fans out there. No, it's not like we don't like the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Like, dude, I, when that shit came out when I was a kid, I had every toy. Every yeah. toy of the Turtles. Yeah. So, I mean, like for the, like the first wave of turtle toys, I didn't get every toy that came out after, but you know, like when they first came out, dude, I had the blimp, I had everything. Yeah. Rocksteady, Bebop, all the turtles. Casey Jones. Yeah. Baxter Stockman. I had April O'Neil, Splinter. (laughs) Yeah. All that, man. The crocodile. Yeah. Oh, Leatherface. Yeah. (laughs) If anybody out there has a Scratch the Cat, those are worth like hundreds and hundreds of dollars because they were such a limited run of that toy. That's interesting. If you have it in the card, it might be even worth a thousand. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah, Turtle Toys were probably the last action figures I collected before I never bought action figures again. Me too. Like, that's like, I kind of like, that's when I stopped buying like a lot of action figures. Yeah, I was probably too old for Turtles even. Yeah. But they, they were just so cool and so popular that I found myself getting them still yeah i liked the. Uh, i was a big fan of usagi ojimba oh yeah i love that they uh tied that into the turtles world yeah i was a uh, big fan of, i like the neutrinos i loved all that dimension i love the neutrinos yeah, yeah i love that too i love krang and all that stuff krang. too yeah yeah 
So, yeah, nice. All right. General yeah. Trag. Next week, we'll probably just have like a regular show with like our uh, good pop, bad pop news and all that stuff. And Frank has engagements next week, so he won't be with us next week. Yeah, maybe we'll find a guest. Yeah. Or maybe we won't. Who knows? Yeah. Whatever. No one wants to do this shit with us. Fuck no. <laughs> People have a hard enough time listening to just like me and you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So. So yeah, we'll we'll be back next week. Yeah. All right, and just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah, I am Groot. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying I just listened to 2 hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. And as always, check out our website, www.popcultureleftovers.com. We've got great articles there. Comic reviews, movie reviews, television reviews. It's awesome. Check it out. And if you're interested in writing for the site, uh, we definitely need more writers. So send an email to domesticateddave at gmail.com. And if David Griffin likes what he reads, he'll get in contact with you. And you can be part of the team. Remember, this is a non-paying gig, but it's a really cool way to have your voice heard. And we'd love to read your submissions. So get in contact with David. And thank you. And check us out on Tumblr, too, motherfuckers. <laughs> and don't forget, we're on Instagram, too. <laughs> yeah, that just happened. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and it's all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the left. Picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Gonna toss it, gonna taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it Can't erase it Let's embrace it Tupperware party Subculture spill over Like a vulture Carryover Counterculture pushovers Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers that original and good have already been done before so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft the crap even though we're the shit we're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids it's a trap Gonna toss it, gonna taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said, leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. sure the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture, leftovers.
Leftovers.